You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour is back in your life on this Monday, October 16, 2017. Hello again, everyone. I'm Ariel Hawani, back inside our New York City studio. Hope you had a lovely weekend. Great to be here with all of you on this frigid Monday afternoon. Fall is here in New York. It's a great time. If you've ever been in New York during the fall months, it's, it's always very... It's very cozy. You know, the leaves start to change colors. Everyone's wearing their sweaters and scarves. It's a nice time. A little sad that summer is is leaving us, but spirits are high here in New York City this time of the year. As far as MMA is concerned, it was a relatively quiet weekend in the world of mixed martial arts this past weekend. Some notable things. Mackenzie Dern improved to 4-0 as a professional. Uh, she submits Mandy Polk in the first round via rear naked choke. Actually dropped her and then submitted her. And I know some are critical of her striking and there's there's a lot more improvement to be made, but I do think that she is moving along slowly but surely. Now if she can get in some kind of role, be active, not take long breaks, still think that maybe 125 will be easier for her right now as far as weight cutting is concerned. Uh, I think we're on to something here. But don't rush her to the UFC just yet. That's my opinion. Um... Cage Warriors had an event. Bigfoot Silva predictably lost to Rico Verhoeven, a fight that should have never been made. Thankfully, no major damage, at least that we could tell, but he lost in the second round via TKO, and I think that he owes a debt of gratitude to the referee involved in the fight because I think he stepped in there and didn't want to see any more damage. So that was this weekend. All kinds of news to discuss. We'll be doing that later on in the show. MMAfighting.twitter.com is where you can check us out on Twitter. Also send us some questions, comments using the hashtag DMMAHour. So please do that. We have a loaded show for all of you. There's a lot going on, as always, in the world of mixed martial arts. The uh, UFC is back in Poland this weekend, and they've got a pretty nice card. It's exclusively on Fight Pass. So looking forward to that. It's an afternoon card here in the United States. And Bellator is back with a very interesting card as well because Bellator is in Connecticut, very close by to where we are right now. And they are featuring the debut, the promotional debut of one Gegard Mousasi. Looking forward to that very much. It's Bellator 185. It's him versus uh, Alexander Shlomenko. The card took some hits along the way, but still some interesting names. Gegard Mousasi, Neiman Gracie, and of course, the one and only Heather Hardy. So let me run down today's lineup and then... We'll get to our first guest of the day. Very much looking forward to our first guest. In fact, it is her debut on this program, and a lot of you have been asking for her, so I'm excited about that. So today's lineup, as I mentioned, around 4.45, it's the MMA After Hour. It's on MMAfighting.twitter.com, exclusively on Twitter. We'll answer your questions, hashtag the MMA Hour. 4.25, it's Rick's Picks. 4.05, we're going to be hearing from Khabib Nurmagomedov. You've been asking for him for what seems like months. In fact, his last interview was on this show in April. After 209, if you'll recall, Habib is back. Of course, we'll talk about the lightweight division, the title picture, Ferguson's win, what's next for him, back surgery. So much to talk to Habib about. Allah Akbar, he is here. Can't wait to talk to him at 405. 345, we'll talk to Juliana Pena. You may have heard over the weekend, she was featured in People Espanol, and she is pregnant. And she's due to give birth in January. So naturally, she's taking some time off. I want to talk to her about that, what it means for her career, all that and more. 
245, as I said, will be joined in studio by Gegar Musasi. Can't wait for that. Talk to him about his Bellator debut. First time he's been in studio. That should be a lot of fun as well. 225, we'll talk to Kevin Lee about the loss to Ferguson, where he goes from here, the staff infection, all that and more. 205, we'll talk to Derek Lewis in his first interview since pulling out of UFC 216 on just hours notice. How's his back feeling? When does he want to return? What's going on there with the Black Beast? We'll be joined by him at 205. 145, we'll talk to Henry Cejudo, who survived, who escaped some vicious wildfires that are still plaguing the Northern California region. He was in Santa Rosa, California, escaped in the middle of the night, burnt his right foot, but he's in Brazil right now training for UFC 218 against Sergio Pettis in Detroit. Uh, He made it out okay. He did lose his Olympic gold medal in the fire, so we'll talk to him about that and how his family's doing. And at 125, one of the very best referees in the world, Mark Goddard, will join us to talk about weight cutting, the evolution of MMA officiating, all that and more. I put him in the discussion with Herb Dean, with Big John McCarthy, with names like that. Mark Goddard, one of the very best in MMA. But first... Hey guys, it's New York Rick. Before we get into the interviews this week, I want to bring you a message from our friends at Tommy John. Awkward underwear adjustments? They've been plaguing guys for decades. But there's one company out there that's putting an end to this adjustment epidemic once and for all. And that company is Tommy John. Tommy John is the 21st century men's underwear brand that I switched to, and I'm glad I did. Each pair is crafted from ultra-light, breathable fabrics that move with you, not against you. That means no riding up, ever, and it's impossible to get a wedgie. Tommy John even pioneered the time-saving horizontal quick-draw fly. Talk about a game-changer. They really thought of everything to help guys feel more comfortable. From the world's most innovative underwear to socks that stay up all day and patented undershirts that never come untucked. Plus, all their underwear is backed by the best pair you'll ever wear or it's free, guaranteed. So what have you got to lose? Change out of that ridiculous, ill-fitting, multi-pack underwear and into Tommy John. No adjustment needed. So, hurry to TommyJohn.com slash MMA to get 20% off your first order. That's TommyJohn.com slash MMA for 20% off. One more time, TommyJohn.com slash MMA. Now back to the show. Let us go to the magic of Skype and welcome in our first guest of the day. As I said at the top, people have been asking for her to be on the program for quite some time, and I'm so excited that she's joining us this week. She has a very big fight coming up on Saturday, UFC Dansk in Poland. She is the co-main event against Jody Escabel. She is the one and only Karolina Kowalkiewicz. Karolina, how are you? Hello, thank you. I'm fine. Uh, Dzień dobry. Did I say that right? Dzień dobry, dzień dobry. Dzień dobry, dzień dobry. Damn it. Almost perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, your English is better than my Polish, so um, we'll leave it at that. But it is great to have you on the show, Karolina, and I appreciate you being on uh, during fight week because I know you're very busy. Um, first things first, how far do you live from Dansk? I- I'll be honest, I've heard of Warsaw, I've heard of Lodz, I've-, I've heard of many places in Poland. I've never heard of Dansk. How far do you live from there? Uh, I live in Łódź, uh, Łódź is in the middle of the Poland, uh, Gdańsk is uh, on the sea. Uh, this is, I don't know, maybe three, four hours by car, not so far. Okay, is there a big MMA population there? Is it, is it a big city, like uh, they're, they're, they're very into MMA over there? Yes, yes, Gdańsk is a very uh, big and very beautiful city and uh, there are lots of uh, fun of MMA. 
I heard from a lot of fans who thought that you should have been the main event for this card, given the fact that you're very popular in Poland. Were you disappointed when you weren't the main event? No, no, I'm not disappointed. I, I am very happy because uh, I fight on uh, UFC in Gdańsk. Uh, and for me, this is something big. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm very happy. <laughs> it's amazing, as you may say, might say, right? It's amazing. You always say it's amazing, which I love. It's a great word. Oh, my my dog is here. Oh, okay. Say hello. <laughs> What's his name or her name? Mamut. 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 Hello, Mamut. How are you? Is that a boy, Mamut? Yes. What a cute my dog. Boy. My beautiful boy. <laughs> <laughs> Why Mamut? Uh, you know this. Uh, Big, uh, big animal. Uh, I don't know how how to say. Mm, elephant with long hair. Okay, that's a mammoth. In Poland, uh, we call this mammoth. Okay, a marmot. <laughs> wow. And you think that your dog looks like that kind of animal? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but smaller. Okay, yes. Well, it's a very cute dog, and uh, hello to him. Thank you for joining us as well. Um, so you're fighting Jody Escabel, who's making her debut, yeah. and she's a, a former Invicta fighter, of course. She's been fighting for a while at Jackson Winklejohn in, um, out of Jackson Winklejohn in Albuquerque. Had you ever heard of her when, when you were offered this fight? Did you know about her? No, I never heard uh, about her before, uh, but... Uh... But now I know something about yes. her, and uh, she's uh, really tough, tough girl. Uh, she have good boxing, and I hope uh, we give good good fight. Yeah. What 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 was on your radar? Like, what did you think, or what did you want for this card? Um, because most people who you know were following the strawweight division didn't expect them to make this kind of matchup for you, since you're 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 highly ranked. What were you thinking that they were going to give you? You know what? I mm, approached this fight uh, as uh, a world championship fight. Jody is a newcomer, uh, but we are uh, being newcomers before, so. Sure. <laughs> so you're not taking her lightly? Yes, yes. I treat her very serious. Last time we saw you was in I June. I think she's very determined. So sure. It's an important fight for her. Yes, yes, for me too. <laughs> of course. Um, speaking of which, last time we saw you was in June against uh, Claudia Gadelia, and that was the first um, stoppage loss of your career. Uh, you, you obviously were very disappointed afterwards. We saw you in the cage, and, and since then you've remained sort of out of the spotlight. Why? How did you react afterwards? When you went back home, when you, when you went home to Poland, how did you react to the loss? How long did it take for you to get over it? I'm very sad, <laughs> uh, but I don't want to look past, you know, mm -hmm. it was her day, not my, uh, I'm now I'm focused on, on future on Jody. I don't want, uh, look back. Look past. Okay. Okay. The, did you watch the fight a lot of times in order to, to sort of move on from it, learn from the mistakes or you didn't even do that? No, I watched this fight only, only one time. Okay. Um, when it happened or recently? 
Once again? Did you watch the fight like right after it happened or did you watch it recently in preparation for your fight on Saturday? Uh, I watched this fight next day. Okay, and that's it. You don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, that's it. Do you think that you'll only get over the fight once you have this fight on Saturday? You win, you look good in front of your country, and then you can kind of move on? Or do you think that you will only get over the fight if you get another crack at Claudia? Once again? Do you think that you'll only get over the fight against Claudia once you fight on Saturday? You can look good, you can get a victory, you can celebrate, or will it take having to fight Claudia again for you to, you know, kind of move on from the fight and and not feel sad about it anymore? Uh, after a fight with Jody, I won't move on. <laughs> okay, that's it. You're done with it. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things about watching you fight is your walkout song, The Passenger by Iggy Pop. Yes, Iggy Pop Passenger, my favorite song. <laughs> Why is that your favorite song? Because uh, it's beautiful. This is yes. very simple. <laughs> when did you first hear that song? Oh, I, I don't remember. I was very young when I heard this song first time and I knew this is my song. Why? Why? Why does it connect with you so well? Why do you feel like it represents you and that you want that to be your walkout song? Mm. I like everything in this song. I like uh, music. I like words. Uh, I like this song. <laughs> Just like it, that. It puts you in a good mood. It's a very good song. Very good music. Yeah, it's a great song. Usually when you have a, a, a fighter from... Uh, you know, Eastern European country or something, they'll, they'll usually have a song from their home country, from Poland, from, you know, Russia or whatever. But th this is a song that's very popular here in the United States. It's a classic. Um, and so I think that people really enjoy when you come out to the song. And so I was wondering if it, you feel like it kind of represents you, if it speaks to you in a kind of way, it, it, it paints the picture of who you are, maybe all those things. Yes, something like this. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you listen to the song as you train as well? Yes, yes. <laughs> I heard that uh, Iggy Pop chose that song because, or at least he wrote the song because for for many years, he, he used to travel with uh, David Bowie and he didn't have his license. And so he was kind of the passenger going along for the ride. Does that represent you as well? Like a, a passenger you going through? You heard this song uh, uh, when, uh, I don't know how to say, uh, because you uh, talk about David Bowie and yeah. uh, I like I like this version with David Bowie. You heard oh. you heard it? No, I never heard that version. They do it together. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> How come you don't walk out to that version? Amazing, really. Oh, there you go. Uh, uh, why, why don't you choose that I one? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Maybe, maybe next time. <laughs> Fair enough. For this fight on Saturday, are you going to be walking out to that song? Yes. All right. Uh, have you been walking out to it your entire career since the, since the first fight? Uh, no, not my whole career. When I uh, um, I start walk uh, walk with this song uh, on Invicta. Okay, yeah. When I fight on Invicta. Okay. Um, another thing that fans really like about your your entrances is you have a very calm demeanor. You always like sort of lean on the cage. You give the camera a thumbs up. You're smiling. What's that all about? Uh, 
How are you so calm before getting into a fist fight? I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> for me, Octagon, this is the safest place in the world. Uh, I feel uh, very good when I'm there. <laughs> and I'm very focused and I am happy because I do what I love. Yeah. Have you always done that? Have you always kind of had that demeanor before your fights where, you know, where you kind of like put your hands behind your back and you're leaning up against the wall. People love that. Yes, I always do, do this. I don't know why. Yeah. You're, so you feel like when you're in the octagon, that's safer than anywhere for you in the world. Yes. Yes, exactly. That's when you're at your happiest. Yep. Wow. That's interesting. I always like fighters, you know, Damien Maya, I don't know if you know this, but Damien Maya has a degree in journalism. So I'm always sort of partial to fighters who like journalism because that's what I do as well. And I heard that you went to journalism school as well, but only for a year, right? Yes, 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 yes. I studied uh, one year. <laughs> what happened? Why'd you stop? Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, I had a very, uh, difficult, very difficult time in my life. Uh, and... Uh, I train a lot, uh, work and study, and uh, it was too much for me. Okay. Why did you want to be a journalist? Like, what about journalism interested you? Uh, <laughs> uh, I like uh, met uh, new people, mm -hmm. uh, new in interesting people. So I, I thought this is... Uh, this is something for me. <laughs> Do you think once you retire from MMA, you'll try to go back and be a journalist, maybe an MMA journalist? Maybe, maybe we will see when, uh, um, maybe if my English uh, will be better, maybe. <laughs> well, you could be a, a Polish MMA journalist as well. The sport is getting so popular there, right? Yeah. yeah. That'd be fun. You we do the interviews. What future brings. Okay. I, I also heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, that one of your biggest heroes is a journalist, Martina Wojciechowski. Yes, yes. Journal, journalist Martina Wojciechowska, yes. Yes, I totally butchered that name. Um, who, who, for those that don't know, who is she and why is she your hero? Uh, she's Polish journalist. Uh, she, uh, I don't know how to say, she's... Uh, um, she, tra she travel in whole world and she do amazing things, uh, and she's amazing, strong woman. <laughs> wow! Have you ever met her before? No, no, never. You'd like to meet her though. Yes, yes. <laughs> How would you react if she wanted to interview you? Do a, do a, a show about you? This is uh, like something like uh, Christmas in June, right? <laughs> <laughs> it would be like a dream come true. Yeah, yeah. Does she have a show in Poland? Like a weekly show or something like that? Yes. Okay. I'd love to, I'd love to see some of her stuff, but she only, she only speaks in Polish, right? No, no, no. Oh. She knows a few language, not 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 like me. <laughs> okay, no, no, you're doing great. You're doing great. Her English is perfect. 
Her English is perfect. Okay. Um, I think that's very cool. I think it's cool that your, your hero is a, is a journalist. Um, and that, and I mean, you don't, you don't hear that often, especially from fighters. Sometimes fighters don't like journalists, you know, they get annoyed, um, or don't really understand. So I, I, I respect that. I appreciate that out of you. <laughs> no comment. Maybe you don't feel the same way. Um, I, I, I wanted to ask you about the fight coming up in less than a month um, because you fought both Rose and Joanna. Who do you think is going to win that fight, the title fight in New York? Uh, I don't know. Mm, really, I don't know. 50-50. <laughs> hmm. uh, 50-50, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I Joanna, she's uh, the best fighter in the world, but uh, Rose, she's a great fighter too. She's very young. Uh, really, I don't know. Are you rooting for someone over the other? Are you rooting? I'm, I'm with Rose and I'm with Joanna. I like Rose very much. She's oh. a great person, very nice. And, uh, and Joanna, she's Polish, so... <laughs> Joanna and <laughs> Rose. And Rose. Um, how would you describe your relationship with Joanna these days? Because when she was on the show, I still feel like there's, uh, I don't know, some uh, animosity there, some, some, I don't know, some issues there between you two. Why is that? And do you feel the same way? Uh, I think she don't like me. <laughs> <laughs> how could that be possible? I respect her. But once again, how could that be possible? Who doesn't like you? Joanna, I don't know why. Ask her, not me. <laughs> sure, sure. What, what, why? You, so you have no idea why she still doesn't like you? No, no. Wow. Maybe because I smash her face a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that a fight that you are able to watch again, or is it hard for you to watch any of your losses? Uh, I watched this fight only one time. Only one time. <laughs> and I... One month after fight with Joanna, I watched this fight. Okay. Would the dream be to rematch her in Poland? Oh, maybe. Now I, I, I don't think about this. Now I'm focused on, on Jody. Jody, that's right. I want to train, fight. I want to do what I love. So... <laughs> And this is what you love. As the story goes, you were... Yeah, uh, yeah. I love, I love MMA. I love yeah. UFC. I love train. I love fight. So. You were kind of someone who didn't know what, what they wanted to do in their life. And you then became a Krav Maga instructor. And then you found MMA. And now you found your, your passion in life, your calling. You weren't quite sure, but you were born to be an MMA fighter, right? Who would have thought? Yes, yes. This is the way of my life. <laughs> Amazing. And and what's it like in Poland these days? Like, do a lot of people come up to you? Are you a big star there where everyone's bothering you when you're on the street? What's it like? Uh, sometimes people uh, recogni recogni recognize me. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm not so big star in Poland. <laughs> not yet? No, no. Not a lot of interviews? People know who I am. Some people know who I am, but but I'm not big star. Maybe after this weekend, because you'll be fighting back in Poland. Maybe, maybe, maybe. we will see. By the way, last thing for you, um, and it's been a lot of fun having you on. Great English, by the way. 
I know you were a little worried about it, but you're doing great. Yes, this is for me very stressful. <laughs> I know, I can tell. I don't want to stress you out. I'm sorry. Um, do you oh. get a kick? To me, it and I know I asked you this sort of at, at the press conference in Dallas, but I always get a kick because at those press conferences when they have all the people up there, you always seem to be near all the the craziness. Remember when you were in New York next to Conor McGregor and the whole thing with him and Jeremy Stevens, and then you're you're there and like Kevin Lee and Michael Kesa. So there's all you always seem to be up there when there's all kinds of craziness going on, and it's always fun to watch your reaction because you're obviously not like that. What is going through your mind when Conor's up there and you know saying all the things that he's saying? Are you enjoying it? Do you feel uncomfortable? How do you feel about it? Like I said, in New York, for me, this is fun. This is very funny when when guys like, uh, act like that. So for me, this is fun. I love this. <laughs> You're not embarrassed or you don't get stressed out by it? You're just kind of watching no, it? No, 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 no. But that's not your style. You'll never do that with your opponent. You, you're not the kind to, to trash talk or anything like that. No, no, no. I am lady. Come on. <laughs> But ladies, I mean, we've seen, we, we've seen them get intense. Like, you know, you know, Joanna can get intense. Ronda Rousey, right? Chris Cyborg. Some of them get intense. Yes, some girls, yes. But but not not me. This is not my style. I'm very, very nice and smiley person. So uh, <laughs> this is no, not my style. I, I'm sure if you meet someone, they'd be shocked that you're uh, an MMA fighter, just given your demeanor, right? Yeah, I'm sure that happens People all the time. Always ask me why why you are MMA fighter. You don't look like MMA fighter. You don't act like MMA fighter. So, how does your family feel about it? Are they supportive? Yes, they. I have a great family. They support me very much, and my mom will be in Gdańsk. Oh wow! Does she usually come to your fights? Yeah. She was only one time on my fight. Uh, usually, she stay with my with my dog in Poland. Okay, but this time your mom is going. Is 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 your dog going too? Uh, maybe, maybe we'll see. I I think about this. Okay, Mamot. I mean, he's good luck. Why not? Tomorrow morning, I I drive to Gdańsk. My mom. Uh, come on Friday, so maybe mom would uh, come with her. That'd be fun. Why not? Give you some good luck, some support, have him around, yeah. uh, calm your nerves. Energy. <laughs> yes, good energy. Well, I wish you the best in the fight, Carolina. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, we're all looking forward to it. I know it's Thank an important fight much. for you. Really appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Good luck to you on Saturday. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Great job. Thank you so much. There she is. One of the very best strawweights in the world, Karolina Kovalkiewicz. She meets Jody Escabel on Saturday, UFC Dansk. It's on Fight Pass here in the United States. Main event, of course, Darren Till getting a big opportunity against one Cowboy Cerrone. We'll talk about that card a little more a little later on. I do believe our next guest will be at that card. He'll be working at that card one of the best officials in the world, as I said at the top, I put him in the discussion with the likes of Herb Dean, with the likes of Big John McCarthy. To me, it's 1A, 1B, 1C. And over the last year, year and a half, he's showing up at all the big events, not just the European ones anymore, but the ones in Vegas, all over in North America. And it's about damn time. He is one of the very best at what he does. And it's a pleasure to have right now, Mr. 
Mark Goddard on the program. Mark, how are you? I'm doing great. Where are you? Are you are you in your car right now, Mark? I, I am in my car. I'm actually going to be going training, so but I'll find a quiet place. Hopefully, you can hear me all right, and it's not too uh, noisy in the background. It's all good. I appreciate you going the extra mile, uh, perhaps quite literally. Thank you very much for uh, for being on the show today, Mark. Um, and I mean what I said. You're one of the very best at what you do. And in my opinion, you're, it's 1A, 1B, 1C. And I know everyone always talks about Big John and Herb Dean, but you're doing a great job. I love how uh, confident you are in there, authoritative. It, you never waver. When you're there, you're a presence and you continuously are one of the very best. So kudos to you. One of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show this week was um, you've been very outspoken about the weight cutting epidemic in our sport. And in light of what happened two weekends ago in Japan at Pancrase 290, where a Brazilian fighter named Daniel Lima was, I mean, I don't even know how to describe his, his, his demeanor. I mean, it looked like he was you know, on the verge of death as he stepped on the scale, missed weight by two pounds, had to be held up. I mean, it's a horrible scene. And then even fought afterwards. You put out a video. You've been very outspoken about this. So let me ask you, I refer to it as a weight-cutting epidemic. Do you feel like this is an epidemic? Like if something doesn't happen soon, we're going to see some major tragedies in this sport. Um, I don't think it's an epidemic as such, um, and, and obviously, sadly, you know, there, there was a tragedy uh, related yes. to it in, uh, with uh, a guy who was at 1FC, so that sadly is, you know, the worst has already happened, uh, shall we say, but I think if you use the example of um, uh, the Pancrase incident, uh, and actually, you know, it compelled me to, to you know, to speak out. Um, that was particularly hard for me to, you know, to watch and to swallow. I just think it was a particularly, it was a very bad example. It didn't look good by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, I just wanted to put my thoughts out there, uh, which I think I did quite clearly. Where does the burden lie in a situation like that? Because at some point the fighter almost kind of, I feel like, look, you sign a contract, you agree to a fight, you're a professional, you have to see it through, but at some point when you're cutting weight like that, I mean, I almost feel like you're 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 losing, you know, your your decision making process and, and and your ability to make the right kind of decision. Does it lie on the promoter? Does it lie on his team? What should be done in a situation like that, in your opinion? Well, you've kind of just you've kind of just quoted what I said. That's what you know. It came straight from the heart. It came straight from the horse's mouth. When I made that video, I was saying exactly the same thing. You know, look, make no bones about it. Um, and I'm talking from experience here too. I'm not being condescending towards fighters because I've done it. I've made weight many times for many things over many years. Um, and like I said, as a fighter, when you uh, elect to sign a contract, when you accept a fight, wherever it may be, that responsibility will stay with you. Okay, And that could be a collective you, you, your team, your manager, wherever it may be. But as I said, make no bones about it. It's your responsibility. When you came to the incident with uh, Pancrase and we saw the, the physical condition of this young, uh, this young man getting on, the, getting on the scale, that is when it should have been a 180. That is when the responsibility should have shifted. This kid didn't even know what day of the week it was. He's in no fit state to be able to put himself into a fight, put himself out of a fight. That's when the collective parties should have got together. And, and like 
instead of my video, uh, the main party that I, that I, I would be looking at in that instance would be his, his coaches and the guys who were there, you know? Um, it was... But you have a collective, you have the promoter, the medical staff, etc., etc. Um, it's nothing that I haven't said before, uh, but just, you know, without the fear of repetition, the way that he didn't make it to the scale, he was he was physically helped by two people. And right. what's the end of the video, what was more, I mean, was how he got off at stage. And, and that point, should, the decision should have been taken away for him. There was no choice at that point, or there shouldn't have been. But shouldn't the promoters as well say we want nothing to do with this fight? Like it's clear that this man is in no shape to fight. Shouldn't they have pulled the fight as well? Yeah, the, you know, the, there is a, there is an ethical question there, and it's something that I said. My my thinking, any other part of the world, um, you know, with a with a commission control, that fight's not happening clearly. You know. I'm, uh, you know, you see uh, fighters in all kinds of physical conditions get to the stage. Excuse me, sorry. You see them get in all kinds of conditions to the stage, and then you will hear afterwards uh, due to a complication or due to, uh, you know, where it has been taken away from them, and they haven't been allowed to fight. It's definitely a collective. And in that example that we're talking about now, it was, you know, medical, the promoter. But like I said, for me, the, the cusp of this lies with that guy's coaches. How did he get that far? Mm. It's, it's a jarring thing to watch, but also we have to be honest. I mean, this happens all across the world every week. Guys are cutting weight and they're sometimes doing it poorly. Um, I don't know if anything seriously is going to happen unless, and I hope it doesn't, but unless it happens in the UFC because they are the premier promotion in the world. From your perspective, do you feel like the UFC is doing enough to educate the fighters and is being careful enough when they see a fighter in a state somewhat similar to that, dehydrated, whatever the case may be, to put on the safest fights possible? Do you like where things are at, or do you feel like more can and should be done? No, I like where things are at. And I'm not saying that because, you know, I'm a subcontractor here. I work for many promotions, but the, the example of, uh, you know, the UFC have, have pulled fights, many fights over the years, for the, for the exact reasons we're talking about. But it kind of goes back to what I was saying before, you know, when I think we had a little bit of interaction uh, uh, on social media, uh, additional weight classes. And I said, hey, God, look, that's not the answer. And what I meant by that is I'm not saying that, uh, you know, an overhaul or eventually a couple more weight classes may be needed or may come. You know, this sport is still formative. People forget that. We're still a young sport and we're learning and we're evolving along the way. But it goes back to my original point the, the sole responsibility when the fighter decided, if the fighter thinks he can make an elected weight class, that's his choice, and it's his choice to make it. When it comes fight week or fight day, or sorry, weigh-in day, that's when the, the, the external eyes are looking, and they're possibly going to be making their own decisions. It's not just going to rest on the fighter. My concern about the weight classes is I feel like 155 to 170, 170 to 185, 185 to 205 is just too big of a jump. So giving the fighters more options will allow fighters to not make those difficult decisions when they're kind of in between. They're a 165-er and, you know, 155 is just too small, but 170 is too big. Well, maybe now we can find an in-between. Why have those jumps? And I know that once you get to heavyweights, to light heavyweight, okay, the, the talent pool is a little thinner, but I just feel like it's time where we give the fighters more options. I don't think it's the sole answer, 
but I don't see how it hurts. You, it definitely doesn't hurt. And, and like I was, you know, sometimes Twitter's a bit restrictive. Sure. I don't know, maybe you're on 280 characters. I am 280, maybe. I am 280. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm 140. And look, and here's the thing, Ed. what I'm saying is, as we say in the UK, merely, if we have additional weight classes, you're moving the goalposts. Does uh, having additional weight classes result in the end of uh, people missing weight? No, of course it doesn't. Is it part of the solution? Yes, it is, possibly. But fighters will still try and go that extra well, pound, that extra mile. They'll still try and go that extra pound. Maybe in the, in the smaller weight cuts where weight is a little bit more of an issue and the talent pool is bigger, you know, something in the future will come around. But the make what I said is not the answer. That was just the thing I was saying. People think it's an automatic thing. Let's have additional weight classes and everything's going to be okay. No. The focus and the emphasis still must be on uh, the correct practice and the safe practice of these accepting within their own liability and their own safety that once they can make a weight class, you know, suitably so, it's, it's down to them. Have you ever been in a position where you've seen a fighter just not look good, whether it's in the locker room or at the weigh-in and say, look, I, I, I don't think that this fight should proceed. Has that ever happened to you in your career? Um, I've saw fighters in some in some depleted states. I've been one. <laughs> I've crawled across the floor in a sauna. Fifteen years ago, we didn't give a damn about you know big guys trying to uh, make weight. Weight cutting wasn't, uh, especially in European circles, it's uh, it wasn't as known as what it uh, it is now, and it wasn't given as uh, you know higher profile. Oh, we may have lost Mark here for a second. Oh, Mark, are you back? It's, it's part and parcel of this sport. But, yeah, sorry, you still got me? Yeah, we lost you there for a second, but now you're back. Yeah, so I was saying about, you know, weight cutting, apart from the, the, the sport being formative, weight cutting is part and parcel of this sport. It always will be. It's a yeah. culture, you know, the adage of, of fighters and what people miss for some fighters, I'm not saying it's for all of them, but some people, the weight cutting, it's a process. It's kind of like a mental purge, and they feel ready when they go through something arduous. I know it was for me. Obviously, you know, the heavyweights, some of the guys don't have to make weight, but some of the lighter weight classes, there was also a mental focus and a mental aspect as well as the physical one to get over with uh, when it comes to making weight. I don't know how much you pay attention to what's going on in California, but it seems like they're trying to do something about it with their 10-point plan, with hydration tests, with you know weigh-ins a month out, uh, 15 days out, etc. Do you, A, like what they're doing in California, and B, is it possible that all states you know, adopt these rules or is that asking for too much? All jurisdictions, all countries. I mean, I, I just fear that you know California is a state, Nevada are states... They make a lot of money off of combat sports, but you know some of these smaller areas, they, they just don't, so it's hard to keep up with that sort of thing. So I guess it's a two-part question. Have you seen what they're doing in California? Do you like what they're doing? Is it feasible? And is it possible to do this across the world? Uh, the first part of the question, yes, I saw the 10-point plan. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, Andy Foster was at the, uh, at the forefront of sports, a very proactive, educated guy uh, when it comes to combat sports. And the plan they put together, 
relationship with other things. It is. It's going to take time. I am in full support of it. And kind of two points you were within that 10-point plan, but I think the answer may lie is uh, like we said about fighters in depleted states. No matter what, no matter how much you move the goalposts, they're still going to cut weight. And the only way of, of testing that in reality with fighters is having, like they do in uh, boxing, uh, they, they do it in boxing too, especially in title fights. They'll have an out-of-competition or, or, or an out-of-fight uh, weight check, maybe six mm. weeks, maybe a month, etc. But what California are doing with hydration testing too, you know, gravity testing, it's, it's part of the overall plan and it's slowly but surely coming together. And like I said, you know, mixed martial arts, whether people like it or not, was still a formative sport. I what the best practice is. Uh, I've seen people throw out the idea of same-day weigh-ins, uh, a la, you know, collegiate uh, wrestling. No, you don't like this idea. <laughs> Why? No. Right, let me ask you a question, Ariel. Sure. Same-day weigh-in. Do you think fighters are still going to cut weight? Yes. The answer is yes, and that's a dangerous precedent. You know, we don't want same-day weigh-ins. In fact, the only one we could tell the safety of a same-day weight is through having a hydration test. If somebody was walking around at a particular weight and he was so, so fantastic. But as you know, there's a big difference between losing weight and cutting weight. And yeah. we know that the fastest method of cutting weight is through dehydrating your body. Uh, in favor of weighing, the only way that I would like to see that um, move forward is if you're having uh, hydration testing because it's the only way of ensuring uh, um, uh, you know, that, that a fighter is in a, a proper state to be able to fight. Uh, around 15 or so months ago, uh, UFC adopted these early weigh-ins. Um, some are in favor, some don't like it because they say, oh, you know, it's too early in the day. It doesn't give the fighters enough time to cut weight. Um, you know, they have to wake up early. They can't fall asleep. And then on the flip side, people say, well, now you have more time to hydrate. How do you feel about the early weigh-ins? I think the early weigh-ins are the way forward. It's a good idea. And if you say it's not enough, enough time to cut, it just doesn't cut it part of the point. If you know that I, if I'm going to be somewhere for, for 8 a.m. in the morning, I'm going to leave at 7 a.m. If I'm going to weigh in at this time, I'm going to start my process slightly earlier. The fact of fighters saying it's not enough time, etc., etc., it is. If you know you've got to be somewhere at a certain time, at a certain point, at this date in the future, you should plan accordingly. But uh, to answer the question, early weigh-ins, yes, I'm in full favor of it. Okay. Um not on the same lines as Wayne's, but part of, you know, as you mentioned, us being in the formative years, I find it embarrassing that there are new, quote unquote, unified rules, and yet all the jurisdictions don't follow said rules. Some have adopted them, some have not. I can't imagine, I mean, you're a smart guy, you know, okay, I'm in this state, they follow them, I, I have to, you know, I, I have to enforce them. I'm in this state, they don't, I'll enforce the old way. But isn't that crazy? Like, how do you feel about that? That, that, makes, that has to make your job just a little more difficult. It's already the toughest job in officiating, in my opinion, as far as sports goes. So quick, subjective at times, and now you have to think about where you are, which jurisdiction, and what rules they've adopted. Isn't that embarrassing? Isn't that a major black eye on the sport? Um, to, to your first point that you said about the hardest, I agree. But uh, yes. aside from that... Um, to me, 
uh, as a professional, as an official, if I turn up to a particular country or a particular state and they say, we don't do this or we do do this, to me, it's not an issue. I can hide in and do and, and get on with the job in hand. Maybe some of the other officials that don't have, uh, the guys who are trying to uh, be up and coming and break through, if they don't have the same consistency and the same level of work to practice, yes, I think it could be a, a potential slip-up. Um, of course, I want the same thing. You know, I would, I would love to go from country to country, from, uh, you know, commission to commission, from area to area, and everybody be doing the same thing. That's part of my, you know, dream, if you like. It's what I've been doing working hard with the IMAF for the amateurs, we're trying to get everybody on the same page. It's fair to the fighters, the coaches, the fans, the commentators, everybody involved in the sport. If we have a single common rule set, and again, I come back to what I was saying, give it some time, give it some time for formation, and I do believe we're eventually going to get there. How do you feel about warnings in, in the midst of a fight? I feel like sometimes... There are too many warnings given. For example, in American football or any sport, I mean, let's talk about American football because you're you're penalized. Like when you go off sides, there's a penalty, five yards. If you grab someone's face mask, there's a 15-yard penalty. There's no, hey, don't do this again, and then I'll punish you. However, in MMA, you grab onto the fence once, twice, you continue to get a warning. A major takedown could could drastically alter the fight. Why is there a warning? Why can't the first warning be in the locker room? Hey, I'm warning you right now. If you grab the fence on a takedown, I'm going to take away a point. As opposed to in the midst of a fight when the guy who's cheating essentially is essentially gaining an advantage. Look, a point deduction in a fight is potentially, it's a major thing, okay? And here's the thing that people will... As a referee... When I when I'm when a fight unfolds in front of me, when I'm reading a fight, because that's what we're doing, that's what I'm doing. I'm not watching a fight; I'm reading the fight as it unfolds. And I've had some pretty um, high-profile examples of where positions. What we look for with fouls is a detrimental effect on the fight, something physically, and something that actually happened. Um, a, a good example was um, if you remember the Yao Romero and um, uh, Jack. Um, if you remember, there was, I was the referee, and there was a specific moment in the fight where they uh, clinched against the uh, fence. Jackaway went for an outside trip. Romero was holding the fence, spun himself round, and landed in top position. That is a, a perfect example of something that had a physical, actual, detrimental effect from that, that fight. When I saw the fight, stand them back up and give the warning. People are never going to be satisfied, Ariel. The reason I gave the warning was because that was the first time that he committed a foul in that fight. And a lot of the time you'll see with, with fans and commentators and cornermen when they're watching, it's okay to put your hand out. I'm going to use the example of grabbing the fence because people seem to think that you cannot touch the fence with your hand. You can many times. And there's a big difference between putting off the fence. Great example over Skype is not going to work. Uh, pushing off the fence your fingers going through yeah. and people will scream you know I say to people they say to me what do you do as a job I say well I travel the world to get shouted at but essentially that's what happens yeah but people's, people's hands that go through the fence there's a big difference he's not holding the fence at that point I'm going to labour the point on this because this is the, the, the best example there's a, a distinct 
difference between that and somebody physically grabbing and altering the position of a fight. If we started taking points, look, referees get enough heat for, for <laughs> possibly over inter- interactive, with, you know, with fights. If I started verbalising and calling out every single infraction that happened in a fight, we'd get toasted, we'd get roasted, and people don't want to see a ref again. We have to let a fight, you know, ebb and flow and, and, and keep its natural rhythm. My job, a referee's job, is there to see that if something uh, happened, a foul in particular, we're looking for a visible impact or an effect on that fight. And if it does, that's when we uh, step in and, and deal with it. And the severity of point deduction depends on, was it their first warning? Was the guy injured? Was it intentional? Was it unintentional? But, you know, I hope I'm not laboring the point, but what I'm trying to say essentially is, you know, point deduction is a major thing. Things Fair enough. Sometimes fighters are doing and they're doing innocuous things without realizing, and we have to be sure. Fair enough. Um, I certainly don't envy your position. I can't imagine, especially in this day with social media and everyone, uh, a supposed expert who you know has been watching MMA for several years. They think that they know uh, your job better than you, and you're an actual professional and an expert at it. So I, I certainly don't envy you. If I could ask you right before I let you go, is there one thing that you would like to see change in MMA? If I said there's one rule, something in MMA that you wish would be changed, what is it? Is there anything that comes to mind? I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but is there anything that really kind of eats at you that bothers you a lot? Uh, not so much bothers me. I think I think the most terms um, uh, infractions in terms of uh, uh, rule changes or fouls would be to abolish the 12 to 6 elbow. That would be the the most obvious and immediate thing that as a foul for sure. Okay, so you want that to just be legal, right? Yeah, it's legal because, you know, obviously there's, 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 there's quite a famous story as to how that came around as a, as a foul in the first place, but there is no more damage, there is no more impact right. that I can, you know, you see even even 12 or 6 to the body, it's not going to do anything, it's not going to sure. have an effect on the fight, but as a referee, we would still have to step in and call that as a foul, potentially break up, which is a good spot that they had, and I just think it's, and again in time, I think, that rule will eventually pass out and it will, it will be got rid of. Yeah, I know John Jones agrees with you as well, as do probably many other fighters. Mark, great stuff. Love the insight. Love having you on the show. Uh, keep up the great work. It's a pleasure to watch you in action. I know the role of the referee is to sort of be, you know, the best night is when you're not noticed, but uh, we are noticing how good you are at your job and appreciate you very much. All the best to you and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Ariel. Appreciate the feedback. Thanks. All right, there he is, Mark Goddard, one of the very best at what he does, one of the very best officials, regardless of country. Appreciate him coming on. Okay, let's move on to our next guest. Very excited to talk to Henry Cejudo. Uh, He had uh, an eventful, if we want to put it that way, week last week. He's um, in Northern California. He's in Santa Rosa, California, to be exact. And of course, if you follow the news, you know that uh, some horrific wildfires have just been um, ravaging that part of the world and they're still dealing with it as we speak and certainly wish our best to everyone there. And uh, he was lucky enough to escape and now he's in Brazil preparing for his fight at UFC 218 against Sergio Pettis. Wanted to have Henry on to talk about that experience and how everyone's doing. He joins us now on the phone. Henry, are you there? Hi, Mario. How's everything? How you doing, man? Everything's great. I really appreciate you joining us, Henry. Um, all the way from Natal, Brazil. What's it like over there in Natal? 
Oh, man, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's a lot different than Northern California last year. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Um, when did it? When did the fire start? Sunday? The fight, the, I'm sorry, the fire started Sunday, uh, I believe. And, and I remember I went out there. And it, and it was, it, was a, it started off as an awesome trip. We, uh, you know, uh, you know, one, one of my mentors and uh, one of my mentors, uh, he ended up running the private plane to get to Northern California. You know, we went out there for. I was doing a charity event, pretty much. You know, you have you have the likes of Barry Bonds, Jerry Rice. I mean, big time celebrities. Some of the greatest celebrities. Uh, I'm sorry, athletes of all time. Uh, that I'm not even familiar with their names, but if you can look at their, you know, the uh, statistics. It's uh, these dudes are just recognized for you know for for, for for you know for the accredited sport that they do. And uh, everything was good. We went to, we went to the, the, the function that night. Uh, you know, Barry Bonds was there. A lot of these guys. And it was just a small, secluded group. And uh, I remember just going back to the hotel that night. And we, I got back to the hotel maybe about 11 o'clock. Because the next day at 7 a.m. I had to wake up. And uh, by 7.45 I had to be in the lobby to, you know, to, do this, to do this charity event. And I remember by the time 11.30 hit, I remember uh, right before I was going to see them, I saw like the flickering of lights. Like, and it was weird. It was weird because I know how many times you kind of see like a, the, a flickering of lights in my, in, like, in my hotel room. And I'm just thinking to myself, God, that's, that's weird. But it was just like a two, three second thing, you know. They, they didn't think anything of it. And I uh, fell asleep. I was watching some wrestling and then I fell asleep. And then at two o'clock, uh, the alarm sounds uh, inside the hotel. And you know the, the, the alarm sounds, and I, I I look I look outside my room, nothing's going on. I think I look outside my uh, my my bedroom window, and nothing's going on. Like there's cars there, there's you know nobody's moving. It's like okay, there's probably a, a malfunction. I go back to sleep, and uh, you know the, the alarm stop the alarm stops sound sounding, and uh, I go back to sleep. And by the time uh, by the time four thirty hit. Uh, by the time 4.30 hit, I was literally woke, woken up by smoke. Like this time I woke up not because of the, 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 you know, the sirens or the hotel alarm, but I woke up because of, because I couldn't breathe. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, had, I had a couple of glasses of, of wine that night. And, uh, you know, so I was dead asleep. And I have rarely ever drink wine. And uh, I woke up this time just coughing. I was like, I don't know what's going on. So I go over kind of coughing, I'm just thinking like, man, I don't know what's going on. I'll go to turn the lights inside my room and, and, and the whole lights is shut off. Like I'm literally flicking the, you know, light switch up and down. Just like, man, what's, what's going on? And when I sleep, I sleep very dark, man. I don't like having light. I don't like having anything. So like, you know, the, the, the light of the TV will, will keep me awake, man. I'm, I'm like, I have to just have pure darkness. My So my room was pure darkness. But by the time I go over and I open my curtains, and I look outside the window. I mean, I see more than half the hotel like on fire. Like wow. half the hotel, like more than like, I was probably about six. I was probably about six rooms down before I, before I literally got attacked uh, wow. by the fire. And uh, the half the hotel. When I'm talking about fire area, I'm talking about like like uh, like uh, you know like fire coming out the windows, like wow. like flame. Like it's not just like patches. I'm talking about like the whole thing is 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 on fire. And I just remember I start sweating that because it was hot, man. It was more of the smoke that woke me up. And uh, you know, at that time, I, that night, I just slept with my towel on. I slept with my towel because I, I, I took a shower and I just I just happened to crash out and I and, and I 
so I threw my towel off and now at this time I'm naked and to keep in mind man like my room is uh is dark I cannot see anything I cannot grab anything um the only thing I was able to do I remember the night before I kind of left my slacks from the night before on the on, on the ironing board so I go I grab that boom and I happen to bump into my phone uh and I, I was actually charging my friend's phone at that time and uh and when I did that I, I bumped into my to my phone too so I was only able to grab uh, the phones that, that that the phone that was charging, I knew was right next to me, and then my phone happened to bump into it. So what I did is I, I was trying to look for my shoes, but at this time I couldn't breathe. Like I was literally just out of breath, and I was like, man, I had to, I had to just, uh, you know, just think fast, man. So as soon as I put my slacks on, as soon as I grabbed the phones, I opened that, I opened the window. This is a, this is this was a two story, uh, this is a two story hotel, so it was an older hotel. And it was a two-story hotel, and and I remember just looking out the window, and in front of me was like three, four, and there was about five houses, and they were all completely on fire. The only thing that was pre- pretty much left standing was the chimney, like that's wow. it, like just the outline of the chimneys. I saw a car next to me that that some, somehow I don't I don't know they probably just left it behind that was on fire. I saw I, I it was just pretty much I it was pretty much lava, man. Like literally, the only the only way I could describe it is just lava on the floor. I felt like I was inside of a sauna. So at this time, when I saw everything, man, I just had to jump. And I knew there was fire everywhere. Like there's fire everywhere. So when I jumped, I happened to happen to fall on a branch that was full of fire, which the whole floor was on fire, the whole ground was on fire. But that was the only place that I could jump. So I knew I was going to get burned, like regardless of what I was doing. But at this time, I wasn't. I didn't mind getting burned as long as you know, as long as I was able to breathe. So I jump out of this two-story hotel and I jump on the, you know, I, I, fall, I fall on that branch and my freaking, my right foot's on fire. <laughs> ah. My right foot's on fire. Yeah, my right foot's on fire. And I literally had to put out my foot wherever I found like a clear, uh, you know, a, a clear patch where there was no fire and I had to literally put it out with my foot. So a lot of, like the top of my foot, like all my hairs are gone and the bottom, as you saw when I sent pictures, you know, it was, it was all full of blisters, man. So keep in mind, at this time, you know, it's pretty chilly in California. I'm walking. I'm looking at mansions. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking at these mansions. These big California houses on fire, cars on fire, uh, and I just slowly started walking up. So it was just me. There was nobody area. It was just me. Like I was deserted. Like I didn't see one human being. I didn't see nobody. Not one cat. Not one dog. Like nothing. It was just me and me just hearing the sound of fire, like the sound of flame, just. Man, I was scared, man. I thought I felt adrenaline, you know, you know, fighting, you know, you feel adrenaline. This is like, uh, this is something that I've never felt before. Uh, you know, it's, I was just in, kind of in survival mode. Like this is, man, I'm, I'm a fighter. I'm a wrestler. The only thing I know how to do is, is survive. And I remember thinking in my mind, like, this is a horrible way to die, man. This is a whole, like, I don't deserve to die. Like, maybe I de- maybe I deserve to die, but not like this, <laughs> you know? Um, it was, Are it you was naked at this point? I remember walking. No, no, no. I had, had my slacks on, so I was okay, you able got to get my slacks on. Commando, commando. I had nothing on. <laughs> I started walking up, and once I once I saw this big giant building on fire, like completely, like it was halfway done. I slowly started going uphill, and as I go uphill, I'm just thinking to myself, God, Lee, I even forgot I had my phones on me because I'm kind of like. Uh, uh, it's like when you go through these 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 situations, like you're scared, but at the same time, it gives you this push, this courage that you know what, man, I'm a fighter. You know what, I'm a wrestler, man. I've 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 been through some of these situations before, 
And when I went up the hill and I saw that big building on fire, I, uh, cause I was just looking, like, man, I have to get a bird's eye view. I saw a cop, I saw a cop car in the middle of the freeway, and th- th- you know, the middle of the freeway, freeway. And then keep in mind, there's no cars, man, in the freeway. It's like deserted, man. It's like, it just, it's like, uh, it's like the movie, uh, it's like that movie with Will Smith. I forget the name of it. Yeah. Oh, yes. I am legend. It, it felt like that. It felt like that, but Armageddon. everything was on fire. Yeah. Armageddon, yeah. And I remember looking at, looking at, you know, I was up on the hill and I was looking, I remember I saw a car, a cop car. As I, as I called my friend and he was telling me, Henry, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was like, yeah, man. I was like, are you guys okay? He's like, yeah. He's like, where are you at? I was like, I'm, uh, I just, I couldn't speak, man. But when I, once I saw the cop car, I, I slowly was like, hey, man, I'll call you back, dude. I'll call you back. I, I, I see a cop. But to get to this cop car, there's, I'm in the middle of the freeway. I have to jump a few fences. So, so here I am. I'm running now, barefooted, no shirt, just slacks, commando. And I'm running, man. I'm running towards this cop car. I'm in the middle of the freeway. It was probably about maybe, uh, maybe about a quarter of a mile to, to where I had to go to. But keep in mind, man, like, there's fire everywhere, man. So on my way, when I, as I was running, I was getting burnt, like, throughout, like, uh, you know, throughout my foot. Oh, my god! And uh, I remember jumping. I remember jumping the first fence and I started running. Cause I was running like crazy. I was like, damn, I did this brush fire is no joke. And I jumped the second fence. And then as I jumped the third fence, the third fence was like a very flimsy, flimsy fence. It was like maybe about eight to nine feet tall, but it was flimsy. You know, it's like, I don't care if it was 50 foot tall. I was just like, you know, stable. So here I am, no shirt with my slacks. I jump over this, 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 this eight to nine foot fence and it's flimsy. And as I'm, ju- as I'm jumping over this fence, like the, the the edge of the fence snags my slacks, slag, snags my sex. So as I jump off, it grabs part of my butt. It cuts into my it cuts into my butt and rips half my slacks off. What? So here I am in the middle of the freeway. Oh and to top it off, the cop car the cop car leaves. So I do I jump what? all these three fences. Oh my gosh! I jump all these fences and the cop leaves, and I'm in the middle of the free. I'm just like, damn, dude. I'm like. You know, pretty much with just one side of my pants, just one pant leg. Oh my god, this is nuts! <laughs> this is the craziest story ever. Okay, yeah. sorry. Yeah, you know, and then, uh, and then, you know, I'm just like praying to God, just like, ah, God, just you know, just protect me, man. Like, I don't want to die like this, man. I'd rather die somewhere else, man. Maybe there's something else. I don't deserve this, man. I really don't. And next, you know, like I see this, I see this big, giant, massive vehicle coming towards me. I'm in the middle of the damn freeway, a five, six lane freeway, and I, I start, I start, you know, flaring down. Just I'm kind of waving my hands in the middle of the freeway, and I get picked up by uh, happen to be a fire truck, and they're just like, "Man, you are one lucky guy, man. You are one lucky guy." And they, they pretty much they pick me up, they put me in, the, they put me in a fire truck. And, uh, you know, I'm over there over here asking me questions. And, and as they see me, I'm freaking burnt. I'm not burnt, but I'm like black. I, my hair smells like smoke. Uh, you know, I have, uh, you know, I kind of have ash on my face. And, uh, you know, they pick me up and they take me to a freeway. I'm sorry, they take me to the, uh, the safety, which is about 15 minutes out from where the hotel was. So where it was like safe clearing. And uh, I pretty much, they dropped me off there. They gave me a fireman shirt and... Uh, and that was it. That was it, Ariel. I mean, I left behind my, you know, I had my gold medal with me, which I left behind. I had my, my, you know, my gold, my Olympic ring that I left behind. My, my, uh, the belt that, uh, the, uh my billionaire friend of mine, his name is Mike Novogratz. 
they, he gave me this 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 gold and silver belt that it was very sentimental to me because it's right after the Olympics, and by it was made by one of like the best uh, you know uh, uh, sculptors in, in America, Clint Orman. I left that behind. I left everything behind, but I wasn't even thinking about that area. Like I was just like, man, I just dodged a bullet, man. I just, wow. you know, you know, somebody, it's like, some, it's like somebody had it. It's like somebody like, like I literally like talked about nine lives. And I feel like I was like, it was just surreal era because I'm just, I'm just happy to be alive, man. Like this isn't, you know, people are like, man, aren't you sad? I'm just like, man, I'm, I'm happy, but I kissed the floor by the, when I got back. And, uh, are you a little shaken up? I'm, uh, Are you still a little shaken up? Oh, I was shaken up by it for sure, man. Like, and I was telling uh, Captain Eric, he, uh, I was telling him yesterday. I was walking, I was walking down the streets of because uh, I'm, I'm in a top Brazil, and what they do is they carry like these like barbecue grills on them, and uh, the barbecue grills is the smell of smoke. So uh. as I was walking the beach without my shirt off, I started smell. I, I smelled the smell uh, the 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 smell of smoke. And I just, I got in my fight stance right away. Wow. And my friend's like, whoa, I was like, what's wrong? I'm just like, I was like, oh man, I kind of, I kind of calmed down. I explained to him, I'm just like, dude, that smell of wood is, is, is crazy to me right now, man. Like it's like, it, it, it I, don't, I don't like it. I don't like it, you know, but wow. with my sense of humor, I'm, I'm able to kind of laugh about it afterwards. It's like, whoa, you know, this, I don't like it, but at the same time, it's kind of funny to me at the end. So I'm, I'm able to, I'm able to, I'm able to smile, Ariel. I'm able to, I'm able to see my family again, my, you know, and and it's crazy because I, I've had like a, a, a an instance where where I almost drowned in Brazil like ten years ago, like even before, like this was right before the Olympics, two thousand six, and I remember thinking of my family as I was drowning during, uh, you know, getting caught in like in the undercurrent, the waves. This situation was very kind of selfish. I just thought about myself. Because fire, man, fire is just different, man. It's different than water. It's like you just think, I don't want to suffer like this, man. I don't want to burn to death, you know. Wow. So I, there's been two occasions where I kind of dodged, dodged, uh, dodged the missile. And I didn't want to say a bullet, and uh, and that's my story, man. That's 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 pretty much it. I haven't haven't really, I haven't talked to much people about it, Ariel. Because I, you know, I figured the MMA hour. You know, Ariel Hawani is the guy to deliver it, but uh, this is pretty much like my first interview that I'm doing that you guys are going to kind of display it to the world. Wow. Well, I'm really happy to hear that you're okay. Why did they report, by the way, that you had broken your ankle in the San Francisco Chronicle? Where'd they come up with that? Um, I have no idea. Uh, I think the people that, are, that were hosting the charity event, Okay. I was limping. But when I fell, I mean, it was a two-story building, but I had to fall on the ground. I was kind of, I was limping. But it was more the lumping that, that from the burns, you know. It did hurt, Ariel. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I, I know. So it was more because of the burns, and and uh, you know they weren't sure. I just said, "Hey, man, there's something wrong with my right ankle," and that's the one that I had surgery on too. And uh, oh, man. you know, luckily, luckily I'm okay, man. I, I've been training good. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm motiv- I'm motivated by all this, Ariel. Like I, I, I feel bad. Forty people have died so far, and it's probably more. There's 200 people missing and 40 people have died so far. And, uh, you know, people, people are crazy, man. I, I can see why there's so many deaths because everybody doesn't believe it could happen to them. And I used to be one of those guys. I was, I used to be one of those guys, you know, we can just ride this wave. You know, we can just ride it out and, and that's it, man. Good luck doing that, man. Fire's no joke, man. It'll creep up on you. 
You know, you may be the next victim. And, and like I said, I, I did a, a report with ESPN. It's like, man, I, I'm, fi- I'm fighting for the people of Santa Rosa, man. Like, they're, they're my motivation. You know, I've I become more uh, compassionate to a lot of these natural disasters that, you know, happened in Hurricane Katrina and in Houston and things like that because, man, Hurricane Harvey, because, man, you never know until, until it happens to you, man. So I'm fighting for them, man. And, and, and like I told ESPN, was like, I wanna, my, my plan is to win that bonus, man, at UFC 218. If it's fight of the night, performance of the night, whatever it may be, but I, I'm going to donate, donate $50,000 to them, man. Well done. cause and... And uh, and that's it, man. So many people have died. Like being a being able to be alive and speak to you, Earl, you have no idea how good that feels to do that. Oh, like you have man. no idea how good it feels to shake people's hands, man. To to hug somebody, to call your mom, to uh, to see your brothers, man. And my, my family was super super sad, man. Like they were just sad, just like man. We you know we, all, we almost lost our brother. All those people that were there, like uh, the, the the celebrities, the people that were there for that event, were they okay too? Were they able to get out? At the hotel, yeah, there were uh, they were actually evacuated, and they actually came to our hotel. From what I've heard, I was at the Fountain Grove in Santa Rosa, and they yeah. came to our hotel for for safety. And the next, you know, they have to clear out of that. So what happened, Ariel? At two thirty p.m., everybody was gone out of the hotel. I was literally the last person to leave, and when I woke up, I woke up at four thirty a.m. Oh my God! Four thirty when everybody left at two thirty. Yeah, nobody called me. Nobody knocked on my door. It was I, I, when I'm talking about like deserted. How I felt deserted. I was like literally deserted. And, and I, I, I know the person that I went with, my mentor. He was ripping up the lobby. He was doing everything he could, and he was actually kicked out by the firemen and, and by the cops. They said, "You guys have to evacuate, man." It says, "It says whoever's here is, is is either out the window or there's nothing we could do." Oh my God! So I stayed there an additional two hours when everybody was evacuated. You wow. know, so it's <laughs> it's serious, Errol. But but I think if God had to pick somebody to go through that in that place, it, it, it would be me because I'm here to tell a story, man. And I don't think your normal your 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 average Joe would have got out would have got out from there. And the reason people ask me is like, Henry, why did you jump out of the window? I'm just like, dude. If I would have gone through the lobby, half the lobby, the exit to the lobby, and from what I remember, was on fire. So if I was to go out of the lobby, so, so if I was to go out my 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 room into the hall, and, and you know when you don't think, if I'd have locked myself out, I would have been toasted, man. Like toasted, like there's no way of getting out of this, man. You know, how's your how's your so foot like now? Like, does it hurt when you're training, or like, are, is it is it okay? Yeah, it, it, it's okay, man. It's okay. I've, I've been, you know, I've been, I've been, I, I, I typically train with shoes too. So I've been, I've been training with my wrestling shoes. Everything is good, man. Like I said, it's just, uh, I'm just motivated by it, man. I have blisters and whatnot. I, like, I, as I sent you the pictures, uh, yeah. Ariel, I have blisters on my foot, but a lot of that stuff has, uh, has healed, man, has healed, man. Like if anything, man, I'm just more compassionate about the people that have lost everything, man. Loved ones, man. Like it's, I've heard stories where, where there was a family that that uh, that there were, my mentor Dave Zowan he told me he said there's a family of four, and he said like they uh, three of them had escaped like the, the fires and they all kind of scattered and they all ran, and three of them made it, and the the one that freaking was left behind pretty much burned to death. Oh, man. You know you have stories like that man like it just it breaks my heart. 
breaks my heart knowing that, God, that could have been me, man. That could have been my mom mourning. That could have been my brothers picking up my ash, my sisters having to bury me, you know? Gosh, that is horrendous. Yeah, and and, and really, uh, thinking of everyone, I mean, it just seems like every week there's another horrific natural disaster happening and, and hopefully we don't forget about the people in Northern California because the pictures that we've seen, I mean, it, it literally looks like, it looks, it's all gray. It's all gray. The pictures are just, um, they're shocking. They really are and heartbreaking at the same time. Oh, and, and, and by the way, Henry, I know it's just, it's just a possession, but it, it does mean something to you, the gold medal. Will you get it replaced? Will they give you a new one? How does that work? Yeah, um, they're going to try to find it through the ashes, but uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to call the president, I'm going to call the CEO of the Olympic Committee, he's a good friend of mine, Scott Blackman, and uh, I'm going to ask for a replacement, and you know, I'm so happy to be an American, like I'm I'm, I'm I'm a very patriotic uh, American, and I know they'll they'll take care of me, I I haven't asked yet, but but I know they'll take care of me. Um, Are you staying in Natal until the fight on December 2nd? No, I'm I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna be here for uh I'm gonna be here for another week, another week to two weeks, and I'm gonna head back and uh and finish my camp at Fight Ready in, in Arizona. Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear you're okay, Henry. Um uh, you know, when I first saw that report about the broken ankle, I mean, I, it, it was uh I, I mean, I I really felt for you and so happy to hear that that didn't happen um and that you survived. I mean, wow. What what heart, what resolve? What, I mean, what determination? You, you, you literally survived a wildfire with nothing but half a, a pan of leg on. It's insane. What a story. This is like as straight out of a movie. You're a superhero, my friend. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, no, I, I, I really do feel like I could, I really do feel like I could, you know, it's like, man, so many stuff that's happened in the area. I feel like that would be a book of its own. Or, yeah. Like I really well, do. I can, and I'm, I'm, I'm able to elaborate because I just remembered it. I, I, I got a taste of hell, man. I got a taste of what the inferno feels like. You know, what, a, what you know, I thought I'd been in a sauna and I've never been in a sauna that's, you know, about 300 degrees, you know, and, and then hearing the flame, uh, it's just, it, it's scary. man. It's scary. Well, uh, well done. Thankfully you're okay. So glad to hear that. And, uh, I'm happy to hear that the foot is, is, is going to be okay as well. And that you're going to remain on that card and that, uh, none of your loved ones were, were injured or anyone, you know, surrounding you was, was affected by this. Um, and again, our, our hearts go out to everyone who has been affected in Northern California. Appreciate you coming on. Henry, I know you had to rush after practice. So thank you very much and best of luck in training. And I'm sure I'll talk to you before the fight on December 2nd. Can't wait for that one against Sergio Pettis. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. I hope you guys can, hope you guys can tune in, man. I'm ready, man. Like I said, this is like people from Santa Rosa. That's my motivation, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there and put on the show, man. I know and I and I know Sergio is, wants to do the same thing, man. So we gonna give you guys a good fight, man. Number yeah, one contender sure, fight. Love you. Uh, yeah, love love your love your loved ones, uh, man. At the end of the day, man, these gold medals, these UFC belts, it, nothing compares to having family, man. Nothing compares to giving love and and being loved, man. So that's it, man. I, I appreciate it. You the man, dude. I don't care thank what you. Captain Eric says about you. The man. <laughs> thank you, thank you to you and Eric, and we'll see you soon. So glad to hear you're okay, Henry. Uh, you have a good one. All right. Same Thank to you. you there he is. Henry Cejudo. He survived the inferno. Wow. What a quote. Unbelievable. Uh, appreciate his time very much. Okay. Let's move along to our next guest. Uh, we were all very excited to see Derek Lewis against Fabrizio Verdum at UFC 216. Unfortunately, the fight did not come to fruition. Lewis pulled out due to a back injury uh, just a couple hours away from the event. He joins us now via the Magic of Skype to speak about that, see how he's doing. And there he is, the Black Beast himself. Hey, Derek, how are you? 
I'm okay. How you doing? I'm doing okay. How's your back feeling? Oh, can't feel both of my legs, really. Both of my thighs. Back behind my thighs. Really. Wow. Nerve. Like a um, shocking nerve feeling. Both of them right now. It wasn't like that the last few days, but the last um, day and a half have been like that. So um, let's start, you know, from the beginning. This has been something that has been bothering you for quite some time. As far as the Verdum fight is concerned, when did you start to at least, you know, think a bit that this could be an issue, that, you know, it was in a lot of pain, it might affect you, maybe even to the point where you wouldn't fight? Um, it was right after the waves. You know, I, I believe it had something to do with my weight. Soon I started um, replenishing myself, you know, drinking and eating. Then right after that, my my whole body, my lower body just started tightening up more and more. I tried stretching and soaking in the tub and even getting the rub down. You know, it was still, it was getting worse and worse. Was it bothering you a lot through the camp? Yeah, off and on, off and on. Um, even they got footage of it and um, they embedded, but he didn't put that part in. But they even seen that I was um, like trying to deal, like push through it right there and there. And wow. And so you go to bed Friday night. What are you feeling? Um, just I really couldn't move my legs. You know, I couldn't, I had to take a piss. I had to go back to sleep for like three more hours and finally wake up um, to go take a piss because I couldn't move. Wow. And then, and so when you wake up Saturday, you just can't get out of bed? Yeah, I couldn't move at all. You know, um, I was crying like a big ass baby, you know, because my coach know, knew how much this fight mean to me. Shit. You know, and I didn't want to pull out for nothing. You know, my coaches, they all convinced convinced me um, that it's probably the best thing to do, you know, to pull out because they knew um, I was going through the same problems with uh, Mark Hunt, you know, and um, and I didn't pull out in that fight and, and it cost me. You know? So did they try to do anything? Um, I, I, I'm not sure if you're even allowed, but like was... I'm sure the UFC was involved and notified. Did they try to do anything to help you stand up, to help you, you know, get through the day? Was any of that even discussed? Yeah, we we tried. Um, they told me to take 800 milligrams of Motrin. You know, they told me to take about four of them. They told me to soak in the tub, and they said that they will give me a shot if I can make it down to the arena. Um, I don't know what kind of shot it was. It was I guess the same type of shot that football players take. Yeah. Um, to get them through injuries or something like that. It's a cortisone they, they shot? That, but yeah. And he said that um, that he can't come to my hotel because the event, the event was about to start and we couldn't go there because I couldn't move. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So do you think that if he, like if it was earlier in the day, and he was able to go to your room and give you the shot that you would have been able to fight or at least try to fight? Yeah, for sure. Um, the thing was, they told us to wait to try all these different things to see 
if um it will go away and see if I will get better. And so I let them know like around eight o'clock in the morning, seven to eight o'clock in the morning. And the first fight, uh, the doctor or something like that had to leave like around two thirty. And so we let them know way before then, you know, but the doctor said that he wasn't going to be able to make it to my hotel in time. Were you able to find out at any point what exactly is the issue? What's, what's, what's the problem here? I was supposed to get my MRI back today. Um, okay. If not today, tomorrow. Whenever I fought Mark Hunt, we got the MRI done. And, um, they were saying that it was the L4 and the L5. Um, pinched nerves, you know, um, bulging, bulging this or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, moderate this, and so I believe it's the same thing. Have you ever felt pain like this before? No, not at all. It's wow. the worst type of feeling because you can't move. You can't move at all. And no how much strength you got, you just move. And you've been dealing with this for quite some time, but was this the worst it ever got? Um, I believe the worst I ever got was in the fight with Mark Hunt. Like, okay, uh, in the fight. The third and fourth round. Wow. Yeah, the third and fourth round was the worst I ever got. You know, I couldn't I couldn't move at all. All the thing I could do was just go up and down. I couldn't throw the right hand. All I could do was throw a jab. And I usually don't even throw a jab. And I was trying to throw it at that fight right there. And so how did you get home? If you if you couldn't move, what what did they have to do to get you on the plane and eventually home to Houston? Um, they had brought up three security guards and um, they put me in a wheelchair and they rolled me out to the, um, the airport like that. Wow, on Sunday. Yes. And what was it like on the plane? Um. Just, I really had to just stretch my legs. That's what it, it felt like I needed to do. And okay. It was just still pain until then, until really until I got home, you know. But other than that, it just, it's still like, it's still, I still have pain right now. It's just like a numbing feeling in my, my ass cheeks. No homo. Uh, you mentioned to me that the feeling of having to pull out on hours notice is worse than a loss. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, it's like depressing, like real depressing. You know, it's real mentally. It took a real, I took a big hit in my uh, the mental standing part of, of the thing. You know, and it is way worse than a loss. You know, it's something that I never experienced. And hopefully, I never will experience it ever again. You know, um, it's depressing. I'm really in a depression stage right now. Really. What was it like on Saturday? What did you do Saturday night while the event was going on? Did you even watch it or lay in bed? What did you do to pass the time? Sure, I ain't gonna lie to you. I was really crying. Wow. I haven't cried in years. I was really crying the first time. My coach was trying to sue me. My wife and everybody was trying to like butter me up, but I wasn't trying to hear it. I was really crying. Why do you feel like it affected you so much? Was it the, the mix of the pain and the disappointment? Um, are you worried that this might you know, affect your career? Why do you think that you were crying for the first time in years? <laughs> it, was just be, it was a bunch of things, you know, all of that. And just 
knowing that all the work that I put in through my training camp and stuff like that, and just just to pull out just hours away from the fight and just like, then knowing that I'm only doing this for the money also, you know, and missing out on 300K and not getting anything from it, you know, it was like real hard too, you know? How was the UFC throughout the process towards you? Oh, they've been good. You know, they've been helping me. You know, we set a doctor appointments left and right. They've been sending me to the top of the line here in Houston, um, a couple of good doctors. So they've been helping me out through the process. Are you worried that this might cut your career short, that you may never be able to fight again? Uh, not at all. You know, like I said before, I've been dealing with this since 2011. You know, I never been in a fight where it never affected me. You know, it didn't this the last two fights it, it just been worse, you know. But mm. whenever it happened to, in 2011, it was worse than these last last two events. Oh really? How did it initially happen? Um just going through a, a strength and conditioning program back then with a guy um I didn't stretch or nothing like that. I was doing frog leaps, and whenever I came up, and just felt like everything tore in that side of my back. Is it possible that you may need surgery? Um, the doctor that I seen Thursday, he's saying that I shouldn't need surgery. Okay, uh, he should just he gave a prescription to something, some type of some pills he gave me. Um, go ahead and take that. Only if it's the pain getting worse, go ahead and take it. Because he said he gives it to his uh, his son. His son plays um, college football, D two school. You know, he said his son deal with almost the same problem issues, and he gives it to him, and he's just as new. Okay. You told me initially that you're hopeful that you would fight in New York. Is that a possibility still? Yeah, right now, anything possibility, you know, we're just waiting on the MRIs right now before we can start my treatment because they okay. want to see what's the issue first before they start the treatment. And the doctor I talked to um, Thursday, he's saying that if, um, you know, he he willing to release me anytime, you know, it's up to me, but I'm really want to take the precautions to see what's really wrong with my back because I don't want it to happen again. Even if it do happen again, I don't want to go through the same feeling I went through, like pulling out of fight and all that, going through that emotional mess. You know, I'm still going to fight no matter what. Yeah. Well, like right now, you can't really train, right? No, I tried to train today. Like, that's the reason why I'm late now. I was just trying to train. Like, we were stretching, stretching, and still, my back was still giving me issues. Wow. Um, are you disappointed to see that Verdum was booked for another fight, or do you understand? Yeah, I'm disappointed, you know, because I believe that was my fight. Um, I really believe I could um, knock Verdum out, whatever the name is. I really believe that I could have won that fight. You know, there ain't no way I would have lasted a minute or something like that and got tapped out. I believe that my skill level match up, match up well with his, you know. Did you end and up seeing? He got another easy fight. 
Right, right. He's fighting uh, Marcin Tybura. He replaced Mark Hunt. Yeah. Did you end up yeah, seeing... I know you said... Wanted you, the, oh, go ahead, go ahead. They wanted me to fight Wardoman out there, you know, in Australia. You know what I'm saying? Hell no, I'm not going flying that damn far again. Yeah, um, yeah. Plus, we still need the what's going on in my back. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a great idea to fly that far with a with a bad back. Yeah. Did you end up seeing the highlights for his fight? I mean, not much highlights. It was a pretty short fight. But did you end up seeing the fight against Walt Harris? No, I didn't see it. I just heard about it. Yeah. That week, you know, you, you had mentioned that you were kind of down and didn't really, you weren't really into fighting because of what happened back home in Houston and Las Vegas. Um, do you feel like a, a, any of the stress of what you've been through played a factor in this? That it, it just became too much? Not necessarily. Um, like I said, I've been dealing with this for even before the hurricane, you know. Just about all my fights, I deal with it, you know. And, and sometimes... It gets the best of me. But, you know, the hurricane, it had nothing to do with the pain. You know, I'm, I'm an emotional guy, but, you know, from all of that, it just, it just, just the back, you know? Mm. That's all it had to do with it, just the back. And nothing that happening that was going on here in Houston. So uh, either today, tomorrow, somewhere in that time frame, you're hoping to get the MRI. Um, What's the best case scenario with the MRI? What are you hoping to get, to see out of this or to hear? Um, something that's real easy to fix, you know, nothing that that was put me on the shelf for months and stuff like that, or no surgery, anything like that. But the doctor, um, he did an X-ray, saying my spine and everything is good. Okay, but we did the MRI. We made on the results of that, but he said it shouldn't be anything too serious, you know. Um, if He said that if I wanted to fight in December or uh, November or what, he said that he, said he shouldn't see any problem with that. But we'll see. By the way, who made the final call to, to pull out of 216? Did you make it? Your coach, UFC? How did that go? Oh, my coach and my manager. Okay. They both they... made the decision. You must have hated I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine when they finally made that call? Yeah, for sure. You know, because I was telling them, shit, they're not going to pay me uh, anything if I pull out. Right. So I told them I still wanted to fight. But they were saying that this is a huge fight right now. I'm coming off a loss and I can't really afford another loss right now. You know, and so I was saying, so you mean to tell me they're not going to give me at least 10000 he said, nah, they ain't going to give me anything if I pull out. And I told him I didn't want to pull out. And so we waited for like another hour or so. And, and I still was trying to wait until the motor and kick in and stuff like that and and sit in the tub again and try to see if my back will um, loosen up a little bit. And it still didn't. So I just said, all right. Like with tears in my eyes, I just told him, all right, go ahead. Ah, and you didn't get anything, right? No, I didn't get nothing. Mm. Is 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 the perfect scenario to come back in around December and get for Doom? Is that what you're really hoping for here? 
Yeah, but he's fighting right now, I guess, in yeah. Australia. So He'll come back quick. If it... so, yeah, if he, I, I think it's a tough fight for him, though, but it's still, to me, in the still, in a way, it would be an easy fight, you know? Because that guy, he's more well rounded than War Harris is. By the way, I mentioned this to you uh, privately, but uh, the great Diamond Dallas Page wants to work with you. He thinks that he can carry her back forever. Sans medication. You know what he does, right? No. Nah. You know you know who Diamond Dallas Page is? Yeah. Bang. Bang. Right yeah. here, the diamond cutter, the king of the diamond cutter. He has something called DDP yoga, and he has transformed people's lives, people who are crippled. And uh, he works with athletes, with the NFL. He's a legend. And when I tweeted about your injury, he texted me and said, please put me in contact with Derek Lewis. I want to help him. I can help him. I can get him back to 100%. The great DDP wants to help you. How old is he? Uh, I'd say off the top of my head, maybe 50s, late 40s, maybe early 50s, something like that. But this guy, I mean, look him up. DDP Yoga. He's a life changer. What he did for uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, Scott Hall, and he's working now um, with top, top athletes. He reached out to me. I didn't even know he followed me on Twitter, to be honest. Yeah, that's cool. Um, you know, if we see what the UFC want me to do, because they don't want to pay for them, so I'm not paying for it. They, they don't want to pay for it. So whatever they want to spend their money at, then I'll go ahead and do it. Okay, fair enough. Well... Uh, hopefully that can happen. I mean, I, uh, at the end of the day, obviously just want you to be 100% healthy and I have seen his work. Uh, he's been on the show before, talked about it. I, I believe in what he does and I thought it was really cool that he cared enough to uh, to reach out to you. He didn't ask me, by the way, to mention this publicly, but um, I know you were a little hesitant, so maybe I thought, you know, putting it out there. People would... Sure, I could barely touch my toes. I ain't no way in the hell I could um, do some damn yoga put my ass in there. Listen, go... When you have a second, go on YouTube and type in DDP Yoga. You'll see some miracles before your eyes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Derek. I got you. All right. Just looking out. Just looking out, my man. Hang in there. Feel better. Sure. Um, and, and keep us posted on how everything goes with the MRI and Hopefully you feel better soon and are able to resume your career soon. Yeah, I've seen, I seen the results. If they give me the results today, I've seen the x-ray and MRI. If, even if I could post it, I, I would post it. You know, to let people know that shit. I ain't no bitch in me. I didn't pull out to fight because I was scared. Nothing like that. It was just motherfucking injured. I was hurt. Yeah. No one believes that. No one believe, Everyone knows that you would have fought. And uh, probably for the sake of the longevity of your career, it was probably the right choice, even though I know it, you know, it really sucked not to get that money. But uh, yeah, no, no one who is sane yeah, believes that. That's for sure. No, for anything, I kind of should have pulled out the Travis Brown fight, the Mark Hunt fight, because those guys more dangerous than motherfucker or doom. Oh. He ain't even got no knockout power. Well, there you All go. All he want to do is wrap his legs. All he want to do is wrap people. Wrap his legs around and let you smell his booty on. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. By the way, uh, speaking of which, right after the news broke, Francis Ngannou was in the media room and actually came up to me and asked me about you and said, how's your friend doing? Because he heard the news. So, you know, maybe maybe there's hope for you and Francis. Yeah, 
Hope for what? I don't know. Friendship down the line, you know. Friendship. <laughs> he seemed to care. All right, I'm just saying Don't he seemed to care. Oh. <laughs> what? What's what's your problem with him? Just his haircut. That goes to show you right there. He, he had a Google Translate and trying to start a beef between me and him on Twitter. Oh, for real? When was that? Because, yeah. If he, Oh, after the Mark Hunt fight, you know, if, oh. if he was really sincere with the shit talking he was talking on the internet, then he would say something to you right there. But now you want to see how I'm doing? Well, he also, Fuck him he, and his Google Translator. And, and his what? His Google Translator. Okay. Talking <laughs> shit on the internet. I can't type that shit. Uh, he also asked to replace you on hours notice. So I, I don't know how badly he felt, but he did for the record ask about your your health status and how you were doing and refer to you as my friend. I don't know, man. people something else. All right. <laughs> uh, get well soon, Derek. Thanks for coming on and keep us posted, please. Yeah, I will. I'll send you a message later and let you know. Appreciate All right. it. Thanks, man. Thanks, my man. There he is, the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. Um, always great to talk to him and, and sorry to hear about his back. Hopefully he gets well. Hopefully he's able to resume his career. Horrible injury. I've heard from many people. And yes, I, I did hear from DDP himself, Diamond Dallas Page. A few people tell me that he's around 60 to 61 years old. Um, he reached out to me moments after and said, please get me in touch with Derek Lewis. I want to teach him DDP yoga. I can heal this man. How about that? Could you imagine Derek Lewis and DDP coming together? UFC should pay for that and film it and put it on Fight Pass. Win-win for all. Derek gets healthy. DDP gets a high-profile client and they put a show on Fight Pass. Be incredible. All right, let's move along. Of course, main event UFC 216, Tony Ferguson versus Kevin Lee. Uh, Tony Ferguson wins. He wins the interim title. Kevin Lee took the loss like a man, showed up afterwards, was very emotional. Uh, tough night for him, but handled it like a pro. He now joins us via the Magic of Skype. There he is, Mr. Kevin Lee. I do believe in his new home in Las Vegas, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's going on? Uh, it's, good. it's good to see you. It's good to see you smiling. How are you doing a little over a week later? Oh, I'm chilling. This last week has been great for me. Uh, my life's been on like 10 for like the last uh, year. So it, it, I really haven't gotten to take a day off. Since that Michael Chiesa fight, I didn't take a day off. Uh, so this last week, I just kind of, you know, got stuff done around the house. Just been chilling. And uh, it, it, it's been great for me. I think it's all actually going to work out for the best. Really? So you have a pot because I mean, you were very emotional after that. And, and right. I mean, like I understand, you know, you have every right to be emotional. Uh, you, you seem to take it very hard. Have you ever taken any, I mean, in all your years of competing as an athlete, have you ever taken any kind of sporting uh, competition, athletic endeavor that, that hard? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the loss to, uh, when I lost to Leonardo, uh, I never saw myself losing that fight. Uh, and that one took me, uh, it took me about a month to get over and like kind of get, get, get through it. Um, and, and that's what people don't understand about MMA is that we don't really have, like, there was no amateur system. So, you know, you got to go through those losses at a high level, uh, yeah. and you got to go through those emotions. And I think that it's the same, whether it's, a uh, whether I lost a wrestling match or whether I lost a world title fight, I just learned how to deal with it a little bit better. 
Uh, and this time, I, I feel like I, I learned a lot of good lessons, especially as I go back and I watched it twice already. Uh, when I go back and I, and I actually watch the film, I learned a lot from in there. And, and, and that's all I can really hope for. Is it, 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 it's a win, even, a, even if it's a loss. When you're watching it, I mean, how frustrating is it? I mean, we were just talking to Karolina Kovakiewicz. She talked about her loss to Claudia Gadelia back in June. She said she watched it once. She doesn't even want to talk about it. Here you are a week later, you watch it twice. What's it like sitting there and actually watching the loss? It's weird. It's weird. It's strange uh, because, you you know, when you're in there, you don't really remember a lot of things. But I did a lot of things wrong in the fight. I did a lot of things wrong in my preparation. Uh, I was like, as soon as I walked into the building, I was ready to fight. Uh, and... I just realized now that that I have to I have to control that a little bit more. You know, I got a little too emotional. Uh, I, I I let that kind of dictate. I let Tony kind of dictate the pace, and uh, he 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 actually taught me a lot of things. So uh, I'm now that I when I go back and I sit back and I look at it and, and I realize I'm just gonna get better from here. I I got so much better after my last loss. Uh, I, I feel sorry for the next guy I'm gonna fight. To be honest with you. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack here, but first let me ask you about one of the big talking points after the fight, and that was the staph infection on your chest. How is that doing? How are you feeling as a result of that? Yeah, it's 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 getting it's much better. You know, as you okay. can see, it's like much smaller. Uh, I've been on ten days of antibiotics, or I think this is the eighth day right now of antibiotics. Um, so after ten days, then then I'll go back in. It, it looks like I might have to get some more antibiotics for it because it got so bad. Uh, I think the weight cut really didn't help with it. it yeah. You know, when, when you're in that weakened state and I'm not eating as many calories, like my body just didn't, it didn't have the immune system to fight it off. And it, it, it might have, it, it affected a lot. It, it put me in like a fight or flight mode for too long. Uh, but it, it's going to be straight. I mean, look, I, I didn't deal with a lot worse than a staph infection. A staph infection wasn't going to stop me from from fighting, you know. It, sure. it, it's, it's some of these dudes that'll, that'll go to the hospital over it. But I'm like, fuck it. it what's the worst that's going to happen? Let's do it. Uh, do you recall when you first noticed it? How long before the fight it, it, it popped up over there? Do it you was uh, that Sunday. It was the a Sunday. Sunday before the fight. I kind of I noticed it. Uh, it was kind of hurting because we moved around a little bit on, on, on Monday morning, uh, and it, it was hurting. But I, you know, it wasn't hurting enough for me to really say nothing or, or you know, it was so much riding on the line. It was so much weight. Uh, even during the fight, like I felt like I had the, the weight of the world on my shoulders. So, uh, you know, it, it, I look, I'm, I'm a professional. I, I'm, I make do with what I do. I made the weight the way I was supposed to. Uh, and, and, and we made the fight. And I feel like I entertained the people and, and, and people like the fight. So uh, that, that's all I could be happy for. So throughout the entire week, you never brought it up to anyone, to the UFC, to the Nevada Athletic Commission. No one knew about this. Nah, nah, they, they, was, they was mostly, you know, and I seen they got a little bit of, uh, a backlash for letting me fight, but yeah. they were mostly just concerned about the weight. You know, I, I, I think I did a pretty good job of hiding it. Uh, <laughs> I knew when I came in and I took pictures, you can even see on the pictures cause we yeah. had to take new ones for the, for the shorts or whatever. I, I felt like I did a good job of, you know, using makeup and trying to hide it the best that I could. Uh, so I don't know if I should say that Nevada going to come <laughs> after me for that, but <laughs> so did you, it, it wasn't really their fault. We were, sta- I mean, we were sitting right in front of you when you're weighing in on Friday morning and no one brought it up. Um, it was only until Joe Rogan mentioned it on the broadcast. Were, were you annoyed that he mentioned it? Were you pissed off? Like that, that, cause I don't know if any people would have said anything. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, it kind of do take away from it and, and, and it kind of take away from Tony too. I thought Tony did a great job even with the staff infection. Uh, it, it kind of takes a little bit away from the performance, but it's, I mean, look, it, it's the truth. And I mean, it is what it is. So, 
uh, I always like to do that with people. I always like to tell people the way it is, and and, and that's how it is. So I guess I can't really hold it against him. I was yeah. a little annoyed at first that he would bring it up, but uh, you know, it is. It's, sure. it's clear like you know yeah, yeah yeah but so you weren't worried when you were stepping on the scale on friday that people would notice it and say something and pull you from the fight oh no i was just i was just 100 worried about the, the, the yeah way. uh at that point it became uh me against the scale and and i think you can even see that a little bit you know that 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 wake up was brutal especially the last two hours uh so that was my main focus right then and there i, I wasn't gonna let down uh uh everybody just you know, because I couldn't make the weight. So that was my main focus was making the weight. I didn't care about the staff. I didn't care about, I didn't care about my performance. Even I, my, my main focus right then and there was, was to make the weight. And you can even see it after I made the weight. Uh, I just, everything just collapsed in me. I, I really didn't have much energy left after that. And, I, and it was just go out there and fight. And let's clear something up on Wednesday. You didn't really have tiramisu, right? You were just messing with us. No, I was just fucking with y'all. No, okay, I, ain't, okay. I ain't that stupid. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but you did, when you were talking to the media on Thursday, did you really weigh at that time 174? Did you really have 19 pounds left to cut? Yeah, I was uh, I was about 175, actually, when I got back wow. to the hotel room. And I, so uh, about 20 pounds, actually. So I think I cut like 20 and a half pounds in that, in that time, uh, which it, it sounds crazy to, to other people, but yeah. because, I, because I carry a lot of muscle mass, uh, I'm able to cut a lot more water than, and, and I've done these cuts so many times. I, I usually will come in at like 176, uh, the week of the fight and, and then have to be 156. Uh, so you're still looking at about a 20 pound cut this time about 175. So, uh, it, 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 everything was about normal. It just was the, 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 the pressure of the event, the staff, it, it, it was a little too much for, for, for my brain to handle and, and my body didn't want to keep up with it. Would you say this was your toughest cut? of your career? I mean, even as a wrestler, you've never experienced anything like this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, at eight o'clock, I think I still weighed like 161 pounds. Wow. Uh, which means I only had three hours to get off, you know, close to six pounds, uh, which it, it just was brutal. It, it, it just, look, I, I did what I had to do. I mean, it yeah. is what it is. Like the, the, it sucked, but I made it. Could, could you tell like, how bad did it get? Like, what was the, the, the lowest moment? Uh, it got, you know, it got pretty, it got, I'm just glad that the embedded crew wasn't around because that <laughs> they probably shouldn't put that on, on, on film. Uh, it, it, it got bad. I mean, but I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see. I'll, I'll make some adjustments from here. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the 165 pound division. If they open that up, uh, if not, I'm, I might stay at 55 and just maybe have to change my approach. I'm, I'm not sure. So we'll, we'll see. I think I, I come with the the best approach to it. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm kind of going to let it stew and, uh, and see how the division okay. shakes up and see where I come back at. I know you said like you would have died, you know, you were, you were going to make weight, but was there any point where you thought you weren't going to make weight? Like this was getting to be too much. Yeah. At the, uh, uh, when it was only like 20 minutes left and I think I still had two pounds to cut at that time. Gosh. Uh, I was like, Oh man, it ain't going to be no way. You know, they were, they were taking, boiling hot uh, water and tossing it into the bathtub with me to get me to, you know, to, so that we could lose the weight. But uh, at that point, I thought that it was too little time. But then when they said I had to, I had the extra hour, I knew I was going to make it. It just was a matter of time. It just was uh, getting in there and, and suffering through it. But cool. so, so that's the fascinating thing. You get on the scale at 11 on the dot and it sounds, it looks like you're confident and 
Bob Bennett says 150 and you put your hands up and he says 156 and you're like, damn. And then he announces that you have that extra hour. Did you know that you had that extra hour? Because we didn't know. No one informed us. I, I've been to many Nevada weigh-ins and they never mentioned that before. Did you know that you had the extra hour the whole time? Uh, No, I didn't know until maybe right before I stepped on the scale. I was just hoping that it was 155, yeah. but I knew it was. I knew I knew I was like at least a pound. I, oh, I had two pounds left with only 20 minutes. I, it was no way I got off two pounds. I was just hoping. Uh, we bar- We didn't even check. We just ran down there and hopped right on the scale. But uh, no, it, it, when, when they told me I had the extra hour, they told me maybe like right before I walked out. On so isn't that a problem? Uh, isn't that something that you should know? Like when you check in on Tuesday that just in case you have that extra hour, like wouldn't that have been something that would have helped you out in this process? Like just knowing that you had that buffer. Yeah, it would it would have been a big stress relief. They really could have told me at like eight o'clock even yeah. down there. and checked in. <laughs> You know, they could have told me like, hey, you, you, you got an extra hour if you need it. They kept coming up there, they, you know, Navinsky and, 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 you know, all the doctors, they kept coming up and checking on me in my hotel room and making sure I was all right. But nobody ever said it until like 10 minutes before. And I've Jeez, been stressing out this geez. whole time. <laughs> I mean, like, damn, like y'all could have said something, but, yeah. uh, you know, we, we got the job done. What, what, what did you do in that hour? Like at this point, you're completely dehydrated and depleted. How did you lose that extra pound? Pound and a half, actually, to be exact. Uh, just in just in a uh, hot water bath. That's the you way went I back. do all of them. Uh, okay. I tried to sit in that that little uh, sit sauna thing yeah. where your head is exposed and it's just, but it it wasn't getting nothing off. So we went back up. Uh, they threw some more boiling hot water on me and I got it Jeez. off. And are, I mean, you you played it off very well. You were confident. You you were fired up. But in the back of your mind, was there any part of you that's like, man, I, I just took too much out of myself leading up to the most important fight of my life? Like, did it drop your confidence a little bit going through that before the fight? Yeah, and I and I think that's what made me uh uh be in such a high state. Like you can even see it in the weigh-ins. I was, yeah. I was pretty, you know, I, I was up. like emotional and it made me like a little too emotional. Uh and I think that's that that did have something to do with it because I gave so much to that weight cut. I honestly just forgot about the fight even during during that process. So uh when I got back into it and, and, and saw Tony in front of me, it just was nothing but anger and emotion. And and, and now that I've been through that and kind of understand that. I feel like I'll do a better job of, of handling that going forward. Uh, like I said, I, I feel sorry for my next opponent because uh, I, I learned a lot about not just about fighting, but about myself even during this. So I'm, I'm taking it as a win. What's the biggest lesson that you learned from the entire experience? You mentioned that a couple of times now. What what are one or two things that you know you really took away from? Took away with with, with you know? Kind of, I, I like Tony's approach uh, huh. better than mine, to be honest. How so? Uh, during the fight, he's. He, his energy was better. Uh, he, he just, uh, I can just see, I'm, uh, it wasn't really a physical thing, you know? I don't think physical, uh, you know, my skills, I think, way outweigh Tony's. Uh, he just had the, the little mental edges here and there. Uh, he stayed more calm, especially in, in, in the early going, uh, and didn't blow out as, as much energy. So I, I, I learned a lot about it. Um, and, and it's just like those little, little tiny details details of the game like even even the way he was uh controlling me from the guard i've never had somebody do that or even he he took a more holistic approach to the game uh and, and it's really going to be something that now that i got a little bit of time i'm gonna take you know some time off i, I fought a lot in this last year i'm gonna take some time get back in the gym and just have fun with training again and, and start to experiment with new things even the way he moved was a little bit different than what i'm used to seeing 
Uh, and I feel like that's that time that it, that he's put into the game. So now I'm going to go back. I'm going to change up my style. Uh, I, I always like to after a fight anyway, but I'm going to change up my style a lot more and, and, and come back even stronger. Was Tony better than you expected him to be now that you actually fought him? Mm, he was tougher. He was tougher than I expected. I, I, I got to give it to him. He a tough son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> I thought I hit, I was hitting him with some big shot. Uh, I can see his eyes getting big, and you know he him starting to worry about him. But he, he the man never stopped. Uh, I got to give it to him. He, he he's gonna be a tough. I, I said it before the fight that he was the toughest fight in the division, and and, and now I'm saying it even more. He, he definitely is. Uh, I feel like I'm right there where uh. You know, it, it's just going to be some things that I got to change up in the game, and, and I'm going to come back and I'm going to smash. What do you think happens if he fights Conor McGregor? Who do you pick? Oh, Tony, for sure. Uh, Conor hits hard, but he doesn't have the size, uh, especially to deal with that forward pressure. You know, Tony doesn't really, he doesn't overlunge himself. You know, he leaves his chin up, but he, he's got a good reach, and he, he's got good uh, uh, understanding of the distance. So I don't feel like he'll over lunge and, and, and be exposed to those counter punches. And, and, and on the ground, he, he, he should murk McGregor, he, he, especially as it gets late in the fight. Uh, McGregor's best chance would be to knock him cold in the first, and that just it just ain't gonna happen. And McGregor don't have that, that much power. Do you think McGregor will actually fight him? No, nah, nah, no, nah, not really. If he's smart, he wouldn't. Uh, his coaches are gonna try and keep him as far from Tony as possible. Uh, I said it before the fight. I thought I was doing the heavy lifting. I thought if I would have won, then it, then it was a hands down that that me and McGregor would fight. But uh, we'll see, we'll see. That's why I'm, I'm I'm gonna give it some time. I'll see what McGregor does. If he if he's the real champ, like how you say, he should come back and fight Tony. I mean, it's 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 hands down. Tony was the number one contender before our fight, and, and then he just solidified it. So uh, it should be no other fight to be made. But knowing them and knowing his coaches, they they probably gonna try and play it the smart way and keep him away from Tony. Yeah. Um. Did it make the loss? tougher to swallow because you could have potentially gone in that lottery ticket. That's a life changer fight, right? Fighting Connor, as far as the money is concerned, did it make it tougher? I mean, I mean, yeah, but I'm all right. Look, I'm all, right. all right. Look, I still got a long time left in this game too. It, it, That's it, true. Like I said, I'm taking it as a win. I get a little bit of time off. I get a little bit of, of, of getting back in the gym and, and not having to, to, Think of it as a job, you know. For this last for this last year, I, I fought four times, and each time, each camp is more stress and more stress and more more obligations. Uh, so this time, I get to take a little bit of time and, and really get to change up my style. When you in camp, you don't really get to improve too much, you know. You you kind of stay, uh, uh, you just kind of getting in the shape, you know. I don't really get to, to to focus on my technique. I just have the game plan from fight to fight. So now I get some time. I, I'm taking it as a win all around the board. Look, me and McGregor gonna end up fighting anyway. So I'm I'm in this game for a long time. He better stay in this game for a long time. We gonna get it in. It's just he he know too. He know now. I'm I'm gonna put that boy on his back. I'm gonna fuck him up. Okay. All right. I uh, I'm happy to see that you're taking that approach. You mentioned 165 a few times. I couldn't agree with you more. I'd love to see 165. I'd love to see 165, 175, 185, 195. And I think that there are a lot of lightweights who would agree with you. Do you think it actually happens? Like by the time you fight again. You actually think it's going to happen, or is this kind of just a dream that uh, that that you possess, like a pie in the sky type of thing? I've been I've been talking with all the people down at the UFC. I don't see why I don't. Uh, Nabisky yeah. is pushing for hard. Uh, okay. I think pretty much everybody is. So 
uh, I think they just need the bodies and the in the in the in the uh, a little more people speaking out about it. You know, I, I think a lot of 55ers would agree. I think a lot of 170 pounders would agree. Uh, just not a lot of people talk about it. So I, I, I think that they should. And, and, and the more the more we keep, you know, keep it on. The, uh, that's the only way that the sport is going to change and it's going to keep evolving. Uh, MMA is still so young. It's still much, there's so many things to be added. I don't see why we why we do it the way we do just because that's what's been done. Yeah. Uh, they can they can add another weight class and, and it'll be fine. You know, you, you, you create a new top 10, new champions, new contenders. Um, I see it as a win, win, win all around the board. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I, I think th- it, it's a no brainer to do it. There's so many guys at, at 155, so many guys at 170. Why not? Will you be going to Detroit for 218? Like as a, as a guest, I, I know you won't be fighting now, but um, do you want to be there? Will you be going? Yeah, I, oh yeah, I'm definitely going. I'm definitely okay. going. You know, like I said, I, I just got this, uh, I moved in the middle of the training camp. So I've been getting my house together. It's, it, it, it's smooth. Uh, <laughs> after this, I'm, I'm going to go, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I'm going to end up in Detroit one way or another. I might do something before. I might have to shoot over to LA for a couple of days or something like that. But oh, what's yeah, in LA? Me in Detroit. I'm what's in you. LA? <laughs> hold on, hold so, okay. on, hold on. You know, I can't give you, give you it all. You're not Look, fighting though fight in Detroit. In media. Are, are you going to fight in Detroit? You're not going to fight in Detroit, right? I don't. Nah, I don't. I don't think. So. Okay. <laughs> I don't think they would. Let me. That would be insane. Nah, Nevada uh, ain't gonna let me do that. I okay. would. I would, but they wouldn't let. Me. Do you think that's gonna that's gonna hurt your heart a little bit that night, or you're happy to just be a fan and watch game? I mean, no, I'm enjoying myself. I'm okay. I'm gonna have a few beers. I'm, I'm gonna have uh, some family and friends around. Uh, I'm enjoying myself. I'm sitting in the crowd. I ain't got the gold belt, like I said. I, like I promised them, but. Uh, I'm gonna still do the same things. I'm gonna go back. I'll I'll, I'll go to a couple of the high schools, uh, a couple of seminars That's here cool. and there. You know, pop into some gyms, say, shake some hands, kiss some babies, do the whole shebang. So, what's the plan? Probably take the rest of the year off, return in early 2018. Is that is that accurate? As what are the chances that you actually fight at 170 in your next fight? Is that even possible? Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely possible. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll just see. We'll just see the how how the division shakes up. Uh, it's even a, a, a possibility that I go back to 55, you know, if I, if I take some time and I really, uh, uh, change kind of the makeup of my body, you know, the, these, these constant weight cuts, you know, that I've had four weight cuts in it in a row. Uh, they really mess with my endocrine system, really mess with your hormones. So, um, I don't know if I can get, get it stable. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how I shake up. I still have a great frame for 155. I feel like I just, I could change up a couple of things, especially like in my diet and my approach. Uh, and not be so all over the all over the place. I just need some 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 constant like stability. Uh, but like I said, I'm still I'm still young. I'm still growing, and I'm still in this game, and I'm gonna be in it for a long time. And and I'm coming back, and I'm gonna fuck somebody up. I tell you that. All right. Anyone come to mind, or too early? Still a little too early. I'll okay. see how uh, I'll see how Eddie and, and, and Justin shake up, especially because oh. oh. uh, look, I'm, I'll make that weight cut just just to punch Eddie in the face. Oh. So. <laughs> We'll, we'll see. What's your beef we'll with see, Eddie? We'll see how this is going. We'll What's your beef with Eddie? What's that? What's your beef with Eddie? I ain't really got no. I see him around. You know, he he. They filmed here in Vegas. Yeah. I keep seeing him around. Uh, you know, he he keep giving me compliments and asking for autographs and shit. So uh, I don't know. He just he just he just bothering me. So okay. We'll see. We'll see after after this one shakes up how how it works out. Yes, I know you. Uh, you were trying to push for the Ultimate Fighter, and you had that moment where he signed. I think he signed your shirt or something, or you signed his. Who signed whose shirt? Yeah, I'm, he he tossed me a jersey and I made him sign it. 
Uh, so I'm gonna take that jersey. I still got to throw. I, I still got to rip it up and, and, and uh, use it in my fireplace over there. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, you'll have. But a, I got a, a, But I got a team. I got a. I got an authentic sign team Alvarez jersey. So wow. Uh, if anybody wanted it, holler at your boy. I'll throw it on eBay. <laughs> uh, and you'll have Tip a front up. row seat to watch them uh, in Detroit. Uh, glad to see that you're handling it well. Handling it like a pro, honestly. And it was a lot of fun. You know, watching you and, and and just kind of seeing you in that main event spot for the first time, uh, you made it entertaining for us. Especially, uh, go ahead. Oh well, no, I mean that uh, that's what I was uh, that's what I was hoping for. You know, it seemed like people liked the fight. Uh, yeah, it seemed like people were entertained. Even, uh, you know, we we kind of got stuck in a bag rap. You know, I know we didn't do great pay per view numbers, but it's it, it's hard when you when you coming off uh, Mayweather McGregor and then Canelo out uh, and, and GGG, which so like couple million pay-per-view buys. So I think we were stuck in a tough spot, but you know, I tried to make the best of it and keep the folks, uh, the hardcore fans, especially uh, keep them entertained and, and, and let them have some fun out there, uh, especially with everything that was going on in Vegas. And Absolutely. Uh, you know, I had a lot of people uh, uh, come after me for it. So it was pretty good. You did a great job. Um, get well soon. Looking forward to the return and I'm sure we'll see you out there in Detroit. Looking forward to that as well. Little Caesars arena. How about that? Can't wait. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it. Enjoy that new house. Can't wait. You got it. I'll do All right. It. We'll talk to you soon. There he is, the Motown phenom himself, Kevin Lee, joining us. Great stuff from him. Always a smile on his face, despite the fact that he's coming off that loss to Tony Ferguson. Looking forward to his comeback. Going to take these off here for a second. As we welcome in our next guest, I am so excited to be joined in studio by the one and only Gegard Musasi. How about this? He's debuting for Bellator on Friday, Bellator 185, Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, and he is joining us in studio. Wow, what an honor. Let me stand oh, yeah, up. Yeah. Gegard, <laughs> good, what a good. pleasure. Please have a seat. Welcome. Thank you. You want some water? You want some no, I'm coffee? Good. I'm good. Some Thank Turkish you. coffee, something like no, that? No. no. <laughs> I'm not Turkish. Welcome. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, it's so good to have you here. Thank, Thank you. you. When did you come? Uh, yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. Um, and you're fighting in Connecticut. When did you go to Connecticut? Uh, well, tonight I drive. Two-hour drive. Okay. Probably. You doing some media here? Uh, media, uh, I'm going to do ESPN. Oh, wow. Uh, some radio shows I did, CBS. Okay. Big, Nothing uh, as big as this, though. Uh, yeah, man. No, no, this one is this a great is a big deal. I thought this is in your basement, but it's really professional. This you is an actual camera show? guys. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think that we were this big time. Yeah, we no. don't have any Gegard... Um, memorabilia here we might not yeah, because they never made the dolls of me yeah what's up with you have no uh, round no five? never no, no respect not that famous you know i feel like now with bellator you're going to start to get things like that maybe yeah uh, a, a little bobblehead yeah so what has it been like you know your first training camp with bellator you're out of the ufc after several years there do you feel like people you know sometimes i hear from fighters when they say i left the ufc and people come up to me and say like oh where are you fighting these days i don't see you anymore do you feel like people realize that you've now moved on that you're fighting for a new promotion that it's still a big deal yeah i feel like the pretty uh, a lot of hype i believe uh, going to bellator is still uh if i have to look at social media and uh the all the interviews that i had to do it's uh i i, I probably did more interviews for this fight than my previous fight really so i feel it's the same or even better because maybe you're the main event because they're putting uh, more of a spotlight on you. Yeah, also Bellator is pushing me a little bit, so you know, it's good. I'm. Uh, I have to say, I was surprised that you weren't fighting for the belt right off the bat. Were uh, you surprised? Uh, no, well, the Scott Coker told me they promised it to uh, Alessio, mm -hmm. so I had to wait, and I have no problem fighting Shemilenko first. No problem. No problem. Yeah, I, you know, I, I mean uh, to get the belt anyway. So right. 
Uh, but after one fight, I'm guaranteed to get a fight, a fight okay. for the belt. So if you win this fight, yeah, 100%. you will fight yeah. the winner of uh, Carvalho against Alessio Sakara. Yes. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people would say, I mean, no disrespect to them, they don't really think that they're on your level at this point. You well, know I mean? some other UFC fighters came to, uh, sure. to Bellator and they lost. Sure. So I cannot underestimate the guys. Uh, but uh, first, uh, my goal is the middleweight belt. Then you have Rory McDonald, you have Ryan Bader, you know. Bigger, no, well, more well-known fighters. Like. Sure. You know, you, you mentioned um, a very interesting point, and this has come up over the last few weeks, especially with the likes of Benson Henderson, right, and some other fighters that have come over. Some have done well, but there have been some notable ones. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Do you feel like these guys come in and try to put too much pressure on themselves and try to make a big deal? And, and have you paid attention? I mean, you've bounced around a little bit throughout your career, so you know what it's like to be the new kid on the block. But even in the UFC, I mean, it was a bit, you know, at, at first it took you some time to get on a roll. Yeah. What's going on there? You trying to make a good first impression? Well, there's always pressure, you know. Uh, I've been brought in to beat these guys. Yeah. At least that's what everyone feels. So it's pressure. Now I feel like I have to perform. And uh, you saw Strikeforce guys going to UFC, and uh, become a lot of them became champions. Right. So I think UFC is because it's a lot bigger and the marketing, and uh, so people always assume. That's the only best fighters are there. That there's no one outside the UFC. But that's not true. You know, we saw that with Strikeforce, right? Uh, DC, Luke Rockhold. Uh, you know, a lot of them became champion. Verdum, you name. So it's it's still a, a fight is a fight. If it's in uh, where it is, it doesn't matter. You have a Shimenko is a tough opponent, experienced guy. So you know, I have a, I have a, a lot of good fights uh, that I can have here. Is there pressure to almost prove to Bellator that they made the right choice? You know, they're paying you money. They 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 invested in you, right? They didn't have to. No, well, I feel pressure because, you know, uh, they brought me in. Uh, they, I've been treated well. So my part is to do my job. Sure. And that's make weight and have a good performance and finish the guy. You know, I feel like uh, people expect me to win. That's also pr- pressure. That is, yeah. But uh, he's a tough opponent, so I, I cannot pass look look past him. But sure, I'm better. I'm just better. <laughs> How much you weigh right now? By the way, you're looking very skinny. Yeah, yeah. I already started with the weight cut, so I don't have a difficult time. Uh, maybe this weight cut, I will gain. Uh, I will be around two oh five this time. I cut a little bit more weight. Okay. I will be probably around two oh three, two oh five after the weigh-ins. After the weigh-ins, yeah. Oh, uh, after, I mean, when I'm uh, dehydrated, sure, uh, dehydrated. rehydrated. How much yeah. weigh right now? Uh, I, I was uh, under 200 pounds now. Under 200. Yeah. And so is, that, is that sooner? Uh, well, I drop uh, slowly. Yeah. I don't cut weight last day. I go slowly. Eat less, car- uh, eat less carbs. Sure. And uh, I lose the fluid anyway, so it's going easy. Did you ever hear of Shlomenko before you were offered this fight? Yeah, yeah. I knew he was the champion. Yeah. I knew he had fought Melvin Manhoff. Uh, I saw that fight. So I knew who he was. Yeah, definitely. You've been outspoken about PEDs. He has an infraction. Well, Do you he, have any reservations about fighting him because of his past? Well, I don't. Uh, you know, he, he got tested. I got tested. Uh-huh. Uh, before so, this fight? Yeah, yeah. We got tested. Surprise tested. How so. many times? Uh, I think I believe I, I got tested once. I believe he got tested twice. Okay. Who uh, tests you? Uh, the, the commission, in, yeah, commission of uh, Mohegan Sun. Yeah, one? yeah the, but it's all about the commission. If they decide that they need to do that, Mike Mazzuli is his yeah. name, right? Yeah. So they did that, and uh, you know, it's good. You know, if, if a fight is clean, very difficult to beat. Me. Right, that's what I believe. You know, you have a lot of guys on uh, steroids on 
That's why, you know, since you saw that, we saw, we saw a lot of fighters. Yeah. They're not even a fraction of what they were. Did that, was that uh, one of the tough things to decide? Like, oh, I'm going to Bellator, they don't have USADA? No, I can always ask for it. You can? I can ask for uh, for the commission to do drug testing. And uh, if the commission decides to do that, that's, you know, that's up to them. But all I can do is ask and, uh, you know, well, if I feel like someone is cheating, yeah, maybe I can say I don't want to fight that guy unless it's just, if I really feel like that. Sure. Yeah, but... Uh, you know, it's it is a it, it's a regulated sport. The commission is there to regulate the fighters to make it clean. And uh, you know, my job is to fight. Is it safe to say that for all your upcoming fights, you will be asking for additional testing? Well, I can ask, but it's all about uh, yeah. it's up to the commission. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, some fighters, you know, they're just clean. You know, you never know. Of course. But um, one of the great stories of the past year and a half or so, and I feel like it all kind of changed in London when you fought uh, Talos Ladies. Yeah. You know, for the for the longest time, you were just kind of a calm, reserved guy. But then something changed where your personality <laughs> came out and you didn't hold back anymore. Talking about rankings. And uh, I remember you spoke about Machida and and and, and steroid yeah. use. And like, you dropped the mic and everything like that. You just didn't give an F anymore. You had enough. Well, you know. You it was amazing. To- Try to be polite, but uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, I just give my opinion more. I'm not. Uh, I'm not suddenly going in the wings, acting like an idiot. Sure. Uh, trying to act tough. I'm the same guy, but just I'm just more outspoken. Here's what I'm. <laughs> here's what I'm worried about. Yeah. Now that you got the nice contract, now that you're treated well, that that gagard is going to go away. That you're going to go back to just being polite and. No, uh, I. I will give my opinion. You will about the things I feel. You know, I'm. All, I feel like I'm an honest guy. You are. So, uh, we never really saw that side of you. you kind because, of yeah, your... I felt like it wasn't necessary. You know, you, I come here. You, I was always like in Japan. You come, you say, I want to have put in a good performance. Thank you for coming, and that was that. That was it. It's U.S. It's, you need to talk. Right. <laughs> it's all about. Have you noticed a difference in your popularity ever since you started talking? Mm, at the end of the UFC, you know, the UFC was also pushing me with the marketing sure. and stuff. So it makes a difference. Yeah. Was that like your decision to speak up more did it did that it have was more of a frustration thing frustration, you know okay. um yeah like uh i felt out cheated sometimes if i lost a fight you know some a lot of times i kept my mouth quiet but a lot of time you felt the guy was on um, cheating mm. you know you had those things but i would always stay quiet and once you complain people are saying you're a bad loser uh, so you can never, you can never please win. any please everyone, but sure. uh, I'm just more you know I give my opinion about certain things that I feel, and if people can have their uh, judgment about that. Did that have anything to do with the fact that you felt like you weren't getting an opportunity to fight in the big fights for the belt that you felt like you were being held back? Uh, no, you know I I was treated well. You know I, you, Dana was always good to me. You know uh, you know I got the opportunities to fight. I was always co-main event almost. Uh, so. But uh, the problem is getting a fair shot to the title. Yeah. Uh, once you fight for, if you have the title, you're gonna make a lot of money. Uh, some guy fighters they make a shortcut to the title, and someone they give it a very long road. Damian Maya, Yo uh, Romero, they fought, they fought, they fought until they lost. Yeah. Now they're not fighting for the belt, so they're not gonna fight for the big money. Right. It's all about making money. We're prize fighters, and you know after this. After we retire, I, I should be able to uh, help my family out. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, what, what can I do after this? Sure. I'm not going to be a doctor. Right. So it, it, I have to, you know, I have to worry about the future. You, you've done, what, uh, off the top of my head, like 40-something fights now, right? 50. 50, right? MMA only. MMA yeah. only. 
not to mention kickboxing. Yeah, boxing, kickboxing. Right. Oh. Um, let's let's say you retired today. You said, eh, I'm tired of this. Could you like? Could you? Yeah, yeah no, easily. You, you feel like you've made enough, or yeah, not yeah, really? you know, I'm not a big spender. Yeah, I just. Well, you have all these fancy car. cars. I've seen you. With no, I just I, I bought one new one, but what'd you uh, get? Uh, AMG E Class. Okay. Uh, but I'm bored already. I'm gonna sell it anyway. It's, <laughs> it's you know you have you can have ten cars, you can have ten watches. You're gonna only drive one and wear one. Right. So it's, I'm not that much of a big spender. So for me, I don't need a lot of money. But I need a lot of money because my family, you know, sure. everyone wants a house. Everyone needs a car. You have to provide that? Well, me and my brother, you know, we work together and sure. uh, we take care of each other. Okay. Yeah. You have so, uh, what, just one sibling? Uh, my cousin is my brother, my sister. Your cousin? Uh, uh, he, he lives also with us. He lives with so, you. Yeah. So we, you we have to take now? care of everyone. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. It costs money. I, and I then know. the wives will come. Of course. And, and then babies. the kids. Yeah. yeah. So, it's, uh, so who do you live with right now? Uh, I live with my cousin, with my mother, and my brother is coming uh, as my neighbor. Wow. He's building a house for himself. So, so you actually live with your cousin and mother? Yes. Wow. And, and, where, and your father is? Uh, he's, uh, he lives uh, in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> we see him every day almost. He wow. comes by. But, uh, he doesn't live with your mother? No, no, no. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and you're still with your girlfriend, right? Uh, yeah, we see each other, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but at some point, are you, like, do you want to get married and have kids? Um, at this moment, I'm just, I don't want to, you know, but I love kids, but one day. One day, but not while you're fighting? No, no fighting. Uh, not yet. After that. You're, you're going to focus much, on... Uh, headache. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can tell you, it's a great thing. I have yeah? three myself. Okay, yeah, yeah. I like kids, but, uh, you know, I'm a little bit lazy. Sure. I think as a parent, that's <laughs> not ne- a good thing, you know? I never actually heard you admit that you're lazy. Because we always kind of joke about like when you walk to the fights and you're like, it eh, looks like you just woke up. Yeah, I'm lazy and, uh, you know... How could I'm, someone who's lazy be a fighter? Uh, well, in that, I'm good. Okay. But uh, after that, you know, it's back to, you know, I'm not an active person. It's not like, oh, let's go see there and watch this or this. I'm You'd just, rather just lie down? I'd rather stay home. Watch TV. Eat a cookie. Video <laughs> 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 Do you, are, are you really waking up from a nap when you walk out to the cage? That, it's, it always looks that way. Like even your hair is a little bit. Do you uh, actually nap in the locker room? I, when I had to fight in Japan, I tried to sleep because you had to go there. You had to wait 10 hours. Well, you would try, try to sleep. But now it's like they pick you up. It's doctors. Uh, get, get wrap, warm up and fight. So it's, you don't have time for an hour. Right, right, right. Yeah. The, they need the, to put more time in it. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> the best one was... Man, when was it? Was it Strike Force or Japan yeah. where they were doing the face-off and then you looked at the camera for a second and smiled? Like yeah, because standing. the camera guy, he, he shoved the camera right in my yeah. face. He didn't, he closed it up too much. I, it was funny. So. Which fight was that again? Was that uh, in Dream? Babalu. Uh, yeah, Babalu. Oh, in Babalu, yeah. in, uh, yeah. in Strike Force. That was the best one because yeah. it almost was like you acknowledged, you know, how kind of ridiculous all of this, but it was just like you looked, it was fun. You know, that's a gift now. People use that all the time yeah, talking about one. you. <laughs> it's very fun. I like that one very much. Um, when you fought in Buffalo yeah. and you were at the press conference, I remember, in the back of your mind, did you know that that was your last UFC fight? Or did you really have no clue how this would play out? Uh, no, I didn't. But uh, I knew my options were open. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, I would go with the best option. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, and let's say UFC, I had to risk it. Uh, if you're a good fighter, you should pay that as a good fighter. I shouldn't be able to say, I'm going to rely, rely everything on being the champion, then I will make good money. Because there's 10 guys that are good at trying to do the same thing. So, 
you're risking on yourself, you know. I'm not a gambler, and uh, you know, if you're a good soccer player, they're not gonna say uh, if you if you win this fight, you're gonna make more. No, if you have a contract for 10, five, 10 years or whatever it is, or you know, it's the same with the fighters. You know, I'm not gonna gamble on myself. I'm a good fighter. I should pay it well. Yeah, and uh, it shouldn't matter if if I'm champion or if I'm not champion. I feel like the whole system is broken. Like I said, it's like, like uh, everyone is running uh, behind uh, carrot. You know, the, all everyone is a horse. They're running after carrot, and that's the UFC belt. Yeah. And uh, if you have it, you want to keep it. Yeah. So it because then you make good money. Right. Uh, I think a good example is um, the welterweight champ. I forgot. Uh, Woodley. Woodley. Yeah. He rather have a boring fight, but keep the belt, than go out, give it it all. And then uh, that was back then with pride. It didn't matter uh, if you lost or won. If, as long as you did a good fight, you would come back and fight. But here, you know, sometimes you have pressure. If you lose, you're going to lose money. You're you go get, all the way down. Yeah, you're going to get kicked out. Yeah. Uh, fans, they, you know, they're very fast at uh, sure. kicking you down. Yeah. But in Japan, you don't have that. Japan, as you, as you fight, you're a good fighter. You fight, you lost, you gave it all. They pr- appreciate you. But here it's very fast, you know. Would you kick, prefer to fight in people. Japan? Uh, Japan was a lot, a lot easier. Yeah, you would go there, you get paid, you go home. They treat you like a king, right? Uh, a lot of yeah, Japanese fans also were a little bit more respectful. Respectful, you know? yeah, the, the different culture. Is that possible? Is that in the, like could you fight? I didn't them? speak the language, so probably uh, even if they were rude, I wouldn't <laughs> know. <true>. But <laughs> but I felt like always been um, you know the culture is different. They're yeah. very uh, uh, light. Is it possible that you could fight in in uh, Ryzen? Or no, no. I heard the, they didn't pay some certain fighters. Okay. Yeah. So I don't. Know. I don't feel like Strictly doing anything. I have six fights in Bellator. It's you know more than enough. Good for enough. Me. Yeah. You see, why I say that the 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 system is broken is because like I feel like if you show up to fight, you should be getting everything like a guaranteed. You shouldn't yeah. have to say, oh, if you win, I'll give you this. No, it should be, you walk in there, you know what you're getting paid. I know what I'm getting paid to do this Yeah, show. but boxing is like that. Yeah, yeah. Boxing is a uh, straight person. Uh, but this is a different system. It's uh, probably this way you can pay less to the fighters. Right. So, you know, it's you a th- business. It uh, I cannot, like Bellator, I, I'm not a business guy. Bellator seems to be going in the other direction. Yeah, I have a guaranteed money. So for me, it's, you know, it doesn't matter. Win or lose, you're getting paid yeah, the same. Yeah, it's the same. And, you know, even if I lose six, I'm, they're not going to, it's in my contract, they're not going to kick me out. Like, sure. Stuff like that is a big difference. You know, Huge you feel difference. more relieved, you're more secured. Like I said, I, I feel like obligated to give a good performance because they feel, I feel like they have treated me well. So I'm, I'm in phenomenal shape. I should mm. kill this guy in two rounds. And, you know, he's not on steroids. He's not hanging in there with me just more than two rounds. Yeah. And, Make big difference, guys on steroids or not. People don't understand that. I've seen, uh, you know, I'm, I cannot name, uh, say some names, but people seen, uh, they're not even the half of the fighters that are in UFC. So sure. It's uh, from uh, Rocky to cocky. I don't know. <laughs> could you tell when someone's <laughs> on steroids? I mean, I know you could tell when someone's greasing or something, but could you tell, like, this guy is just too strong or something? Yeah, off yeah, the yeah. Look? I felt that, uh, mm, oh, well, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. King Mo, let's uh, yeah, fought him. He, he was, but he's naturally a strong guy. Let heavyweight is bottom my division, but after that, he got caught for steroids. So you know, those things matter. Mm. And uh, you know, uh, <laughs> what can I say? Um, have, have you? Has anyone ever come up to you and said, "I'd like you to take steroids"? Like this is good for you. This is good no, for you. No, Holland doesn't work like that. It doesn't. No one comes and say, "We give you steroids." Really? <laughs> who? Who? Wants it's not part of the co- a coach, a trainer, someone like that. Uh, uh, the K1 fighters were a lot on steroids. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, a lot of fighters were... In Japan, uh, they didn't test, right? When you were fighting Japan, there? No, not really. No. Uh, but you never felt tempted to do it? You can look at my body. No, I know. Same, uh, when I was at 205, I was chubby. Yeah. I wasn't like uh, muscular. Right. It's not like uh, I was a Hulk Hogan there. And then, no, I know. Yeah. So It was just a thing within you you didn't well, want to Well, you know, it's always, you know, if you're... Uh, if you know you, the guys are cheating, the, even the guys that are, don't want to cheat, eventually they get tempted because you see the guys that are cheat, they yeah, make money. Right, right. You saw pride guys. Yeah. You know, you, you, you could, if you would have fought those guys, they were animals. But once they're in UFC, they were half of the shells. And, you know, uh, so you, even if you're a clean fighter, you feel tempted. Right. If you like it or not. But that's why the court, sport has to be clean. So... Even the clean guys don't uh, get attempted to do that. So going back to Buffalo, you're there, you're at the press conference, and you you walk away, you say, we'll see what happens, right? You were very honest, and that's something I really appreciated about you and your team. You told us that it was the last fight of your contract. Like You weren't hiding from this, and I think that that's important too. Well, at that moment, I could have said it because, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, normally I felt like when Fertiza were... One fight before your, your yeah. contract is finished, they would negotiate with you. Right. They wouldn't let you fight your contract out. So, but this is a different, uh, different era, a different era, different, different times. I don't know. How do you feel? So they that? let me fight, and it was the fight week. They're not gonna suddenly say, uh, "Oh, you're off." Uh, well, they said they wanted to give me a new contract. Yeah. Uh, fight week, but it was it was nothing. It was uh, I went up like twenty five thousand, fifty thousand. I'm like, what? That's not good. At this point, yeah. Yeah, and uh, fight week. I'm not gonna think about contract. I'm busy with the weight cut and fighting. Sure. What yeah. a strange time. Yeah. But you know, you know, they did that with Jacare, and he signed Jacare, it. Uh, you know, and then he, he got lost. A, a lot better deal than me. Oh, he did. Yeah. So good for him. You know, I like the guy. He's, uh, you know, so knowing what other fighters were making and what they offered me, it was not fair. Mm. It was truly not fair. And I was uh, back there. I was uh, after that. I was top four. Yeah. So even top three, you could say, because Bisping, you know, I like the guy, but also he's not really the best guy. He should be around top or beneath top five. Hmm. So I was one of the top five guys, top three guys, and I hear what other fighters are making. I'm like, okay, what you like? I said you want me dull hair, my my hair blonde or something? Because you know what's the, what's the difference? Right. What do you want me to do? You want me to do black flips in uh, the wings? You know, I can't. You know, I'm not a clown. <laughs> and, and and so did you, did you feel like like were you insulted? Uh, insulted? No. Yeah. I wanted just a treat, fair treatment. As yeah. a fighter, you you know, the promotion and the fight is different. As a fighter, you want the best treatment because you both need each other. Yeah. I needed UFC. They need fighters. As an individual fighter, they don't need you, but as a whole bunch of, without fighters, but it's a, or the organization. Nothing. Sure. So you need each other and I feel like they should treat each other with fairness, you know, just, that's all, nothing, nothing is personal. So then it was so interesting because then you were you were still doing like like Mark Hunt uh, he makes eight hundred plus two hundred plus or something like that. Uh, come on, how how important is Mark Hunt for Australia? I don't know. Uh, I, I you know I'm happy for the guy. I'm not just saying, but uh, come on, uh, you know I, I was getting uh, two hundred or less than that. Hmm. So I was like, uh, okay, uh, his record is ten ten. My record is a lot better. I've been also fighting for a long time. You know, at least uh, give you some fair treatment. Afterwards, you were still, I remember you were in Asia, you were doing promotion for them, you were doing videos about yeah. the division and things like that. How did that work out if you were a free agent? Well, we were at that time, three months negotiation time. Uh, 
we were, you know. In that exclusive window? Uh, three months, you're not allowed to talk to anyone else. So uh, at that moment, we were still thinking to, you know, what the best option was. Okay. And, uh, yeah, UFC wanted to push it. And, uh, were you surprised that they sent you, considering you were sort of undecided? Mm, I don't know. I, I went in a nice hotel. Maybe they tried to they give me a good you. credit. Or, and then they put uh, you on UFC tonight. No, but I can, you know, I'm, I'm, I cannot uh, talk that badly because I got the fair shots. You know, I was combating event. They gave fair me shot, my, yeah. you know, I'm just saying fighters treatment. That's all I'm saying. But, uh, I, you know, they have treated me well. You know, I can't complain. Or, I, I, I like to complain, but yeah. I shouldn't complain too much. They also treated me well. And, uh, Actually, I have nothing to complain, but you know, there's things that can be better. That's got, what I'm saying. I'm you never saying, got a UFC title shot. You weren't close. The Reebok to stole money, um, stuff like that. Was it really necessary to do the Reebok? Okay, I'm not gonna talk about the Reebok. I mentioned it a lot, but that's uh, money out of fighters' pocket. Why would you want to do that? And uh, stuff like that, you know. So what's it like now? You can have your own sponsors, right? There's no sponsor, not so much because yeah. the market is dead. Dead, but. It's, you know, I don't care. I'm not, I don't need sponsors at this moment. Okay. I make good money. And, uh, Do you have any sponsors for this? Yeah, point? I have sponsors, but that's to pay everyone that's coming with me for the tickets and stuff. Um, you know, who are they? The, what are some of the names who are sponsoring you? Now I have entourage, not entourage, but 10 people, 12 people come always with me. So that's oh, a lot no, no, of people. In terms of sponsors. Oh, sponsors. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't know you but, were. When I'm, uh, You'll be wearing uh, my manager shorts. does that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know the sponsors. Yeah. But you feel like it's it's not what it was like five, six years ago. No, of course not. Because all the big companies are gone. There's yeah. not the real market for it. You know what always cracks me up? I, I, I mentioned this to the UFC yeah. people and they say there is no market. for. Well, there was before. but they, they killed it. Yeah. But after that. First they did a tax. Yeah. And so all the mom and pop shops, yeah. you know, went away. And then they bring in the Reebok deal. And then like, so what's the point of being a sponsor anymore? Well, I thought, I felt like the Reebok deal and the USADA was there to sell the company. I couldn't agree more. But no one says that, but that's the truth. It's not because if you have a clean sport and you have a Reebok, that's a little bit big brand, you can sell that for $4 billion. Absolutely. Otherwise, you know, if you say the half of them, they get caught for steroids and uh, the sponsorship is uh, all over the place, you cannot sell that. So it's not about the fighters, it's about making money. Okay, I get it, it's business. Lorenzo Fertitta uh, is so... Go ahead, go ahead. It's business, but fair, you know, you can also do that and... Even uh, with, let's say, you sold the company for four billion. Yeah. Give the fighters five thousand dollars. It's not much. Yeah. Just uh, thank you. I don't know. Just uh, you know, it's not a lot of money, but people will, the fighters will say, okay, oh, at least you know. They cared. They care a little bit. Stuff like that. It makes big difference. The sure. treatment. I'm not, uh, you know, but who cares about the five thousand? I'm just, I'm just there saying. Is, there is the, no the way you billion. feel it. There the, is well, no four billion. It's if a feeling, no fighters, uh, right? Yeah, you have you have a feeling with certain people. And with Bellator, it's a lot better. Uh, you know, it's good, actually. It's, you know, I've worked with Scott before. Yeah. You feel appreciated. You know, you get the honest treatment. So, yeah. I think Lorenzo Fertitta is so smart because I think he did all these things to sort of make his 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 thing pretty. Yeah. And here it is. We've got this, this USADA deal. We've got this nice little Reebok deal. You're making money off of it. We've got a TV deal coming up, all this stuff. But guess what? You guys, like... The, the TV deal. I don't know how much you pay attention to this stuff, but that's up in, in a year and change. And they're hoping to get somewhere in the range of 100 to 400 million. And the fighters make 0% of that. In every other sport, the well, players even in make the 0%. E, uh, I remember I was in Strikeforce, uh, the EA sport game. Uh-huh. We all got certain percentage of the EA deal that we were in the game. But the UFC, you don't get zero. 
You don't get a penny. No, you don't get nothing. Wow. Maybe I got a hundred dollars, two hundred. I don't know for playing online people or something sure, sure. like that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. So does it feel now like a weight has been lifted off? You don't have to worry about these things. You feel like they're. Yeah, you can. I mean, I can. Uh, yeah, life is easier a lot. Less stress. You know, I'm end up my career also. You know, I'm not going to continue to forty or something. So I feel like um, different stage of my career. I, I like it more. I'm more comfortable now. Is this your last contract? You think uh, six after fights? six fights, if I'm champion, there's extension, and uh, but after that, it's probably six. If, it depends all. If I win them all, I will continue. If I lose, win, you know, I don't want to be that guy. Sure. Uh, if I keep winning, the three extra fight, nine fights, I will be probably forty-five, uh, thirty-five. Right. It's enough. That's it's it. Enough. Yeah, it's enough. It's enough. <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> what do you think you'll do? When you're done, other than having Make a lot children, of kids. probably yeah. take care of kids. Uh, just uh, Are I you don't have any you... skills, you know. That's it. Uh, nothing. Uh, mow the grass. Okay. That's what I like. Easy uh, life. You like yeah. mowing the grass? Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Do you have? If it's sunny only, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise my brother. If it's cloudy, you're not gonna bother. <laughs> my with brother it. does it always, but okay. if it's sunny and I'm nothing to do, I like it to do that. <laughs> do you have one of those like cars, or do you? Push no, I just it? sit and. Drive. Oh, you sit on it. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 that's cool. I have a yard now. I have a. I live in a farm now, so. You live in a farm. Yeah, I'm a farmer. Since when? Uh, since this year. Wow. Yeah. How how big is it? It's not. Uh, I don't know. In U.S., everything is small, but it's pretty big in Holland. It's, wow. Uh, it's not that big. I'm not. I don't have cows or anything. Uh, do you have I any? Can't. Do you have any animal? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I wanted to have a dog, but my mother doesn't like it. Oh, that's Too much sad. hair, she says. But, but you I like can get animals. dogs who are hypoallergenic that don't shed. You know, like the oh, Portuguese water dog. My mother is a tough. Uh, she's tough. Tough yeah. to negotiate. Well, where, is your is your mother from the Middle East? Yeah, yeah, we are. Uh, See, me too. All, yeah, my mom's from Lebanon. Yeah, my dad's from Egypt. They want nothing to do with dogs. No, we love animals. I feel like uh, Middle Easterns I, yeah. don't want dogs in their house. All my my relatives, my grandmother, my they don't yeah. they don't want dogs. We we can have the outside, but uh, she's not in the house. Not in the house. Yeah. But the outside <laughs> actually I have a pretty big garden, so it, okay. it's possible. But now, why did you guys move to a farm? Um, so we can all live together. Oh. Yeah. Wow. I'm close to it with my family, so it's, uh, it's you, nice. So you want to live with your family? You yeah, yeah definitely. You know, uh, Even though you're 30-something years old? Yeah, why not? You know, yeah. I don't understand people putting their mother into, you know. Sure. Uh, I don't know. It's different culture. But, sure. you know, uh, my mother will be with me always. How old is she? Uh, 58. 58? Yes. Does she come to your fights? No, no, no. My mother is not like that. Come on. <laughs> my mother, after the results, if it's good, she probably watch it. She won't watch it live. No, my mother doesn't know internet. Uh, you know, she's not gonna wake up for. Uh, well, she's awake. My friend always call her after the fight that really? everything is okay. She, and I she call her after the fight, but she's not gonna look for a live stream. You know, right? Not that. <laughs> she, did, she, you know, I was thinking. I was thinking. Is my mom gonna text me right now? My mom watches the show. Yeah. All four hours every week. Well, we should talk about mothers. Huh? She so just texted me. Appreciate it. She just yes. texted me right now. Oh, okay. Ha ha ha! Because I mentioned the dogs. Oh, okay. And so she would do the same thing. She, I, <laughs> she probably wouldn't watch if I was a fighter. Of course, I can't be a fighter. I'm, I'm too big of a wuss. But, but wait till afterwards. Yes. Yeah. No, my mom always asks about how things go. Yeah. Would she prefer if you're not a fighter? Not at this moment. Not anymore. It doesn't matter. Because, Initially, uh, she says stop. It's better to stop. But what, what I'm gonna do after if I quit? Right. There's not much for me to do. And you're doing well. I'm winning. I'm in my prime, I believe. Yeah. So 
I'm not going to stop, but I feel I'm, a, I'm at my best. Who got but, you into this initially, like way back when? When I, I had a fight, my friend wanted me to fight this guy. Me and my friend went to beat him, and then we, I went to box him because we felt good. I don't know. What? As what? a kid, I don't know. Shit it's a crazy story. story. <laughs> what do you mean? Your friend wanted you to fight yeah, a guy no, on, like no, on the street? No, no, no. He was at school, and this guy was harassing him, and he said, I can't do anything because the, they're going to throw me out of school. Okay. So come and uh, teach him a lesson. We went there, just kids, pushed him. How old? He felt under 15. I okay. And then, uh, <laughs> he fell on the ground. My friend kicked his bag or something. Okay. Nothing. We didn't kick his ass. Sure, but sure, sure. But after that, we thought, okay, we go train. We go train, and we went to boxing. <laughs> and you had no prior experience in martial arts prior to that. Well, I had done judo. Okay, judo, yes, and I always, uh, I was always into fitness. So I always, always had sport. I sported every day almost. Yeah. Okay, but uh, like, what kind of sports did you like? Football? Uh, no, I don't, don't. I'm not talented in anything. Nothing. <laughs> I just can uh, average, very average. 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 <laughs> I can throw a ball. I can kick a ball, but don't expect me to do drill. You know. I love the idea of you coming in there and pushing the kid. Did you actually do the pushing, or were you just there as like a bodyguard? Which kid? You know, in high school, when your friend asked you. Oh to, yeah, yeah. We actually, we we caught the wrong guy first, <laughs> oh, yeah. and he was doing, he was doing like that, and then uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. And, then, uh, and and then you went training. Yeah, boxing. You and know. you liked it? Well, I, I wanted to be like Mike Tyson, stuff like that. But, you know, as a man. kid, you know, you look up to, uh, you know, you see they have a good life. They, you know, they, you know let's sure. say they made it. Yeah. So you feel like I want to make it also. But now, I'm like, uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I want to be a tennis player or whatever. You sure. know, it would have been easier. Way easier. Yeah. Not easier, but it's tough. But uh, I'm not, I don't have talent, so I couldn't sure. do that. But um <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, I, I was a different way of thinking. I thought I'm going to be a fighter. I'm going to be scared of me. Yeah. You know, as a kid, you know, sure. think rubbish. But, uh, did any of your friends do it too? Yeah, they, they did it, but they quit. They quit. You're the only one who stuck with it. Yeah, I think discipline is very important. I wanted it bad. As I think sometimes it works. When you want something bad, you will eventually get there. Sure. But, uh, so you have to have the will at least. How old were you in your first fight? Uh, 15. 15? My first amateur fight. Yeah. Uh, boxing? Boxing, yeah. Wow. Where was that? Holland, Holland. No, no, no. But like, what was the location? Uh, I don't know. I don't even remember what I ate <laughs> yesterday. I, I cannot remember where it was. It's just like Holland. I don't know. And how did Some you, city. <laughs> how did you go from boxing to MMA? Uh, Why? By, I lost my boxing amateur fight. Uh, the first one? First one. And I thought... You knocked out? No, no. I lost just points. Okay. Uh, and then I felt like, oh, Mike Tyson haven't never lost so. You're done. I, I'm done. You know, <laughs> I, you know, I was a kid. I, I wasn't thinking. There was not the boxing coach wasn't a really good boxing coach. Okay. He just was doing something for. Her. So after that, I quit it for a while, and then for a couple months, and then they said come to kickboxing. So I go went to kickboxing, and I did my MMA fight. I didn't. I never trained MMA. I had two weeks of grappling or something, and I went fought my first MMA fight. Wow. Yeah. That's did how you win. Yeah, yeah, I knocked him out. I had the, the three knockdown rules. So I knocked him three times. He took me down a couple of times, but, you know, after a while, he would stand up. Uh, I would just brawl with him and knock him down three yeah. times. and it was, was that amateur or pro? I don't remember. You don't even remember? Unbelievable. Uh, uh, Did you enjoy it? The well, thrill I of won, victory? But, no, no, I don't have a lot. Of, you know, I didn't feel a lot. Of, for me, it was just, you know, to get to my goal. It wasn't like, oh, oh I won. Let's celebrate because it didn't mean a lot. Did you get paid? No, of course not. No. Yeah, you never get paid. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no. 
Like the first paycheck you got was probably for. Nothing, I, like right? uh, when I fought in uh, Rotterdam Ahoy, that's actually yeah. a big stadium. I yeah. got like thousand uh, euro. Wow! I was so happy. I was like, wow! But this, <laughs> like that was nothing. Look at you know? now. Did you ever think that you'd be making the kind of money you're making now in fighting? Uh, or has this no? Just... Because everything goes so slowly. Yeah, it's not like uh, suddenly like boxing. You you get a, you, you fight Manning Packer and you suddenly make from hundred thousand to one million, two million. Sure. And so it go gradually. Hmm. So mm, I'm lucky. Yeah, I'm lucky. Yeah. You need luck too, you know. Of course. Uh, yeah. Your brother, did he ever fight pro? My brother uh, had some fights, but he's not very, you know, um, he's just <laughs> not very professional. He, he, he could have been good. He's, uh, he's, he's one of your he's training strong. partners, right? Hey, on the ground, he's really good, but he's not, he doesn't have the mentality to wake up in the morning go running uh, uh, he doesn't want to discipline do that. to do that but he is actually he could have been very good actually really yes he, he has talent on the ground is very strong right yeah. you mean like jujitsu yeah yeah on the ground is good yeah so, and will he corner you in this fight he is always in my corner yeah every fight he's always almost in my corner yeah he's not the best uh, yeah he can coach but he's let's say but He's always in my corner. Yeah. What's the biggest regret of your career? Is there one fight that you wish you had or one moment? Joker wish- fight, maybe. Uh, I didn't want to take that fight, actually. Uh, but that was Dana White called me, say, oh, I said, I'm not ready, you know. And the they, one in Connecticut? Yeah, yeah. They That's pushed, crazy. Yeah, they S- pushed same me. arena, right? Uh, different, I think. I'm Mohican Sun distance. Oh, oh the, and that was, uh, yeah. I think, in Uncasville. That right? was, I think, my worst performance. And What happened? Tell us what happened. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in it. I, from the first minute, I was not myself. And I think Jacker was at his best. So even I felt the difference in my performance was very Why didn't notable. you not want to take the fight? Uh, I had a, I was back from uh, ACL. I had two fights, three fights in a row. I said, I'm done. And the fight was very quickly uh, because they wanted to counter-program Bellator actually at that time. Yes. So they want to have to have a fast fight. So they approached me. As I said, I'm not ready. I cannot be ready in one month or uh, one and a half. Month. I just had a fight. It was very short in my last. So they called. They pushed. And uh, I trained uh, because I was already at the training camp. I was done. I trained for one, and a half, one month, one and a half month. And then the fight got postponed something like that for one month later. Uh. And then I was really fucked. So it was, uh, you know. I remember. It was supposed to be UFC 176. Yeah, and then they got postponed. But, uh, you know, I'm not making an excuse. Jagger was the better guy. Sure, 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 sure. But that's the one you wish you could do over. Uh, Do over? I feel like that was my worst fight. Worst fight? Like, you know, I lost to Mushida. I lost to... um, uh, I lost uh, some fights, you know, but... um, Mashida, it went to decision, and I felt like he was cheating. And right. uh, the other fight, I I uh, said it straight. Uh, King Mo. No, the what, uh, Uriah Hall. Oh yes, that one yes. I put straight. That was great. So I feel like my worst was the uh, Jocker fight that I performed at my worst. Wow. Yeah. Have you, you ever know, watched it? No, I don't like it. that one. I was watched once, but I was too. I didn't like it, so I didn't watch stop. Yeah, yeah. Some fighters, yeah. Favorite fight. Favorite fight. The ones that I get the belts, I believe, because you know that pushed me up. Sure, but is there one opens uh, opportunities? I think once you're once the UFC champion or whatever champion, suddenly you're fighting for the belt. Every you know, uh, you know, once you're champion, it's easier after one or two fights to get a fi- championship fight again. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, 
Uh, any, all of those belts that I won. I think the happiest I was at the Cage Warriors belt. It didn't mean, mean anything. Wow. But I was so happy I was walking in the street with my belt. <laughs> I had my jacket over it, but I was so happy walking like 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't know what I was doing, but I was so excited. I wow. couldn't sleep. That's amazing. But the other belts didn't make me so much happy. I don't know. But the first belt, you know, like my virgin belt. Yeah, that's an incredible <laughs> thing. You walking down the streets. Where was it? Uh, it was in was the it UK, yeah. uh, Nottingham, maybe. Okay, yeah, that's amazing. Yep. Um, like Tim Sylvia, you ever hear those stories about Tim Sylvia going to parties wearing? Nah, that's you know that's too much. It's too, <laughs> too much. Come on, I, you know, if it's your private party, you can do sure, that. Sure, sure. I don't know. Everyone is different, you know. They should do whatever the, they like. If you win the Bellator belt. I feel like you should walk around the streets of uh, Bellator belt. I'm I'm gonna give a big party at yeah? my house. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I, why that because, one? You know, I'm getting older now. Sure. I, I feel like if I achieve something, I should, should enjoy it, enjoy it more than because back then it was just, okay, fight, fight, fight. Uh, right. You know, older you think differently, you, you approach life a little bit differently. I feel like the, the one of the best fights Bellator could put on is you versus Roy McDonald if things go the yeah. way that they're going. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Definitely. I think it's a good fight. Um, I trained with Douglas Lima. I was there in Holland for a week. Okay. Uh, he's a great fighter, by the way, but there's a big weight difference. So fighting Rory McDonald, you know, I feel confident. Yeah. Very confident. Is that part of the plans? Like, have they said to you, oh, if this goes well and that goes well? No, he said this. it. Rory yeah, McDonald himself, I, I want to go to middleweight. So they asked me also, sure. you would like to fight him? I said, yeah, of course, because he's one of the best. Uh, he showed, you know, he killed Paul Daly, actually. Uh, he mm -hmm. made it look easy. Yeah. So he's one of the best. Uh, so... If he comes up, yeah, why not? This is, you know, I think fans would like it. Would you even be able to like meet him in the middle, or oh, no, you can't no. go lower than? Uh, if he but... wants to fight, he can go. <laughs> <So>, uh, <laughs> you're not going to go to like 180 or 178 or something. Nah, nah, That's crazy. Nah. No, he wants to fight for the belt. So, you know. Sure, but let me first get the belt. He needs to fight. You, you train with Lima. You think Lima beats him? Uh, what do you think? That I don't know because you know I never trained with uh, with Roy just Roy, based on what you've but, seen. But uh, Douglas Lima, uh, he was not in shape to be honest. He wasn't. Okay. Uh, he said it himself, but uh, he's tough. Douglas Lima is tough, you know. How big is this fight? Your debut over in Holland? Like, are you getting a lot of attention? Well, there is going to be a documentary about me on Spike Holland. Oh yeah. So uh, you know, uh, it's going to also show on Spike Holland. Leading That's, up to the fight or after the fight? I think Friday they're going to. Friday or Saturday, they're going to air the fight. And they also they made a documentary about me. Uh, really? So they're going to show that. On Following me. you and things like that? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know Marlus Kunin works for Spike in yeah. Holland. Was she a part of it? She's going to be also on uh, this fight week. She's going to be there. She's going to be in, yeah. in uh, Connecticut. Yes. Yeah. It's a good card. It kind of uh, took a few hits along the way. Yeah, King Mo King lost. Mo. We lost King Mo. And, uh, but you have Heather Hardy. Have you seen Heather Hardy? Yeah, yeah, I know. She's unbelievable. in boxing. And yeah. Last saw her uh, fight in Bellator. She finished. Uh, she's tough. At MSG. Tough. Yeah, yeah. She's Naming tough. Gracie. Yeah, I, you know, names. plenty of it. I think Bellator fights are exciting. Yeah. A lot of fights, they get finished. You, have, you see big knockouts. And uh, so I feel like uh, with Shemelenko, uh, he comes to fight. Even if I don't want to, I want to just jab him or whatever. It's not possible. He's an aggressive he, fighter. He's, he's an aggressive fighter. The storm. I feel like it should be a fun fight. Second round fans. finish, you're saying? First or First second. Or because second. Uh, the difference is I'm too big, too strong. Uh, I'm, and, uh, yeah, physically I'm too good. You know, technically also. Reach faster. He's, you know, he does that crazy stuff. But I'm aware of it. I'm not going to do... Spinning back fist. Yeah, I'm not going to go rushing like crazy, you know. I'm going to be sharp. I should be able to handle him. 
I like the guy. I respect him, but sure. I'm not saying I'm gonna finish him just to be disrespectful. But uh, I feel I'm the better guy. I'm just saying what I'm thinking. He's gonna get punched. <laughs> not to add any pressure, but I feel like this is one of the more important fights in Bellator's history because I feel like you know they've had some free agents do well, some not do well, and they and you you can make a case that of all the free agents you were probably like the biggest because you were on that five fight winning streak. Like Rory had lost a couple in a row. Benson, you know, was a champion and was kind of trying to reinvent himself. once. You were on the cusp of fighting for a UFC belt and you said, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. I'm going over there. I feel like this one is really important for them. Yeah, but also pressure, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, pressure for me, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not so, trying to add it. Yeah, yeah, I know. But uh, for me, at the end of the day, uh, if I have a little bit of pressure, I perform better. You perform better, yeah, historically. Yeah, yeah. Some fights, uh, even like Jacker fight, I was like, uh, I'm, you know, <laughs> I don't know. But the, a little bit of pressure is good for me. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I wish you the best, Gagard. Thank, Thank you for coming. Thank you, Aaron. I really Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. And again, congratulations on the new deal. Uh, thanks for coming on the show a couple of months ago to me. announce it. Yeah. And uh, good luck over there in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Mohegan Sun. This Friday... Bellator 185 on Spike TV. Main event is Gegard Mousasi versus Alexander Shlomenko. Number one contender fight, right? <laughs> yes? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I don't know. I was fight. looking which camera you were Oh, you know yeah. what? We're here. We're there. We're all over the place. <laughs> but you liked it here, right? Yeah, you, yeah. You liked the place? Have a bunch of guys behind. Nice I thought people. this was just uh, you one, really two. Thought- I thought this was like a two, three-man show. Unbelievable. But it's like five, six guys Unbelievable, right? controlling the camera. Did you really think it was in my basement? Not basement, but I didn't think it was this, this you know, high level. I don't know how to take that, to be no, honest. No, no, it's good. It's good. I'm, I'm happy for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, anytime you're around, you're welcome. And always love having you on thank the show. And hopefully we can talk to you after the win. For sure. All thank right. You. Thank you, Gegard. Thank uh, my friend Joe yes. over here is going to walk you out. All the best to you this Friday in Mohegan Sun. Take care now. Say hello to your mother for me. All right, and your brother and the whole family. There goes Gegar Musasi. Tremendous stuff there, as always, from him. The dream catcher. Love hearing from Gegard as I put my headphones back on here. It's always so fun to have the in-studio guests. And how about my good friend Dan Hardy weighing in? And Mark Goddard. Good to hear Musasi MMA talking about his Cage Warriors belt with Ariel Hawani on the MMA Hour. Hashtag Cage Warriors alumni, of course, uh, Dan Hardy, one of those as well. And then Mark Goddard weighing in. Yes, I distinctly remember refing that fight. When you look back at the Cage Warriors belt holders, it really is quite remarkable. So there you have it. So this Friday, as we said, uh, that card has taken a couple of hits along the way. But Musasi against Slomenko, the debut of one Gegar Musasi, I think is worth the price of admission itself. I think it's a big deal. Honestly, I wasn't trying to... add the pressure, but I do believe that this is a very big deal for Bellator as a whole. I believe that uh, they've invested a lot and he was so close to fighting for the belt. I think that you know a big performance here kind of validates their investment and uh, it helps forget about maybe some of the not so great performances. And they've had some, you know, Ryan Bader wins a belt in his debut. Lorenz uh, faltered a couple times. Uh, it's been tough for Benton Henderson. I don't think Ryan Nelson, you know, blew anyone's socks off. So it's, it's, I think it's been a mixed bag. And so let's see what happens this Friday with Gegard Musasi. All right, uh, let us move along now and welcome in our next guest. Very excited to talk to her. 
As I said on the top of the program, uh, you may have missed it over the weekend, but uh, People Magazine en Espanol announced that Juliana Pena, our longtime friend Juliana Pena, the Venezuelan vixen herself, is pregnant. How about that? That's where she's been. And so, of course, you know, uh, I love all things parenthood and wanted to talk to her about this. So she is joining us, kind enough to join us on the phone. She's on line one. Juliana, are you there? Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Yourself? I'm fantastic. Thank you. Well, muzzle tov to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, this is very exciting news. And I have to say, like, I kind of stumbled upon, I don't read People Magazine on Espanol, but someone sent me this little article about you talking about, you know, working as a broadcaster for Combate Americas. And then at the very end, there's, a, you know, a question about your future. And you say, oh, you're pregnant and you're uh, due to give birth around January 12th. But you kind of kept this, you know, very much a secret. Why is that? Why did you keep this under wraps? Um, it wasn't something that I was wanting to to divulge into the fans. If you think about it, I'm uh, in like four days. I'll be uh, in my seventh month of pregnancy. Wow! And so I think that um, you know they didn't know that I was pregnant, and then in three more months I'll be popping out the baby, and then I can get back to business as soon as I, um, you know, get the whole motherhood thing and working out scheduled down packed and and get back into shape and then get back into a uh, fighting shape in a fight camp. So I think it's just one of those things where I didn't want them to think that I was going to be out for, you know, forever now that I'm, I'm having a baby. Um, you know, without prime, but just curious, like, was this part of the plan? Did you want to do this in the midst of your career right now? Or did life kind of just happen? Um, I think that I've always wanted to, to be a, a mother. That's something that I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to have kids. And uh, I think that coming from a large family is, is just always something that was kind of, you know, um, innate in me as a, as a kid growing up, just always wanting to, to have that motherly thing uh, that I can call my own. So I think um, things just started to fall into place. You know, once you deem yourself worthy and, 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 you know, you find yourself in a good spot and then you find a man that is worthy of you. Um, things just kind of fell into place, uh, that way. And I, I fell in love and I just think that it was, uh, the right timing for me. Very happy for you. Do you mind if I ask who's the lucky man? Yes. Uh, his name is Lewis and, uh, he's my fiance and, uh, he's an amazing, amazing man. Wow. Uh, and when are you guys getting married? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it, we went from, you know, planning a wedding to then being pregnant. And so I was kind of just like, well, let's make sure that I get back to, you know, you know, decent shape before I walk down the aisle all, you know, not myself. So I think I want to focus more on, on getting back into to fight shapes before I take the plunge. <laughs> so, so you don't want to walk down, you didn't want to walk down the aisle with a baby bump. You wanted to do it after the fact. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I, you know, that's not my idea is to be all, you know, baby bumped down the aisle. I, no, <laughs> no. Okay. Um, and do we know what we're having? Yeah, it's a girl. Wow. That's amazing. I just had a girl myself. Well, around 11 months ago, it's the greatest thing. How many kids do you have? Two or three? I have three. Thanks for asking. Oh, nice. That's awesome. It's the best. Changed my life for the better. Everyone will tell you about, you know, the lack of sleep and how difficult things and you have to be less selfish, but it's all positive things. It's all great. It gives you balance and perspective and, uh, you know, truly something to love and to wake up for. 
Uh, I couldn't vouch for it more. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where it just is going to bring me so much love and joy. And as soon as, you know, I pop her out, I'm going to look at her and I'll be like, man, I would kill for you, girl. Yes. Whatever you want, I'll do it, you know? So I think it's it's good. She's already got us wrapped around her fingers. We already, we're, we're here buying the the changing table right now. We bought the crib a couple of days ago. Like We're getting everything all set up and ready to go. So I think uh, we're super excited. She's she's going to be due here in January, and at the beginning of January. And so um, it's just, it's a really exciting time right now, especially because you don't have to be like, I can hide it, you know? People, you know, they're like, Oh, you don't look pregnant. It's like, cause I'm wearing all these billowy clothes. So having huh. a baby in the winter, I think is better than having it in the summer, I think. And, and, uh, what about like, you know, sickness first trimester, the third trimester, you're kind of approaching that right now. How are we feeling? Oh, I was terribly sick in the first uh, trimester. In fact, I had went to Mexico for like 10 days and I was just like so sick. I was, um, the smells, you know, it was like, Driving in the car, the roads were terrible, and uh, driving in these little tiny taxi cabs where I just feel like gas is just like I'm choking on it, and then like people smoking cigarettes everywhere, and and just all the smells, and then every time I sat down, I was like out, like just freaking sleeping like crazy and I think everyone was like geez what's wrong with what's wrong with your chick you know and I was just like I'm sorry you know like they didn't know I was pregnant and I had just found out too so I was kind of like I was I was really sick in the beginning I remember one day um my man had to nurse me back to health and like spoon feed me some eggs because I hadn't been able to get up out of bed uh all day I was so sick and um, wow yeah so then after the first trimester though I, I I came back to life and uh and had a lot more energy and, and, uh, yeah, I'm still, still working out. And yeah, I just got done doing, uh, a nice workout and I'm just trying to get ready for this new adventure. Now, and, and, and just to be clear, you still want to fight after this, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, this is just going to give me something more to fight for. And, uh, I think it's going to be exciting. I, I know that, a lot of people think that I'm not going to be able to do it. And it's just one of those things where I've been having to continue to prove myself. You know, I've, I've went through some crazy experiences in my life where if I can come back from those experiences, I know for a fact that I'm going to be able to come back from this type of experience. And not to mention, there's a lot of uh, beautiful women that fight in the UFC and their mothers as well. Yes. So I think that those girls are kind of an inspiration and, and they definitely are killers in their own right. And so I just look forward to seeing what kind of fighter I am after giving birth. I couldn't agree more. Some of the best fighters in the UFC are mothers, Kat Zingano and Sarah McMahon uh, Michelle Watterson, just a few that, that come to mind. So I, I, I certainly don't think that it should, you know, impede your progress as a fighter, but uh, obviously there's going to be some time off um, after giving birth. What What is like a realistic time frame? Like, are you planning on taking the rest of the year, like 2018 off as well? What are you thinking um, obviously before giving birth? 
Um, you know, it's kind of a difficult thing because I've never given birth and then I don't, sure. you know, all my sisters have given birth. And so the, their timelines are different. You know, me coming from a professional athlete aspect, I think it's, it's a little bit different because I'm used to, to working out. I'm used to being in camp all the time. So I think for me, I, I set a little goal for myself. And then when someone asks me what my goal is and when I come back, they just kind of giggle to themselves. And then their wife comes walking by. They're like, <laughs> she thinks she's going to take a fight in eight months. And, and the wife kind of chokes and laughs too so I'm like is that too soon like <laughs> am I being unrealistic like so I don't know but I think the most important thing for me is this is the very first time that I'm having my first baby and I think that the bonding that you make with your child within like the first years is so important and I don't want to be rushing so crazy back to the sense where I'm like selfish in a camp where I'm like, screw you, baby. You know, I got, you know, to get in the octagon and go get in a fist fight. You know, I want to make sure that my baby is loved and that I have everything in schedule and, and to make sure that, um, you know, I can deal with the, the pressures of being a mother. And then if I can add more onto that, then I will. So I'm looking at, you know, less than a year, maybe, maybe eight to, uh, maybe eight months to a year. So we'll see how, how it goes. Cause I really don't know how long it's going to take me to, you know, get acclimated to everything. Sure. I can't wait. I mean, like I remember when we had our first child, we would go to like these, these breastfeeding classes and things like that. And you go around the room. Oh, I do this. And, and I'd love to see like these, you know, these moms showing up and you're like, hi, I'm a cage fighter. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm having a baby like the, the, the looks of horror on their face. Cause they probably don't come across that very much. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of awkward to tell people what I do. In fact, I, <laughs> I never, I never explain to anyone, like whenever someone asks me what I do, I'm just like, Oh, I just, kind of hang out I'm an athlete you know like try to keep keep it under wraps like not trying to you know because then they just kind of look at you like you're psycho you know so and I already yeah. get enough of that as it is so I I haven't talked to you since your fight against Valentina Shevchenko as as crazy as that seems to me um you haven't been on the show since and I, I'm just one I mean so much has happened in, in the division since then um and, and that was such a big I mean that was the fight to get the title fight. How did you handle it after? How did you, I know you're a very passionate and, and emotional person at times. Um, are you over it? Did you feel like you needed a lot of time to get over it? How did you, how did you digest that loss? Um, I was, I was, I was pretty heartbroken actually. I think that I um, focused a little too much on, on putting my sights uh, ahead of me that I probably shouldn't have done. You know, I, everyone kept talking about the title fight, the title fight, the title fight. And, you know, I had made some comments, you know, kind of being a, an a-hole and, and I was getting responses like, yeah, we love it. Keep that going, you know? And I just kind of felt like overall I wasn't staying true to like who I was. And I think that I just kept focusing too much on, on getting to the title as opposed to looking at the fight that was right in front of me. So, and I think that it showed in my fight, I was overzealous. I was, I was uh, crazy thinking, okay, if I can just get this fight to the ground, I got it. I wasn't assuming that, you know, a 17-time Muay Thai world champion had, you know, good submissions and stuff. And I just think that I was just more focused on punching a hole through her face than, you know, being smart and, you know, squaring up and, and doing what I needed to do and what I know I can do. So in the back of my mind, I think... I really want to get back to the division to prove to myself that I'm better than that. And it wasn't a thing that um, is going to define me as a fighter. And um, I think that it took me a while to come to terms with the fact that I had lost. Cause I, I, I'm pretty sure I cried for like three and a half hours after I lost and, 
no one could talk to me and I was just a freaking wreck. But wow. otherwise I think, yeah, I, I definitely think that, um, I'm over it and I'm, I'm happy, you know, what I, I lost to Valentina that night, but I feel like I won more, you know, I, I won, uh, a, a wonderful fiance, uh, who treats me amazingly like, a, like a queen. And I, I won, you know, a, a baby, a gift of life, you know, and, and a, a blessing from God. And so I think at the end of the day, I think I, I, I truly won more. Well said, very well said. Um, did you watch the Nunes Shevchenko fight? I actually didn't. I I was uh, having my gender reveal party on the same day, and wow. by like not on purpose, but by accident. And you know, it's funny enough. I said, okay, well, Valen- I didn't watch the fight. I still haven't. But I said, if Valentina wins the fight, I'll name my baby Valentina. And what? Then at the end of the night, I I checked. The- I just love that name. I I don't know why. I just I love the name Valentina. I think it's such a beautiful name. And uh, she lost the fight, so I was like, no, nope, her name's not going to be Valentina. Wow. Do Do you have the name? Yeah, her name is Isabella. Oh, that is beautiful. Well done. I love it with the accent. Yeah, Isabella Cruz. Uh, Cruz is her middle name because his. Uh, we thought it was a boy, so we were going to name him Cruz, and I just like that name, and so um, we just decided to keep Cruz as her middle name and kind of be different. I find it fascinating that in one breath you say that the, the loss, you know, you were very heartbroken and emotional afterwards, and yet, you know... Valentina sort of represents that and you still wanted to name your daughter Valentina had she won the belt. Wouldn't you be reminded of that? Yeah. So that's one thing. But then I also felt like, uh, I also felt like even before the fight, I just was kind of fascinated with her. Like (laughs) she's just like this crazy chick that she's not crazy by any means, but just, she, she dances like, like, amazing and beautifully you know what i mean i'm like dang dude like i was kind of like fascinated with like you know she speaks all these different languages you know and i was just kind of like i love i always before i even knew valentina into the division like before i had even thought about valentina i remember um Danny Rubenstein one time told me that he had known this girl that makes these beautiful Mexican dresses and that she could like make a custom dress. And I asked him, well, what's her name? And he said, Valentina. And I was like, oh, that's such a beautiful name. And so whenever anyone would be like, well, if you're going to have a kid, what would you name it? I would always say Valentina. Wow. So then when they're like, you're fighting Valentina, I was like, you know, I'm kind of superstitious. I'm like, I don't think this is this isn't a good thing. You know what I mean? Like this is the name that has been like coming to me reoccurring in dreams all the time and stuff like that. And so I thought it was really weird. So losing to her was one thing, but then also the other thing thinking, okay, well I'm pregnant. It's a girl. Like I, I don't want to stray away from that name. But then I thought, well, that's just going to be kind of weird, you know, cause then everyone's going to be like, Oh, you lost to Valentina's and you named your baby after her. Like, and then of course that salty face in my mouth from, from, from the loss was probably going to like make me mad or resentful or something. So I was like, she didn't win the belt. Her name's not going to be Valentina. I'm over it. Um, considering like how you kept this so under wraps, what was the reaction when you you announced that you were pregnant? And 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 I mean, you're just you're you're like two months away. Yeah, well, a lot of people. I'm not two months away. I'm in my seventh month in four okay. days, and so I think three I months. Think they say that you're pregnant for like ten, 10 months or something like that. But yeah, 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 in the beginning of January is when I should be giving birth. Okay. But, um. Uh. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people, for the most part, have been extremely positive and, and, and really happy for me. And then in the other aspect, I think that there's a lot of people that are confused that think that I'm retired from fighting and that I'm never coming back. And so I, what I just want to make clear is, yes, I'm pregnant. Yes, I'm having a baby. But no, I'm not done fighting. Okay. Did you tell the UFC before you announced it or did they find out like the rest of us? Oh, no, I told them long, long time ago, long time okay. ago. And, you know, they were so supportive and, and they were just like, you know what, Juliana, there's there's women out there that, you know, uh, get pregnant and lose their babies due to miscarriage all the time. There's women that have spent thousands of dollars trying to get infertile feminization and they lose the baby. You know, there's people that have waited too long in their life and then their babies, you know, messed up or uh, they they just have waited so long in their life that they cannot physically get pregnant. They're like, fighting's always going to be here. You're still young. They're like, go have your baby. We are so happy for you. And, um, and we'll be here when you get back. So it's, I was just, I was really happy with, uh, the response that I got from Dana and from Sean Shelby. They were very supportive. That is great to hear. And you've also been doing some commentating work for Combate Americas. Um, are you going to, I mean, obviously you're going to take a break, but do you still do that? Is that still part of your plans? Yeah, actually, uh, Campbell McLaren is, is such a great guy. I, I love that man. He's so supportive. And he told me, you know, I want you up until you literally cannot possibly uh, commentate anymore. And he goes, and then as soon as you pop that baby out, I want you back on the air and I want you on the air with your baby. And so he's like, we are a family organization and we're so happy for you. And so this is not anything that like, you're not going to get fired or anything. You still have your job and I want you every single time that you can make it out. So I, I leave, uh, to go to Cancun for the November 11th show. It's called uh, Copa, Copa, Copa Combate, and it's an eight-man, one-night tournament, and the winner wins $100,000. So I'll be over in Mexico uh, November 11th for that one. And then nice. I believe we're going to Spain in March, and we're going to be doing a show over in Spain in March. So. And you plan on going to that? Um, I... It depends on how I'm feeling, but yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to, to get like uh, someone to come with me and, and watch the baby while I'm commentating, or maybe the baby will be sleeping and sitting on my lap. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I'm, we'll I'm going to try to make it if I can. Yeah. And I know that you're based in Chicago now. Does that mean, you know, now that you have this family, this young family, um, will you be training with different people? I, I, and I know you've done some training in Chicago, but originally you were training out of um, Spokane. W what do you think you'll do when it's time to start training for a fight? Um, I'm not sure. I think I'll, I'll just focus, uh, on getting in shape and, and yeah. making sure that, you know, I'm still rolling and, and doing stuff here. I, I have everything that I need here, but I think it's definitely good to, to go back to getting that grinding that we did, you know, with the hole in the wall type of gym that I, I came from, you know, and just grinding it out every day. And, and I think that that's important too, but right now I'm not really focused on that. That's not my, my main focus. My main focus right now is to just have my baby and, and let me enjoy this time. And, and when it gets, talks of fighting then we'll talk fighting but right now we're just kind of talking about you know living life and enjoying you know this first baby and, and, and this blessing that has been bestowed upon me and, and my fiance well I'm very happy for you again uh, congratulations mazel tov as they say in my in my country uh, to both you and your fiance and your families and uh, yes enjoy every step of the way there's nothing quite like that first one and going through the unknown together and so um, I, I, I heard the news and, and was 
extremely happy for you and reached out and and uh, was really happy that you came on the show today to talk about it. So all the best. Wish you nothing but the the best health and 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 best of luck with with, with the pregnancy and the delivery. And uh, I, I look forward to to meeting Isabella one day at an MMA event as you're fighting for a UFC title. Okay, thank you, Ariel. I appreciate the time. I, I really do. Thank you so much. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All the best to you guys. There she is, the Venezuelan vixen herself. She's going to be a mother in January. How cool is that? Someone sent me that article uh, just a couple of days ago, and uh, I had to I had to read it twice. Juliana Pena, completely. And I respect that, by the way. I've always been that kind of person with the you know pregnancy under wraps. Of course, I've never been pregnant myself. But uh, I've never been one to announce, and everyone has their own way of doing things. Everyone has their own approach. But I've never been the the type to sort of, you know, put out my, well, not mine, but my wife's sonogram on 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 social media. I, I just, I'm a very superstitious person. Like if it was up to me, you don't tell a person. Baby comes out. Hey guys, check this out. Rather not, but you know, everyone has their own way. But I'm not. I'm not here to judge. It's just so I I I can sympathize with the idea of, you know, keeping this, keeping this a little bit quiet and letting people find out on their own. Of course, if you're putting it, you know, in an interview on, on, on people magazine, it's going to get out. This was an Espanol people magazine. So it was a little different, but eventually it got out and uh, very happy for her and, and, and very cool to hear that she is, she's planning on coming back. How about that? All right. Uh, thank you very much to Juliana Pena. In a minute, hopefully we're going to be joined by Khabib Nurmagomedov. And I cannot tell you all how many times and for how long I have been trying to connect with, with Mr. Nurmagomedov. Um, his team can attest. I have been hounding them weekly, daily, hourly for him to be on the show. Wanted him... Uh, he was on in April, you'll recall, after UFC 209 and talked about that whole situation having to pull out at the last moment. And that was great. And then he said that he was going to Germany to do some treatment. He didn't really say what it was. We ended up finding out a couple of weeks ago from his manager, Ali Abdelaziz, that that treatment was in fact back surgery. And then once, you know, things started to heat up again in the lightweight division and we were finding out, you know, what's going on with, or trying to find out what's going on with the likes of Tony Ferguson and of course, Conor McGregor and you have Edson Barbosa asking to fight him. I really wanted to talk to him. Still a major player, still in many people's eyes, the number one contender, still undefeated, still a massively popular fighter in the UFC. Wanted to find out what was going on with Khabib Nurmagomedov, but for the most part, you know, some social media posts here or there. He has remained relatively out of the spotlight, certainly as far as media is concerned. Wanted to talk, you know, going into 216, wanted to talk after 216, and it has been quite the grind. But as they say, my friends, the best things in life you got to work for. And I am so excited to welcome back to the program the Eagle the great Khabib Nurmagomedov. Salam alaikum, my brother. We have been waiting for you a very long time. How are you, brother? I am so happy. Allahu Akbar. I'm so happy that you're here, my friend. What a gift <laughs> this is. Thank you so much. Thank you, Adir. Khabib, how's it's good everything? to see you. Everything's great. How's, how's everything with you? Yeah, good, good to see you, Adir. 
Not bad, not bad. I know it's late over there in Russia, so I really appreciate you joining us. Oh, as we just uh, may have lost him there. He came and he went. Was it too good to be true? No, I don't think it was. There he is. He's back. Habib, you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay. Uh, I was just saying, I know it's a little late there in Russia, so I really appreciate you joining us. Um, Let me start with this. Uh, As I said before you joined us, you have remained relatively out of the spotlight, relatively quiet. Not much has been said from you over the last few months. Uh, I think this may be, you know, one of your first, if not your first interview since you were last on the show back in April. Why have you remained out of the spotlight for so long? No, like last like, like uh, six months, five months, I tried to fix my health and I have surgery and, you know, like, uh, and, uh, you know, I try to come, to come back, come back to training 100%. Now I'm training 100%. Stay healthy. Now I'm healthy, and uh, I talk to I I talk with UFC, and uh, I think like 80% I'm fighting end of the year UFC 219. Okay, wow. Um, well, that is very exciting. Let me first ask you about the back because you had back surgery, right? That's why you went to Germany. Yes, 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 yes. What was the issue with the back? This is this is my old injury, you know, like uh, last couple years. Um, now I fix this. Now I fix everything. I fix my healthy. I fix my back. Uh, my knee is good. My like ev- everything is I fix, and uh, you know, like I hope end of the year UFC give me fight, and uh, I try to come back. When's the last time you felt this healthy? Because you say now you. You fixed all these issues, your back, your knee. When's the last time you felt this good? Uh, 100% healthy, I feel, last time when I fight with Rafael Dos Santos. Oh, wow. And what a performance that was. To be honest, yes. I, I feel when I fight with uh, Rafael Dos Santos, I feel like 100% I'm healthy. And now you feel 100% yeah. healthy right now? Yes, I feel same thing, same thing, almost same thing like when I fight with Dos Anjos. But, uh, you know, I we have like uh, almost 12 weeks, 11 weeks before UFC 219. And, uh, you know, like the, now is beginning very interesting moment in my life. And uh, I hope UFC give, give me a championship fight. And end of the year, I want to take everything back. Like mm. attention, belt, I'm going to take, uh, I want to take everything. You know, end of the year, I want to fix everything. And uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, first of all, I think UFC have to make fight Conor versus Nadia three. And after me and Tony. And uh, I think this is very interesting fight. Uh, Conor versus Diaz, this is money fight for UFC and real fight me versus Conor. Huh. Wow. Okay. So this is very interesting. A lot, a lot here to, to take in. So you don't want a shot at the real belt, the official belt, the Conor McGregor belt. You want to fight for the interim title. Why? Because, uh, my opinion, I think Tony Ferguson is real champion. 
That's why I don't think if I fight versus Tony Ferguson, this is interim champion, interim belt. Officially, yes, but like people fight. Who, who, what want people? People wanna see me versus Tony Ferguson. I think this is like a, a much better fight for me. Mm. Uh, for take everything back. If I beat Tony Ferguson and take interim champion uh, championship belt, I think uh, you know. Conor is official champion, but he's not people champion. Hmm. And have you or your team thrown this idea out to the UFC? And if so, what do they what do they say about it? About what? The idea of you fighting Tony on December thirtieth for the interim title. Uh, I talk with my father about this. Father say you have to fight with Tony. I talk with my manager. Manager say, hey, you have to fight with Tony. My opinion, I have to fight with Tony. You know, my old friends, everybody want this fight. But before, of course, me versus Connor is big, big fight for me. Big fight for people too. I can make money. UFC can make money. But for me, it's not everything about money. For me, it's like uh, what want my father, my team, my management team, my friends. This this is more important for me, and <clears throat> I I hope UFC gonna make Conor versus Diaz third fight, and me versus Conor. You versus, me, me Tony. versus Tony, right? And I think this is this is much better. So th- so, what people I know will say to this was, oh, they've tried to book this fight a couple times. Uh, he got injured. You had the issue at two oh nine. It's too risky to do it again. It doesn't make sense to do it again. What do you say to those people? What do you say to the UFC? Oh, we can't do this again. We've tried to do it already twice. <laughs> I agree with people a little bit. <laughs> not not like one hundred percent, but a little bit. I agree because you know this like uh, this is very tough sports. You know, like, it's very tough sports. You know, nobody knows you. You will never know. What happened? And you know, uh, last time when I have to fight with Tony, I think like I'm confident, like 100% fight would happen, and uh, I have to beat Tony, take belt, and the end of the year I'm gonna fight with Conor. But everybody knows what happened. Right. And uh, now I have same feel. I have same feel, uh, and. Uh, Next, next time I have to stay a little bit careful, uh, can more control my weight, more control my uh, my health, my everything. You know, like last time when I come back after injury, after surgery, uh, last time when I come back, 2016, I show uh, how I improve my skills, how how I improve my striking game, my grappling game, my everything. And, uh, you know, all the time when I come back, I come back strong, stronger than ever. And this is what I want to show people around the world, uh, how I improve myself. And maybe people think uh, I don't train. Uh, I didn't like, uh, you know, you know I, I, I feel like 100% when I watch how Kemele beat Tony Ferguson first round. I think, like you know, I'm I am confident, like one hundred percent. 
Mm. I can finish this guy second on third round. Did the back injury affect your weight cutting for 209? Do you feel like that's why you had issues? About my back? Yeah, did it did it, you know, stop you from trying to make weight doing cardio? Was it bothering you that much cuz you had the surgery shortly thereafter? So I'm wondering if the two were related at all. No, no, no. no. <clears throat> you know what, when I training for Michael Johnson, I have this this uh, injury like uh, all my training camp I can't wrestling. Wow. When I when I uh, have training camp with Michael Johnson before UFC 205. And <clears throat> this is like a little bit uh, old, my uh, injury. And, uh, but the, the, I don't make injury, I don't make surgery after my um, 209, but th this is like old, my injury. Okay. So it didn't affect you while you were trying to cut weight for 209. No, no, no. Why I can't make weight? I think it's about my health inside. Do you feel like you fixed that? Yes, I know. Yes, of course. I don't feel. I know. I know. I fixed this. W what was it, Alex? A lot of problems. You don't want to talk about it. No. No. To be honest, no. Okay. Did you consider, or are you considering fighting at 170? Mm, I don't think. I want. I want. I wanna. I wanna finish my career in 155. Okay. I don't think I ever fight in 170. Kevin Lee has been really pushing for 165. If they open the 165 pound division, would you fight in the 165 pound division? Do you think that's better for you? That's healthier for you? 165? Yeah. That they would start a new division. 165. I don't know. I, I, I never heard about this. Yeah, he's been really 165? pushing. Yeah. What happened? What, what happened? What, what happened? 170? No, they would do 155, 165, 175, 185, 195. So 10 pounds. So from 125, 35, 45, 55, and just make more weight classes to give fighters more options. I have to say, I like the idea. I think there's a big gap between 55 and 70, 70 and 85, 85 and 205. I never hear about this, but my opinion, I think this is a good idea. Hmm. But, you know, like 165 or 155, I have to think about this. Okay. All right. And you did you watch the fight? But but first first of all, first, yeah. first of all, I have to fight with Tony one in one fifty five. That's right. We'll see what happens. <laughs> that's the fight you want over any fight out there. That's the one that you really want to settle the score with Tony Ferguson. Yes, this is my dream fight. Did you watch his win a couple of weeks ago against Kevin Lee? Yes, I watched this fight. What did you think? couple times interesting what did you think of his performance yes i think he win because camille fighting fighting with him like chicken <laughs> what do you mean that's why he win i mean like uh, he talked too much he is not 
like uh, focus to the fight. He focused to the like I think promote this fight. And uh-huh. when fight beginning, first first round he he beat him, and second round he stayed with him in his distance. He hit a lot of jabs, mm. and third round he give up because he don't have condition. That's why. So Kevin Lee let him win. It was more on Kevin than what Tony Ferguson did. Yes, yes. Tony Ferguson, you know, like uh, Dos Anjos and Kevin Lee fight with him on his distance. That's why this guy good with him. Mm. But what happened if Ferguson fight with a fighter like me who all the time tried to take him down, smash him on the ground and never, never stop? All my life, all my life in amateur career, professional 24 fights, I never tired. Mm. Never, ever. In training, amateur fights and professional fights, I never tired. So when I announced that you were coming on the show, Edson Barbosa's manager reached out to me, Alex Davis, and said, we've been offered Khabib on December 30th and we want to fight him. This is a fight that we want. Please ask him about this fight. I want to say more. All my life, all my life, I never tired. I never lose. And I never give up. In training, in amateur fights, in like professional fights, I never, like, I never remember. I never, I never give up. Never. Hmm. Nobody choked me. Nobody submitted wow. me. Never. Ever. Not once. All my life. You know, but I train with a lot of fighters. With different weight classes, middleweight, welterweight, lightweight. Like you can ask BC, you can ask Luke Rockhold, all fighters. I never give up, and I never tired. This is what I want to say about this. About Barboza, I think Barboza is is uh, very good fighter, very good striker. I think he's one of the best lightweight in the world, one hundred percent. And I think he's number three now, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, he's number three. I'm number second, number two. You know, but Michael Johnson, Michael Johnson beat him. Tony Ferguson beat him. You know, and um, for me, more most important fight, fighting with Tony Ferguson for me. But if UFC make fight Conor versus Tony, of course I'm gonna take this fight. But if UFC make Corner versus Diaz three. I uh, have to fight with Tony. Yeah. Okay. This is what I think. Okay. But now I understand. For me, most most important fight, most important fight, fight with Tony Ferguson. But Edson Barboza, Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje, these guys one of the best in the world. And of course, I want to fight with one of the these guys. But now I am focused only on Tony Ferguson. Have they actually offered you the Barboza fight? Never. Never. I don't know what, 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 what are you talking about. Never you have to ask me. Okay. Ask this fight. So where do things stand right now? Because they, you say... Because, because no, no, you know, like, because UFC tried to make fight Diaz versus Conor. Yeah. After everything, like, opening, uh. what happened with other fighters, you know? If Tony, if Conor fight with Diaz, me versus Tony... And Justin Gaethje versus Eddie Alvarez, I don't know about Barbosa. But 
If UFC make Connie Ferguson versus Connor, I'm gonna fight with Edson Barboza for sure. And you want to fight December 30th? That's the date that you like best. Yes, this is best date for me. And they know that. Yes, they know this. Yes, UFC already know this. So is the plan sort of let's see what happens with Connor, where they book him, and then you're gonna find out. Like you're kind of just waiting to see what happens there, and then wait for the trickle down effect. Yes, this is not only about me. This is about all fighters, me, yeah. Barboza, Tony, UFC, like everybody waiting decision. How do you feel about like that? About Connor and Diaz. How do you feel about having to wait for one man you, to decide? You know, I, I feel like I, I I feel like UFC have to make make money, right? Yeah. Everybody knows, like paper show, biggest fight, Conor versus Diaz, and uh, I think second place me versus Conor, second place. But now maybe makes sense Tony versus Conor because he is interim champ, he's real champ, right? And but biggest fight for pay per view show now in lighter division, everybody knows. Sure, Diaz sure. Connor. But you know, like what happened if Diaz beat him? He has become the UFC lighter champ. <laughs> I didn't understand it. <laughs> what do you mean? You know? What do you mean you don't understand it? Like I mean, like you know, like uh, this is disrespect other fighters. But so if if Connor fights Diaz for the third time, you don't want him to fight, like to defend the title. Shouldn't he defend the title if he's going to fight again? You know, to be honest, I think uh, Diaz going to beat him. Wow. I think Diaz third third fight. Diaz Diaz can beat him because now Diaz understand uh, Connor doesn't have the condition. You know, he can he can. He can he can push him first couple rounds yeah. and the end of the fight he can finish him, you know. And I'm li- I'm a little bit like worried about this fight because if UFC make me versus Tony, Conor versus Diaz, right? I think I'm gonna beat Tony Ferguson and Diaz can beat Conor McGregor, but and UFC can lose big fight, me mm. versus Conor, right? Yeah, you know, like li- li- little bit. Situation like a little bit dangerous, but for UFC, I talk about like be. I talk about like how can UFC make money? Sure, sure, sure. The corner have to be, uh, corner have to be Diaz. They make a lot of money with this fight. After, uh, like uh, summer in UFC fight week, they can make me versus corner. Have they talked to you? Dana White has mentioned, oh, maybe doing Connor and Khabib in Russia. Have they mentioned this to you at all, ever? No, they they just they just talk about this. Mm. I don't believe this. To be honest with you, I don't think they're gonna come to Russia. Ever? Mm. <sighs> Not ever. Like. Next year, maybe next year, because I'm living in Russia and I know a lot of news. You know, I don't yeah. think next year they're gonna come to Russia, and because they don't talk with nobody. Yeah, I don't know how how they're gonna come to Russia. So they haven't mentioned it to you that oh we're about to sign this deal, we're gonna come there, nothing like that. No, they they, they have to they have to contact with somebody, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For making show in <laughs> Russia, right? Sure, sure. They, they they don't talk with nobody. 
And they try. I know a couple months ago they tried, but they don't have like very good connect here. Do you think Connor would even entertain the idea of fighting you in Russia? Do you think he would do it? Mm, to be honest, I don't know. Maybe I think Connor gonna take this fight. To be honest, because if you understand, we gonna we we can make money. Of course, he's gonna take this fight. Sure, sure, sure. He take he take fight with Floyd Mayweather in boxing because he understand he can make money and he understand he lose but he take fight because he make money he more business guy than athlete you know that's why he gonna he he gonna take this fight and first of all I have to come back and win yeah after we'll see what happened you know perfect my perfect comeback if UFC give me Tony Ferguson yeah. I'm gonna beat this guy. I'm gonna take interim title, and Conor have to beat Diaz, and UFC can make this fight in UFC Fight Week, one of the biggest show in uh, in the year. Yeah, and uh, you know, th- this is what people want. What do you Conor say? Conor have to win, and I have to beat Tony Ferguson. When people like Conor say, "Oh, I can't trust Khabib. He he won't show up. I can't I can't commit to a fight against him." What do you say to those people? Mm. You know, I have to come back, make weight. Yeah. Tony Ferguson take title, right? Yeah. yeah. After we talk. Okay. And at any point, Khabib has a, you know this whole thing with the tiramisu and everything. Like people are 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 are, are making jokes about you sometimes. Fighters, Kevin Lee, um, um, Tony Ferguson, all the time is calling you Team Tiramisu and things like that. At any point, has all this, you know, you becoming the butt of a joke for this past year, your undefeated fighter, one of the best fighters in the world, regardless of weight class, does it ever get to you? Does it ever, like, really piss you off? You know, do you read this stuff? How do you react to it? Oh, you know, like, uh, this beginning, like, when UFC countdown show, how we eat, how we eating in restaurant. Yeah. And uh, I ordered for somebody tiramisu because my friends doesn't know English. But yeah. I didn't eat this because, sure. you know, like, uh, I don't understand what you're talking about. But uh, I know I, I didn't eat this. My friends know, my family know, like, my, 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 my people know about this. That's why I, I react. My react is, like, relaxed. No, I, I don't mean specifically, but just people trying to make jokes about you and insult you and things like that over the past year. Oh, he's not going to fight. He's going to retire. He's never going to fight again, things like that. Like the 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 reaction that you have to this, how, how do you how do you take that all in? The, the it's disrespect to a degree. I mean, you've done a lot you know, in your career. No, you know, you know, American people say like this: people talk, just talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm coming to U.S. like from Dagestan, from Dagestan mountains. You know, eight and zero in UFC. All my life, I never lose one round. You know. I feel like I'm one of the best fighters in the world right now. Yeah. You know, I do a lot of things. You know, what people do, who talk about this? They nothing. That's why they, they talk. They have to talk. You know, I know all the time these people who talk about this in internet, when they see me, they talk about, wow, you're undefeated. Can I take a picture with you? Mm. Yeah. Sometimes people, you know, like, 
it's okay. It's okay. And and you still love it. You still want to keep going. You still feel like you have a passion for MMA after everything that happened of this course. year. Yeah, of course. I train. I training every day, two times. I'm healthy finally now, and you know, I have one problem in my career. All the time injured, injured, injured. You know, like injured, surgery, come back, injured, surgery, come back. You know, other fighters like training camp, fight. Come back to the home, training camp, fight, come back to the home. <laughs> I have a little bit more problem, you know, like yeah. training camp, fight, I'm going to hospital, surgery, come back, re- re- rehabilitation, you know, like I have a little bit more problem be- than other fighters. But I love this. I love this. You know, when people don't believe me and, you know, for me, it's very interesting. Training hard, come back and show people how I improve myself. How I improve myself. This is very big motivation for me. Are you going to change anything with your training to avoid injury? Nothing. Nothing. I'm going to change only one. You know, like I'm going to change. I'm going to take belt. This is this is going to change everything. This is going to change people. You know, like a lot of people, a lot of friends, like. When you champions, they with you. Like when you lose, they with other champions. I yeah. don't. I don't talk about like all fans. Yeah, but Sixty percent, seventy percent, like this. Yeah, you yeah. know, like all people talk about Anderson Silva before. He lose couple times. Now they talk about different fighters. You know, and uh, this is not only now. Couple years. This is about like all history. You can watch like boxing history. People talk Muhammad Ali about Muhammad after people talk Mike Tyson, Mayweather, Pacquiao, like like you know, people all the time change, but very small fans stay with his favorite fighters. Very small fans. Mm. And you feel like a lot of people have kind of jumped off your bandwagon, right? Right now? No, I don't feel this. You don't feel I don't that? feel this. You know, like uh, I don't feel this. I know there's a lot of fans with me. I know a lot of fans with me. All Russian, all USSR with me. I know a lot of fans from America, USA with me. You know, I don't feel this. This is what I, I feel. I, I understand a lot of fans. Uh, they critic me like about, hey, you have to fight. But I agree with this. That's why I try to come back. That's why I'm going to hospital, make surgery. People think I love surgery. I don't uh-huh. think somebody loves surgery. I don't think. I make surgery, make rehabilitation like three, four months, you know, try to come back, training every day. Every day training two times. You know, this is, this is not easy. I agree with friends. I have to fight. I have to make weight. I have to stay professional sometimes. You know, I agree with this. But when I fight, I all the time all the time smash my opponents all the time you know that is true. when i fight now i have one goal and fight end of the year and one dream fight this is fight versus tony ferguson you know this is what i want you feel confident you'll get it do you think it's going to happen yes i feel confident i feel confident 100 percent. you know you think tony will take it Next next week ne- ne- next week I'm gonna come to uh, U.S. California 
and uh, stay with my guys, DC, Luke, a uh, lot of guys come with me, Islam, Abu Bakr, a lot of my, my brothers, and stay with me. We're going to stay a couple months in the U.S. training and uh, take the win, come, to, come back to the home. This is what I want. What, what do you say to Tony Ferguson? Because he said he's moved past you. Remember, you, you heard him say that, right, at the press conference? What you say? I don't. I didn't hear. We, we, he was asked about you, and he said, "No, I've moved past. I'm done with that. I'm gonna fight Conor McGregor next." So, what's the message to him? After he wins the interim title, he said, uh, "I've moved on." He hasn't been talking about you now, as you probably heard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think he made decision. <laughs> well, what 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 happened? If UFC tell him, hey, Conor gonna fight with Diaz, you have to fight with Habib. What happened? You have to take this fight. Yeah. And I want to send send a message like, uh, enjoy with this belt. He deserved this 10-win streak. My opinion, he's a real champ. And, uh, and you have to fight with me. We have to, we have to fight and uh, we have to give this fight for all fans. Now I'm ready. Now I'm healthy. You know, last time this is, uh, you know, like I make problem. This is my fault. Last time, I know this. But before, he 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 pull out too. Mm. You have to remember this, and you know, now he's real champ. Enjoy with this. See you end of the year. We'll leave it at that. Habib, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Great to talk to you. Great to see you. Great to hear that you're in good health, good spirits. Travel safe to the U.S. next week. Thank you so much. I really thank appreciate you, it. Thank you so much. I want to say all my fans, Yeah. thank you for support. I know fans won't see how I fight. Fans won't see. Uh, they won't. I stay busy. You know, this is what I want to. And a lot of people talking about I never come back. And I want to say all my friends, thank you. And see you guys end of the year in Vegas. Thank you so much, Khabib. Great to talk to you. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank they would you, call Ari. They call this loyalty, my friends. Right? They call this loyalty. Thank this you is so loyalty. much. Number one. Number one. Number you one. have to remember. Number one lawyer. <laughs> number one, my thank friend. You, Great to, great, great to talk to you. There he is, Khabib Nurmagomedov, the one and only, the eagle stopping by. How about that? Got a little emotional there at the end. Great to talk to him. Great to hear from him. Great to see him. What can you say about the Dagestani cowboy? So great. Mm. 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 Months. Months I've been trying to talk to this man. Months. Months. And there he was. So, as you heard, he wants to fight Tony Ferguson December 30th. He wants to fight in Las Vegas. He's going to California next week, going to AKA. What an interesting time in the lightweight division. We all wait with bated breath to see what is going to happen with Conor McGregor. I will say this. Uh, I see the tweets from Tony. Of course, you saw the one tweet from Conor on Friday. I am not convinced that those two are going to fight each other. Next. I can. I, I even said it in New York, Rick. We will bring him in in a second. I said it to him as I walked in. I am not convinced This is with no real, there's nothing really solid right now, but I'm not convinced, regardless of what is being said, that that is the fight. I'm not convinced that Diaz versus Conor is off the table. 
I do believe that all this sort of talk is somewhat public pressure on Diaz to play ball. That's the way I'm taking it. Now, could it happen? Could it be Connor versus Tony? I think it could. Do they all recognize that the most amount of you know, money that could be made right now is against Nate Diaz? I do think that they recognize that. And even Mr. Namagomedov recognizes that. So I think that all bets are off at this point. All the possibilities are on the table. If I'm Tony Ferguson and I want that Connor fight, what I'm doing is that I'm buying a plane ticket today. I'm flying to SBG Ireland. I'm knocking on that door. I'm bringing a cameraman and I'm saying, where are you at? I'm the boogeyman. Nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. It might be hard to fly out there today with Ophelia doing its thing. And by the way, I want to say hello to all our friends over in Ireland and hope that they're doing okay and safe and sound. But at some point I'm going over there. I'm flying over there and I'm playing the boogeyman role. I'm getting a cameraman. I'm saying, where are you at? I'm standing under that sign. I'm not convinced that the Habib versus Tony fight is off the table. And, and, and clearly that is what Habib wants. So we're going to see what happens on December 30th. December 30th is still very much up in the air. The cyborg home fight, um, not close to done at this point. We don't know if Connor's going to fight. We don't know if Tony's going to fight. We don't know who Habib is going to fight. It sounds like he wants to fight on that car. So it's an interesting time coming up. The last two and a half months, or I should say one and a half months. Wow. Time is flying. Unbelievable. Anyway, great to hear from Habib. Really appreciate it. And thank you to his team as well for hooking us up. Okay, plenty more show to go in around 20 or so minutes. We're going exclusively on Twitter, MMAfighting.twitter.com. Hit us up, hashtag the MMA hour, answering your questions about all kinds of things. UFC 217, I Quinta Felder, uh, the Fresno card, Brian Ortega against... Cub Swanson. How about that card in Winnipeg? How about Mark Hunt versus Dana White? Ryzen, Greg Hardy, James Gallagher. So much going on as always, but now it's time for everyone's favorite now segment. Now it's time. Now it's time. Your ears and your minds. A little and premature fans, there, it's time but that's okay. What I wanted picks. to say was Rick's it's picks. time for Rick's, Rick's picks. picks. are lots of fun. Yeah. His hair is in a bun because it's, you already know what it is. Rick's Picks. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys Hopefully and girls, he has some good it's ones. the moment you've all been waiting for. It's the new craze taking the world by storm. Live I mean, it's been a while. I saw someone call him out and City. say that he's it's been slacking a little Rick's bit. Picks. So let's see what he's got. There he is, everyone. The one and only New York Rick, the father-to-be. What are we at now? One month away? About six weeks. Wow. Are we getting nervous? Cool as a cucumber. Cool as the other side of the pillow. What's up? How are you? I'm good. I'm doing all right. Feeling good. Got a crowded joint back there today, right? Nah, empty. Oh. There's, no, there's nobody even here. I see a couple of figures behind you. Of course, your own figurine. Speaking of figures yes. behind me. No, the other way. Yeah. Other way. way, yep. There you go. Um, by the way, since we just spoke to him, what do you think of his... His offer, what do you think of his plan of attack, Khabib that is? Doesn't seem like he has much leverage. Okay. Well, I don't know if he's actually playing the leverage card. He's demanding things when it really isn't up to him. Is he demanding or is he saying, look, this is what I want, but if they go the Tony Connor route, I'll take Edson, but this is my dream fight. I didn't really get a demand feel. Like I didn't he's telling I, Tony he must fight him. Uh, okay, do you think it happens? I do. You do? 
well, the fight to make is Diaz McGregor, and the other fight to make is Ferguson Nurmagomedov. Okay, but wait a second. Fight to make in what regard? How you're going to make money. Okay. From a meritocracy standpoint, obviously. When has has that mattered? When's the last time that mattered? It's been a while. But you have to throw out that caveat, right? Sure. But that, that's not the reality of the situation and hasn't been for a long time already. So you think that they'll end up... See, I can fully see a scenario where... And I mentioned this about Robert Whitaker. Habib fights Tony in December, December 30th. And then Connor fights Nate Diaz you know, in March or so. Maybe they do something in Las Vegas, you know, St. Patrick's Day since it's you know, on a Saturday. I could see that happening. I really do think that all bets are off. What do you think of my idea of Tony going to SBG? Come on, don't be a hater. I think it has within, high, high cringe potential. Within 24 hours, that video has minimum 1 million views. So I think he could do a multitude of things involving Conor McGregor that would do that. And certainly that's probably the most bold. But I think there's a high potential for it to be cringeworthy. You're just a hater. I think it's a great idea. No, it's your idea. So of course you think it's a great. Well, I mean, I just think that no one's going to make the fight for you. You have to kind of go out there and nudge it a bit. That that I people excited, you know. Yeah, I mean, at this point, well, is there something he could do promotionally? That's it. And even if he does that, though, Habib, you know, confirmed it himself. He knows what the money fight is. So even if Tony does this, it seems like Diaz is is the option that. I feel like we're in a spot here where maybe perfect example, perfect example, Eddie Alvarez. Okay. So here's the thing about Eddie Alvarez. I'll tell you this. When we were in Dallas for UFC 211, you know, they do these media days for the UFC now and they're one hour, but they bring like 12 people to these things. It's literally impossible to talk to all these people at the same time. You know, within that one hour period, I've, I've tried to push for 90 minutes, even 120 minutes, but within a 60 minute time frame, it's impossible to get, there are some times there's not a lot of media there. We get to all of them, but more often than not, decisions have to be made. UFC 211, I didn't get to Eddie quick enough. He had just been on the show a couple of weeks prior. I didn't get to him. He was mad about this. This is before the Dustin Poirier fight. He didn't like the fact that I didn't talk to him. And when I asked him to come on the show after the Poirier incident, he was like, oh, you don't have time to talk to me. No, no, no thanks. Fine. But I will say this. I do believe that the walk and talk with Eddie in the point where he was trying to get that Connor fight did him some good. Got the people a little more emotionally invested in it. Perhaps got Connor. Perhaps got the UFC. I think that that fight was possibly going to slip away. You know, people didn't... MSG and, and, and the two title fights and the, the main event of 205 wasn't about the, the Connor versus Eddie feud. It was about Connor making history. And it just so happened that Eddie was the champion, right? For us, hardcores, loved that fight. I mean, it was, it was an amazing fight. It was perfect. It was a dream matchup, right? The, the underground king getting his opportunity. But if RDA was the champ, if Etza Barbosa was the champ, if Nate Diaz was the champ, if Khabib was the champ, if anyone was the champ, that's the fight that Connor wanted. And only that fight, the fight for the lightweight belt at MSG. And so I feel like sometimes you, you do an interview, Wait, so, you, you do a moment, you have something, you, you put something together, and it just nudges it over the goal line. I lost the point there. You're saying that was the fight Connor wanted, so it didn't matter who, who was going to be the champion and who was going to get it. 
and you're trying to also simultaneously say that Eddie got it because he, he had to he had to push a little bit to get it. But you just said whoever Connor wanted, but he whoever could, had the belt would have gotten. He it. was going to take it or leave it. Connor's life didn't change as a result of MSG. If he would have fought a month later in December, he'd still be a gigantic superstar. Oh, he you're still saying fought. wait for it and whoever Eddie fought, he could have fought them. He could have fought them. Gotcha. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I f- I feel like there had to have been a little nudge. I think Conor McGregor holds all the cards, did then, does now. Yeah. It's really up to what he wants. Yeah, so and exactly. That's why you have immaterial. to bait him. That's why you have to bait him. You can't play this game like, oh, I'm too cool for school. I think the person that that needs to do something is Nate Diaz, much more so than Tony Ferguson. Okay, well said. I do think that Nate is is kind of laying low a little too much right now. But hey, maybe not. Maybe maybe because behind the Nate scenes, Nate doesn't have the belt. He doesn't have that leverage, whereas Tony does. Um, Nate needs to Nate needs to start pushing uh, much harder and and not pretending that uh, you know this this is just going to come to him, which it could. But he needs to push. Yeah. He's the one I think needs to do so. It is very telling though. Like maybe Nate doesn't have to push because Connor's team is pushing for Nate. So he's like, look, <laughs> if the coaches want me to. This is what I'm saying. All of this is immaterial. I really believe that whatever Connor McGregor wants, that will be what ultimately happens, and rightfully so. He's earned that. Great idea here from Arthur Gustafson on Twitter. No relation, right? Yeah. Connor Nate 3, Komain, Khabib versus Tony. Call it unfinished business. Two rivalries end. One begins. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. I'm with it. What do we got? Rick's picks. Rick's picks. Hopefully I can, uh, you know, well, I saw, turn this around. Well, I saw some people uh, saying that they felt like you were slipping. I saw that. I also saw some people talking about uh, you may be... Easing out of the uh, the intro, you know, letting it uh, play out a little. Okay, bit. okay, interesting. All right, first first pick. Uh, actually, the the first couple are going to be from LFA twenty four uh, on Friday night, Friday the thirteenth. Actually, here we see Keone Diggs is the one who's currently in the armbar, the armbar being applied by Nick Chastine. and that looked pretty deep. But wow. what we get is a transition. Wow. That is going to end in a leg lock. Holy smoke. That's incredible. Wow. Into and gets the tap. Submission of the year. <laughs> We've seen one every week <laughs> that uh, gets submission of the year. But wow. congrats to Keone. He was, he was deep in this triangle. Then he gets deep into the arm bar and somehow pulls it out. That was beautiful. Grappling. Yeah. Transition of the year. Transition of the year. Wow. Reversal of the year. Also from that fight, uh, from that fight card on Friday, nine second knockout by Glenn Baker. Damn. We can watch this like 10 times in the span. Here we go. One more time. Glenn Baker. I feel like the LFA fights have been getting better. Am I crazy? Yeah, well, if the highlights are any indication, they definitely are. Yeah. What does that mean? Here we go. Also from LFA, Mackenzie Dern. Boom. I typically wouldn't have chosen this one, but the reason I did was because she got the knockdown. It's showing that at least, you know, some dedication is going it? into the hands. You know, a rear her? naked choke by a jujitsu player is not really exactly... I mean, but she is a big name. Sure. But look, this is Rick's picks. You got to have some kind of... Wow. You got to bring that You got to be discerning. You got to be discerning. But the knockdown made it worth it. Congrats to Mackenzie. Great. Okay, can I say something before you move on? Can you go back yeah. or can you not no. go back? Oh, my dear. Um, no. Don't be so quick on that trigger. <laughs> so... She gets the win. She improves to 4-0. She drops her opponent. She submits her. And I say, you know, solid performance. I yes. say, clearly, her striking has improved. Everyone's like, Ugh, you see that chin? You see what she's done? 
have we not? For, she's literally four and zero, amateur and pro, four and zero. That's it. No, don't compare it to Ronda. Don't compare it to anyone else. She is a jujitsu practitioner. She is a jujitsu black belt. She has four fights in which she has been allowed to strike. What are we expecting? If you look at her first couple fights, there is clearly a, a, an improvement. Am I saying that she's Holly Holm? No, but the fact that she's a dropping opponents that you know it seems like she's getting a little bit better from her first or second fight, there is clearly an improvement there. Why is that so hard to accept? Am I wrong? Like, do you feel, is she a hot mess? I mean, there's there's clearly a lot wrong. I mean, like she is going to get, if she's fighting someone like Holly Holm, she's going to get tagged. Obviously, her chin is out. She's a little wild. She's a little aggressive. Mandy Polk isn't the most, you know, um, experienced and, and you know, the, 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 the toughest test in the world. But why can't we just slow down a little bit? Like I saw people after say, oh, you know, Hopefully she goes to the UFC next. No, I don't want to see her. I want her to go 10 and 0 before even thinking about the UFC. Now, it remains to be seen if she's going to go fully into MMA and focus on it. And I think it would probably behoove her to take a break from jiu-jitsu and, and just sort of focus on this where she can strike and, you know, get comfortable with getting hit. But I, I, I was surprised at the I was surprised at the resistance in giving her props. I think some of it stems from if you're going to shine the spotlight, if you're going to give her more attention than somebody else who's at that same stage, they're expecting more of a finished product. I think that's where some of that comes from. Um, but the reality is, at this point, she was never going to be a finished product. And I'm comfortable in saying Way too that. soon. Yeah, it looked, it, she looked fine to me. All we're um, saying is that she's improving. Indeed. I mean, how could you not... Look at that and say, un, yeah, it'd be she, unreasonable to expect her to be, uh, you know, a completely competent striker. Now there's exceptions. Like I think Henry Zahudo has looked like really, really competent on his feet and continues to really improve at, at almost an exponential rate. But those t- types of improvements are few and far between. And this is much more realistic. Henry Zahudo is way further along in his career. Not in his strike. Like, you know, what are you it, talking it, about? Henry Zahudo is 11 and two. Yeah, at the same point. Nine more fights. At the same point in their careers, though, I feel like, anyway, you're taking me down further away from it. I I know what you're saying. Here's a a guy who's, you know, single discipline, very good at it, and and has proven— And at that point was more, obviously, more polished. Fair, but— and, and, and also, as as clear as it is that she's improving, it's also clear that there's a lot more work to be done, and that's why I don't want to see her go to the UFC— um, just yet. I want her to figure out what weight class is best, but there's something there. I mean, someone who could finish, you know, an opponent with, with that kind of ease, I, I definitely feel like is someone to watch and, uh, bringing her along slowly, I think would be the smart thing to do. That's all. Speaking of finishing opponents with ease. Okay. Curtis Melender. Oh yes. That was nice. That was a great card. A beautiful head kick in the main event. We went through four of the fights in, in this card. Look at that. One more time, we're going to show this knockout. Boom. Congrats to Curtis. Yeah. Big fight. Maybe he's on his way to the UFC. Now, the main event of Cage Warriors from Saturday. Love that. Cage Warriors Ooh, 87. Dear. Love that now, cage. Now, don't love these follow-up shots, jumping over the ref to land land some punches. Um, but Roberto Soldich with the incredible head kick knockout here on Lewis Lou, Long. Oh. Yes, that was completely unnecessary. Uh, let's just you know chalk it up to the heat of the moment, but incredible. I mean knockout. the face plant upsetting the the hometown favorite. Ooh wee! Look at that! Right into the Ric Flair. Uh, congrats to Roberto. 
it's very rare to see someone like go over a referee that way. That was a weird one. Yeah. Okay, and one more from the weekend. Yes. Um, in terms of highlights, Reyna doing what she does best. The queen. Look at that Landing body that shot. brutal body shot on Andy Wen. Here we go. Oof. From Ryzen FF7. Yes. Ryzen had a, a nice event, although that Sakuraba Shamrock quote-unquote grappling match was not much yeah. of a grappling match. I, I didn't have the highlights from that one. It was a little bit of a dull fest, but you yeah. Know, it was nice to see them together squaring off. One more item from that uh, event, not a highlight, but um, <laughs> Kat Zingano yes. getting a, a note from Don Fry with his phone number. Oh my God. Um, when she went to interview Mackenzie Dern in the case. I did not see that. Shout out to Don Fry. Don Fry. The God getting it done. Still got it. I mean, that's, that's game right there. First, it's Misha Tate at his Hall of Fame induction. And then uh, it's... By the way, I watched some of that and uh, I thought Kat did a great job for someone who's kind of new to broadcasting. I thought she did a really nice Knock job. Knock it out of the park at broadcasting. Get the number from Don Fry. It was a good night. What a great night. Air Bigfoot Silva. Oh, here we go. After the fight with Rico. <laughs> wow, this is a long message from Bigfoot. Well, it's because it's English oh, and yes, Portuguese. Yes. <laughs> so it's just double the text. That's right. No excuses. This was my first kickboxing fight. I knew the risks of the fight against Rico because he's the champion. He has more 61 than 61 fights. In his career. It was an honor. He also uh, communicated through management that he wanted to potentially do it in MMA down the line. Um, against Rico That's where I feel like that might be more interesting from a from a competitive uh, standpoint I'm just happy no one got seriously hurt at least from what we saw but uh, I know I know you weren't a fan of the quote-unquote hand-wringing you Correct. thought and I, and I think it's 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 fair to say okay maybe people are piling on uh, I do think everyone's intentions and thoughts were in the the right place That's fair enough I also think that anyone comparing this fight to Mayweather McGregor is absolutely insane there is no comparison whatsoever. The comparison, okay, you could say, okay, here's one guy coming over to another sport to fight, you know, sure. a king in one sport. Bigfoot has been brutally knocked out in like, sure. do you want me to pull out, you know, and I think it's like eight of 10. Yeah. And Connor has not. Uh, Connor is actually, oh, that's fair. you know, it is said that he has one of the finer chins and has only really been in one, you know, Completely brutal fair. war. So I, I don't think that that is a fair comparison. No, no, it's it. Th- comparing those two is is not fair. The the thing to say though is, you know, Bigfoot is allowed to use his testosterone. Bigfoot is wearing the larger gloves. It, as as you know, if we're if we're being honest about how he did for his first kickboxing fight against the best kickboxer in the world, I'd argue he did admirably. Um, Do you think the ref, good stoppage, tried to protect him? Yes, good stoppage. Mm. Um. How you many have people to, were at that event, by the way, in China? Any uh, word? Don't know capacity yet, but it was it was a, a healthy crowd. Okay. Um, the, the Chinese fans responded, and there was a lot of attention on it uh, over there and and over here as well. So, Bigfoot and Rico chapter closed, uh, but maybe an MMA one day. And Rico has a fight in December. Rico is fighting Jamal Ben Sadiq on uh, UFC.tv pay per view uh, in December. And this is for the belt. This one is a title fight. All right. Whereas uh, Bigfoot was a super fight. No, no title on the line. Okay. The number one image of the week, Conor McGregor with the GTA inspired yes. uh, shout out saying nothing but Tony in the message. Uh, but the picture says it all. And I'm hoping that this picture was chosen because of the belly. The health. Because you, you know the wealth the, belly. You, because you know how much I love the wealth belly. Yeah. 
And shout out to Peter Carroll for, for always feeding into that as well. I have to admit, that was the first thing that I noticed. The wealth belly. The wealth belly. Um, then you notice the two titles in the back. Um, he's. Uh, I'm not a GTA guy. Yes. So is it possible that he's not referring to Tony Ferguson? No, this is Tony Ferguson. Because <laughs> I, I was told that he's not like Tony Montana. Well, yes, because I believe this one might be from like the Florida Vice City um, GTA one. Is it possible that he's trying to send us mixed messages? Is it possible that he's trying to tell Mr. Nate Diaz, hey, this is on my mind? I don't know if it's that (laughs) calculated, but I do know that this is a shot to Tony Ferguson. Honestly, I think it's that calculated. Maybe, but this is an educated guess. He's sitting on that wealth belly. Time to uh, wait. So, so if you think it's Tony Ferguson, you think that he's telling the world, "I'm picking Tony. I'm coming for Tony." Wow. I think I think that's what it's got to say. Wow. Because Tony responds with, <laughs> "Tony's." <laughs> See, I think that Tony's wackiness is very endearing now. I don't know what. Changed. Now he, he's done some GTA edits himself. Snap down city. So Tony in front of the the in Liberty City in front of the statue. It's got the Vice music. Defender vacate mother effer snap down city. He's the boogeyman. Zero Fs. Sure. Chicken McNuggets. <laughs> it's, I mean the, this whole thing is who's making incredible. This? Who's making this? Who's putting this together? And then <laughs> Oh my god. Dana hugging Connor. Oh my lord. But uh well done, Tony. Well yes. played. I think Connor's I think Connor said more with less, but I'm still impressed by Tony's. Please tell me you have the I Quinta one. Uh, that wasn't done by Al. Well, it was just an amazing tweet. Yeah, see, Come on. If that it was, was done by the real Al, then What are you yes. trying to say? Iaquinta Realty, one of the Not best real. Twitter handles online. We'll, we'll actually talk about Iaquinta. Wait, the, 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 the tweet where it just said Connor and, mm-hmm. and him in front of the was flag with, was incredible. But it's not it's not him, so I can't uh, do that. Come on. But shout out to Al Iaquinta. Uh, and Iaquinta like, that's, Realty. That's, and Iaquinta Realty. <laughs> He's keeping the mantle, but shout out to Al Iaquinta forever. Always oh, the best. Oh my God. Okay. Um, speaking of Connor, impressionist, oh, this man. Alpharin, he's, he's incredible. Yeah. But he has a message for Ophelia. If you're only listening and not watching, that's not Connor McGregor. That is an impressionist who's very good. Uh, at doing the Conor McGregor Fuck Ophelia, yeah? Saying Fuck he's going to fight shit. Ophelia <laughs> The stance is just he's amazing He's amazing He's great I've met Al before Great guy Sent this one a lot From Rampage's Instagram Nick Diaz and, and Rampage Getting into a bit of a, a tiff Yeah Over uh, a young lady Now is this the lady from the show? I don't know because her her profile is private. I was trying to figure that out, but her profile is private. Yeah, what her name was? She he mentioned what her name was. Was it like Marie or something? I'm not sure. I don't recall. You should know. I mean, you're the love uh, doctor, yeah. but now okay. Um, so this is this is kind of a crazy thing to see Diaz and and Rampage together. Do we feel like it's was it doctored? Was yes. It, was it created? Was it yes falsified? Um, I think a few drinks were involved, and maybe it's it's real. Nah, get out of here. It's fun. But it's still fun. It's hilarious. I love the, my favorite part of the video, by the way, is when the one guy goes up to Rampage because I feel like he's ruining it. Like he's, there's a fan or something. He thinks something is happening. Yes. Stepping over and everybody's kind of like, uh, we're doing a video. Either way, 
it's just good to see these two together. Um, legends of, of the game. Both the MMA game and the, and the female game. Shout out to Juliana Pena, who we had on the show. Yes. Here we go. We've got the sonogram here um, from her Instagram. Nice little moment. Baby Pena. Congratulations to her. Amazing. This one was an interesting one from uh, Make-A-Wish. The involvement, the MMA tie, Danny Castillo, a big part of this. Oh, yeah. Making Little Bryant's wish oh, come true to save the city of Sacramento, the, Sacra- the Sacramento Ninja. Um, I think they're going to release a full video um, later. Um, but shout out to Danny Castillo for, for being a good dude and making this happen. Um, put, put him through like ninja training and then Bryant was able to save the city. So good stuff going on over there. Really uh, loved it. Tugged at the heartstrings. That's amazing. Well done, Danny. Danny's a great guy. Great heart. Good dude. Um, here we go. We featured it last time that Duke uh, yes. posted something about CM Punk. Duke loves again. Posts. <laughs> again, we're, we're teasing the CM Punk return. Yeah. Working on his next fight. Let's find out who that is. Um, I'm very interested to see who CM Punk is going to face next. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he's just trying. Uh, look, I'll say I, I wouldn't put too much stock in an announcement coming anytime soon. You know what I mean? But God bless him. Duke loves those posts. Oh, somebody on Twitter, old old underscore Faust, yeah. saying Tony. Uh, the post said Tony from Conor McGregor because Ferguson said Conor doesn't ever say his name. He's saying his name. He's yeah. telling him Tony. I, I got to say, that's a pretty damn good explanation. I, lo- I love how we're all trying to decipher. No, I mean, I, I thought it was with, pretty straightforward. Four words in it. No, but I, I, I actually feel like that's a, great, that's a great call right there. That could very well be it. My favorite news of it. the week, yeah. the most important news of the week, Brian oh, yes. Tucker back here agrees with me. Wow. Michelle Waterson joining the cast of MTV's The Challenge. Champs versus Stars. We saw this last time where CM Punk was on it. Now I feel like this is even more of like a real um, kind of MMA tie here with Michelle Waterson, a veteran of the sport, uh, going on MTV's The Challenge, my favorite show, a national sport that I think deserves more respect than it gets. Um, good to see Michelle representing for MMA over on The Challenge. Wait a second. Is yeah. this the same show? Same show, but different cat, like yeah, a different yeah, yeah. year, different a different season. season. But yes, yeah, And it's show. all like celebrities and stuff? Half of it will be celebrities and half of it will be um, challenged like legends, right, competitors right. that are, are regulars. When in does game. it start? Uh, I don't have that in front of me, but soon. soon? Yeah, relatively soon. How do you These think she's going to do? Out quickly. Are there odds on this? She's a damn good athlete, so I'm expecting her to... No, there's no odds, unfortunately. I mean, doesn't get... As I said, it doesn't get the respect it deserves, but I think Watterson will do really, really well. Um, she's a... She's an elite athlete, and I, you know, last year I was impressed by, or earlier this year I was impressed by how the the pros did. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm I'm expecting big things out of Waterson. I'm expecting her. See, to you sign with WME, you get on MTV reality shows. There you go. Boom. Can't wait. Speaking of signing, yes, grappling standout Gary Tonin. yes, signing with One FC. Wow. Article uh, on MMA fighting by our own Danny Segura. Um, so check it out. He's going to be competing under MMA. It's been bandied about and talked about. He had that grappling match with Shinya um, at 1FC. Now uh, Gary is finally making that transition to MMA and uh, going to be competing there. I'm excited oh, about that. We were talking about... He's he's typically like a 55-er. Um, we were talking about um, Mackenzie Dern 
this is another example of a fantastic um, jujitsu player. Now I'm making the transition to MMA. We'll see how his hands uh, progress as he goes through it. To be honest, you know, once you're a few fights deep, that will matter. I imagine his first 10 opponents, he's just going to be able to take sure. down and smoke on the ground. So Gary Tonin will be following uh, his Ben career. Askren coming to one event near you. How about See, that? the problem with that is it's, a grapp- it's going to be a grappling match. It's almost... But what if they nullify each other? And it turns into an all-out war. What if it turns into a violent mess? The blood. What, what, where is this? What is this? Who who, who has what? said this to you? That voice and that and that message was this, like what, what is that? Is that from a Halloween party from Violence. Last year? That's what I want for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> what is this? Well, because I brought this up on on the MMA beat last week. I saw that, but I'm more. I'm, uh, well, I've, well, I've, we taken, talk about I've taken a lot of flack for this. Sure, but where is the inspiration for this voice and this? Well, like, I feel like that's I mean, the voice that comes to mind when you think of it's like the devil. Yeah, it's like David Putty on Seinfeld. We're the devils, the devils. <laughs> we paint our face. Oh man, what a what a reference! Well, well, here I am sitting at home and I see this tweet, and it's all caps violence. Yes, and it's for the Gaethje Alvarez fight. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, this is a bizarre way to promote this fight from the UFC. This is from the yeah. UFC's official account. I know that we talk about it. I know that MMA is a dangerous, brutal, and at times violent sport. But to promote it as such, to use that word, to label a fight as simply violence, to me is off-putting. You would never tune into a Fox ad or an NBC ad or a CBS ad and and say like, Come see, or this Thursday, Thursday Night Football on CBS, the Detroit Lions are going to engage in a violent battle on the gridiron against the Green Bay Packers. It's just, it's, that's not the way we promote no. things. And I, and I feel like people may not be understanding where I'm coming from. They're like, oh, you're such a, you're such a snowflake. You're such a sissy. No, I'm fully aware of how dangerous this sport is how rough it is, how brutal it is, how violent it is. But to label it like that, to use that as promotion, to me is just, is a mistake. It's a, it's a big it's, mistake. And it's, it's, it's not the way we should be moving as a sport. Like, especially in this day and age with all the concerns about, like you could, you could say a million things about that fight to promote that fight. To just throw out violence is lazy, it, is reckless. I don't like it. Is your issue with it though as a, word thing as as verbalizing when that? I think of the word violent and violence to me it 100% has a negative connotation right I think of so a it, violent accident it's not necessarily death. in in the glorification of violence because that's the reality of sports so like showing the knockout is fine but the but the the actual presentation of like violence like advertising that is where the issue comes well the knockout is a part of the sport I mean that's the means to the end. That's what we're trying to do here. That's what yeah. the athletes are doing, either knockout or submit their opponent. Yeah. But to me, that word is a negative word. That word has a that. negative connotation to it. And so when sure. I think of it, I think of bad things. And I, when I think of what MMA fighters do in the cage, yes, there are bad intentions, like you're trying to injure or, or, or damage. I mean, that's a part of scoring, right? Do, yeah. I just, like, to me, like that word just sucks. That, yeah. that word sucks when using it in an athletic conversation. I I don't have an argument against that. It seems like a very easy thing to avoid. So yeah, I, yeah I'm with you. You could use a, a multitude Look, of different I, words. I, and it's like a cool thing to do. Like, oh, that, that's beautiful violence. Like, I just don't, I, like to me that's, and I've said it a million times, that transition that you showed from LFA 
And I know that there is danger and it hurts. Yeah, that's why they're a, a leg lock. Yeah, like that's that. why they're tapping. I get that. Yeah. What what um, DJ did. I know that there's danger. I know that it hurts, but it's incredibly skillful. It's beautiful. I love when Maya wins fights without landing a punch. It's okay to appreciate that too, and it's okay. It's okay to say that, like you know what, that I mean, that to me is not violent. That to me is skill. That to me is just athleticism. I can never even dream of doing something like that. I don't watch fights to see people have their heads brutally. You know, I don't I like that. That 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 shot that you just showed of of the guy you know going over the ref like that mm. that that kind of bothers me I, I don't feel like that's necessary that's why i've always said i don't like soccer kicks yes i mean soccer kicks are ridiculous in my opinion there's not even a real name for them it's a freaking soccer kick it's not even a move yeah it's just something that looks like a soccer kick so they called it a soccer kick that to me doesn't belong in the sport and again i know i know i know we're we're speaking to the hardcores and they hate this because they want to see the violence they want the got blood or whatever the just bleed guy but if that's the case then that would be the proper marketing no if if your your ufc saying- shouldn't be in the business of promoting i mean i know that gaichi calls himself that right yeah but they shouldn't be in the business of saying our fights like that's just it, it's just it's, it's it's like understanding promotion and marketing and it's not the PC world taking over. It's not us trying to sugarcoat what this is. It's just being smart, in my opinion, as a company. Like to me, that's 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 just not like you don't see that in other, football is violent. Mm-hmm. Hockey at times can be very violent. You just don't see it promoted as such. You don't sure. see that label being put on athletics. I don't want to think of that. I don't want to think of the negative connotations the, that come with that word. Yeah, the the presentation of that is much less explicit in those sports that you're talking about in football and hockey. They'll show a bone crunching hit, but they're not going to say here's a here's the violence. They're they're not going to deliver it that way. And correct me if I'm wrong, and and you may have an example. I don't see boxing being promoted as violent. No, because that's kind of counter. Like I think you'll if I'm a if I'm boxing or uh, people representing or having stake in boxing, you almost have to go the other way because the UFC is presented as that way. You almost have to go the opposite direction into that beauty, that sweet science, that um, technique. I like that um, because you're going contrary to what the the competition. Fair, but I, I I know that there's danger. I mean, we know the long lasting effects. Yeah, that these sports have on individuals, and at times I think we all kind of wrestle with that. And you see what happens to you know the likes of Gary Goodridge and who knows who else down the line. Yeah, I just I I I, th- I saw that tweet and I was like, well, this is just it's not something that I sit at home and like you know stew over. But when I saw that tweet from the UFC, it's one thing to see it from I don't know a fan or you know someone online, uh, a tweeter, you know something like that. But uh, from from the leader, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. I understand. Um. I said we would get to Ally Aquinta. Oh, this was great. This was me. Uh, this was my highlight of the of the week. This right Sec- here. Second to Waterson joining the challenge for me, but um, uh, <laughs> Raging Cajun Johnson uh, had Ally Aquinta on his podcast, uh, the Raging MMA podcast. the The reason that this is relevant is because he actually did not have Ally Aquinta on his podcast. Uh, but I, I still encourage you to listen to it because it's a, it's an incredible piece of entertainment from Ally Quinta himself to the podcast and to Cajun. That's not me, you morons, uh, because they had apparently been duped by somebody representing uh, Ally Quinta and doing an impersonation of Ally Quinta, but not the man himself. Um, Amazing. You need, you need to get the genuine article if you want to. Uh, I listened to this interview, to and I'm sorry to say, 
love Cajun Johnson. That person does not sound anything like him. Like not even close. That person does not sound anything like Ali Quinta. I have no idea how Cajun and his and his co-host were duped by this man. And he was trying very hard to talk like Al. Like you could tell he's trying. Like he's not actually talking like himself. You could tell. Doesn't sound anything like him. And I can't believe they fell for it. Beyond that, even, there is only one Ally Quinta. There is. You cannot replicate that. You cannot do that. And uh but shout out to to the to the person who did uh for trying. Shout out for uh trying to replicate the genuine article but falling short often imitated never duplicated and finally oh yes a video from matt 27689 on wait, wait, wait. Don't, don't, don't talk over it are you awesome. crazy and so from youtube <laughs> the press conference we have this video no okay says, all right, wait, that was the best go, part. You know that was the best part. Can we go yeah, to the beginning? Let, let me, um, I'm, I'm going to run it back. Wait, pause it for a second. Pause it for a second. Let's go to Ariel. So last Bring week, the, the last week down. on the show, we mentioned, you, you still have it or no? I, I'm going to it. Okay, last week on, on, on the program, I had mentioned how I felt like there was just no passion involved in the UFC 217 press conference. And here's the thing, if we're being honest, here's the thing that people just don't want to talk about right now. Something has changed along the way. And this is not a knock. Trust me, this is not a knock. If you would give me $400 million right now, I can guarantee that I would not have the same passion about this job. What I was doing prior to said $400 million today as I, as I had last week. If you give it to me right now, everything changes. I can guarantee you that. That is a natural human instinct. That is a natural part of our evolution as human beings. You give me some massive lump sum of money, I'm changing. I moved on. Dana White has won the race. The fight is over. He won. He is the winner. There was a time he was battling. He was trying to fight for acceptance and coverage and attention. There was time where they couldn't even get on pay-per-view, let alone magazines, newspapers, websites. No one wanted to talk about the UFC. He won. He's $400 million richer on top of the money that he had before. And his partners are multi-billionaires now. They won. Those guys, you don't see them around anymore. They moved on. And he always said that he would move on as well. For whatever reason, they kept him on board. You get it. You understand it. He was the face of the UFC. He was the guy. He was generating more interest and excitement in the product as anyone on the roster. There was a time he was the star of the UFC. He's the only person to be on every episode of The Ultimate Fighter. What are we, episode 25? He has been the constant. And so new ownership, transition, you want him on board, you sign him to a five-year deal, I totally get it. But something has changed along the way. There is absolutely no denying it. I mean, we could talk about you know the DJ thing, the Amanda Nunes thing, but it is more evident now than ever. It is more evident now than ever. He doesn't have that same passion. There was a time when a fighter would push back at Dana and he would come out guns blazing. I mean, the, the, the responses and the rants were epic. Look at the past year, as recently of la as last week with Mark Hunt. He was just like, look, you know, Mark Hunt doesn't like me. You know, I have to save these guys from themselves. You know, what, what can you do? Like, there's the, He even admitted, I heard him on the UFC Unfiltered podcast, aka UFC Filtered. And he said, you know, Five, 10 years ago, I, I want to get into a battle with Ayala Quinta. But now I just, I don't, I don't feel the same way. It's like that quote. I forget which boxer said it. 
But you know, you, 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 you sleep on the floor, you're going to wake up at 5 a.m. and you're going to pound the pavement. You start waking up in satin sheets. It's just not the same anymore. It's not. And so you look at him trying to promote these events and you could tell that the fire is not there. Now I'll tell you where the fire was. The fire was in LA, in Toronto, in Brooklyn, in London, in Las Vegas, promoting Mayweather McGregor. And people keep saying that. And why is that? Well, that fight was very personal. That was him versus the Mayweathers. That was him versus boxing. That's a fight that dates back 20 something years. That fight meant a lot to him. That was his guy going in there against the greatest of all time, trying to put him down. That was personal. And he could back one guy. Remember I said that brought out the best in Dana White. That was old school Dana White taking Chuck Liddell to Japan to you know take down pride. That brought out the best in him. He's still a fighter. He's still passionate. He's just not passionate about talking to us and going out and pounding the pavement and, 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 and pushing the gospel. I'm sure deep down, he loves the UFC. I don't even know if he wanted to sell the UFC. But now that he's this much richer and now that he's won the race, that $4 billion price tag has validated all his efforts, all the wars, all the late nights, all the battles. It's just not the same. And so when I was sitting there watching UFC 217, I was like, there's no, there's no excitement here. This is the easiest card in the world to sell. This is three amazing fights dripping with storylines. And so like as someone who loves the minutia of the sport, the posters, the promotion, like I just love everything about fight sports. This stuff kind of gets me excited and interested. The evolution of the promoter. I think that every promotion needs a promoter, a sort of front man. You know, Coker has done a better job over the years. I have criticized him on this show as far as his public speaking skills, being that front guy. I have done that and he's gone better but you got to go out there and pound the pavement and get people excited because at the end of the day, that's your job. Your job is to literally stand there with a megaphone and tell people why this is the most important fight of the world. And then next month, you have to do the same. You have to tell people why you have to stay at home on Saturday night and pay for you know a pay-per-view that's worth, what, 65 bucks or pay 100 bucks to go watch it live. That's your job. That's like P.T. Barnum 101. That's Don King. That's Bob Arum. That's Vince McMahon. That is the job. The job is not to just be kind of apathetic and just say, yeah, it's awesome. So when I heard that, I was like, I can't believe it. This is the easiest fight to sell. This is the return of the king four years back. Look at that reaction that George got. And by the way, how didn't you not put that George St. Pierre moment at the Bell Center? That's a crazy, that's a, that's a massive slip up on your part, New York, Rick. How dare you? What a great moment. Everyone chanting his name. That, 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 that presence, that man opens up all the doors in Canada for you. And, and, and you, don't, you don't get excited. So I, I went on this like, I said, okay, I'm going to be Ariel Hawani UFC president. And then we have the clip and someone turned it into an actual promo. Now, before we get into this, we're going to play this in its entirety. I'm going to... Oh, in its entirety? Gonna, we're getting gonna, the whole damn thing? Yeah, why not? It's a few minutes. Right. We're going to go... I'm going to go to camera though. I asked for, I asked for somebody to cut the, mm -hmm. the video for this. But the lines may have gotten crossed. This one is great. So shout out to Mark, I believe the, the person's name was. What I want for next week is the promo that Ariel did where he described how the, the promo would visually look with the explosions, with the popping lights, with the- Oh, I got a better, I got, I got a better one for I you. I want that. Mm -hmm. I got a better one for you. Play this clip a little bit. I don't we're know. Gonna, we're going to get into this clip right but now. But I got a better one for you. Someone asked Dana White on Friday, what was your reaction when you found out that George St. Pierre was coming back? He said- Awesome. Awesome. That's it. We get to the press conference and he says, all right, let's go. You know who these guys are. You know, let's get this thing started. If I was the promoter of the UFC, UFC president Ariel Hawani, I would get on that stage and I would say, 
is amazing. This guy. Our is first a show at MSG broke Sorry, all kinds of records. Eighteen million dollar gate. One of the greatest nights in the sports history. We crowned our first ever two weight world champion. It was phenomenal from top to bottom. I got news for you, my friends. Round two, even better. We have somehow figured out a way to give you, our fans, a better card. Joanna Jacek is en route to becoming the most dominant female in MMA history. Forget about females. She's en route to becoming one of the most dominant champions in UFC history. She beats up everyone who comes in her way, including last year at MSG. She is unlike anyone we've seen in this sport. But she has never fought anyone like Rose Namajunas. Rose Namajunas came back in April and smoked the karate hottie. She has been fighting for this moment her entire life. The mean streets of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Rose Namajunas for Suyuani and Jacek promises to be one of our greatest title fights of all time. Now, if that's not enough for you, for years we have talked about teammate versus teammate, friend versus friend. Every single time they have said no. That changes on November 4th. Cody Garbrandt will be defending his title for the first time against his former friend and teammate at Team Alpha Male, TJ Dillashaw. Dillashaw left the team, and now he's coming back to get the title he once wore. One of the greatest grudge matches in UFC history. One of the greatest grudge matches in MMA history. Cody Garbrandt is fighting TJ Dillashaw. They did a whole season of The Ultimate Fighter. We've been waiting for this fight for a year now, and they're finally going to get it on. These guys could not hate each other more. They could not despise each other more. They will settle their differences on November 4th. And if that is not enough for you, my friends, Saturday night, New York City, Broadway, Madison Square Garden, the greatest fighter of all time, the king of kings, one of the most dominant champions in UFC history, the owner of nine straight title defenses, the man who never lost his welterweight title, the man who walked away on top of the sport, did it unlike any other, the face of Canadian MMA, a pioneer, a trailblazer, George Rush St. Pierre, after a four-year hiatus, is coming back to MMA. He is finally coming back. We all thought, including myself, that he would not come back. And guess what? He's coming back. And guess what? He's trying to become just the fourth man in UFC history to be yes. a champion in two different weight classes. He was yes. once the 170-pound champion. He's now going to 185. He is going to take down Michael Bisping. Well, yes. He's going to try. And yes. guess what? If Michael Bisping wins on November 4th, he will be the only man in UFC history to beat both Anderson Silva and George St. Pierre. He would yes. cement his place among the gods of MMA. He will cement his place among the very best. He will cement his place as one of the greatest middleweight champions of all time. George St. Pierre is trying to make history off his back. George St. Pierre is trying to stop Michael Bisping from becoming the winningest fighter in UFC history. George St. Pierre is coming back to regrain a new throne. Yes. Michael Bisping's not going to let him. This is all going down and more. Wonderboy Thompson, Jorge Masvidal. Can we get some of that? Can we get some excitement? Can we get some love? Can we get some excitement? <laughs> oh my there it god is. that was incredible well, well done matt that was incredible so i do that and i'm like wow that was so much fun i had a blast doing that i want to be a promoter and then i'm tuning into tsn on friday afternoon my good friend aaron bronstetter of tsn their tsn reporter mma reporter great guy toronto's own he's interviewing dana white 
about the Winnipeg show. And I know this may come across as like, I'm piling it on and yes, I have the history and all that. I'm not. I love the UFC. I love MMA. I love it more than anything. It's my life. I've devoted my life. This is how I pay my bills. And I see, do we have this clip? Just a little portion of this clip. Aaron interviewing Dana White. We do. We're going to roll it right now. Aaron's fantastic. Just a little portion, just a, a few seconds. Talking about the card in Winnipeg on December 16th. Do we have this? Just a little smidge, a little taste. Dana White in Toronto bearing goodies for us today. Here we go. GSP and Bisping were in town at the Hockey Hall of Fame earlier. And our friends in Winnipeg have some pretty big fights to announce. The yes. The main event announced yesterday, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Robbie Lawler. You yes. said earlier at the press what conference, a fight. this is a number one contender fight. Yeah, yeah, it's a great fight. You know, Rafael Dos Anjos just had a, a great fight, put himself back into contention, and a win over Robbie Lawler obviously would do it. We're going to okay. take a look behind the curtain. All right. Now. Fights that haven't been announced. The co-main event. Watch Jose this Aldo now. versus Ricardo Lamas. This is a rematch. What made you decide to put these guys in the cage once again? Yeah, you know, Lamas has been on a tear for a while. Uh, and he's finally getting another shot at Jose Aldo. And another I mean, fight uh, that was announced. Okay. Canadian Jordan Meehan. He's stepping in against Eric Silva. This should be a barn burner. Great fight. Yeah. I, I told you guys today it's a good card. And uh, Great fight. I, I wanted to, uh, you know, it's been mm. a while since, since uh, you know, We've had a huge, solid card. We were doing great cards up here, and then they were falling apart for a while. Hopefully, this one's going to stay together. And okay. finally, this one made my jaw drop. We've got Santiago Ponzinibbio, who's uh, looked spectacular, <clears throat> coming off that huge knockout against Gunnar Nelson. And uh, he's going to be taking yeah. on another guy that's uh, fantastic, Mike Perry. Right. What this a is going to be a dynamite <clears throat> fight. Great fight. Um, great fight again. Yeah, this is a card you don't want to miss, yeah. live or on TV. Okay, so that's just a snippet, and I'm watching that. And I'm like, what, what, wait a second. When these four fight, what, let's put aside me and Eric Silva. I know they had to focus. And again, Aaron's the man. This is no knock on him. It's honestly no knock on Dana, if I'm, if I'm being real. This is what happens when you become $400 million richer. Things change. But when these three fights were announced, I was like, wow, this is a great card. This is an amazing card, live and free on Fox. And I'm thinking to myself, this is one of the best Fox cards, at least in the past year. This is like the kind of Fox cards that we were getting excited about, you know, two or so years ago. And then I see this interview and all I hear is like, yeah, great fight. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I, I say to myself, do I need to do this again? Do I need to remind the people just how great this fight is? Do I need to do the work for my good friends over at the UFC? So let me tell you about this fight card on December 16th. Let me tell you about the UFC's return to Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. This is what should have been said in that interview, but wasn't said probably because of the $400 million. Let me tell you about December 16th in Winnipeg. Let me tell you about the last time we were in Winnipeg. Let me tell you about the last few times we've been in Western Canada. Let's put Winnipeg in Western Canada. Let me just be the first one to say that those fights haven't been great. Those cards have fallen apart. The last time we were in Winnipeg, it was UFC 161. It was Dan Henderson versus Shad Evans. It just wasn't the best fight. The, 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 the fans in Western Canada have been so good to us, have been so loyal to us, they deserve a big one. So this is what we're doing. We picked the month in which it is the absolute coldest in Winnipeg. It is never colder in Winnipeg than it is in December. And so we said, we're going to bring some heat to the MTS Center. We're going to bring one of our best free fight cards to Winnipeg in December. And in the main event, we are going to crown the number one contender in perhaps 
our most loaded division. We are going to put former UFC welterweight champion Robbie Lawler in there against former lightweight champion Rafael Dos Santos. You say great fight. I say one of the fights of the year. I say one of the absolute best fights of the year. Robbie Lawler is coming back from a one-year hiatus. He beat Donald Cerrone in Anaheim. He looked great. He looked on point. He switched teams. He's now with Henry Hooft. He's left American Top Team, and he's reinventing himself. And he's fighting a guy in Rafael Dos Santos who is now 2-0 as a welterweight, who is coming off a dominant submission win over Neil Magny, also in Western Canada, Edmonton to be exact. And together, they are going to put on one of the best fights of the year. I can guarantee you that. And the winner of this fight is going to fight Tyron Woodley for the welterweight title in 2018. That is a phenomenal main event on December 16th in Winnipeg. If that is not enough for you, my friends, we've got a hell of a lot more. Okay, so you want, l- l- let me just tell you about the Jordan Meehan fight. I'll, I'll just go, I'll just go a little bit to the left. I'll go a little bit to the left. Jordan Meehan, one of the great stars of Canadian MMA. Jordan Meehan is one of the rising stars of Canadian MMA. Yes, I know he's had some ups and downs, but let me tell you something. This guy has been fighting since he was a teenager and he has promised me, he has personally promised me that he is going to come to fight on December 16th. And he's fighting a guy who's literally the, 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 the mirror image of him because you could say the same about Eric Silva. He had all the hype in the world. He had all the buzz in the world and things haven't gone his way. We're going to put them together. We're going to see who's the better man. And then how about the fact that for the first time in his UFC career, Jose Aldo is fighting for free on television, not pay-per-view. You don't have to shell out $50, $60 to watch this man fight. Jose Aldo is fighting for free on pay-per-view in a non-title fight against Ricardo Lamas. That may sound familiar. Ricardo Lamas, Jose Aldo? I've seen that fight before. You've seen that fight before, Aaron, right? You, you remember that fight, Newark, UFC 169, Super Bowl weekend. They came together. Aldo beat him. Another great performance when he was the champion. Now he's trying to get back on track. Now he's trying to reinvent himself. He just lost the belt to Max Holloway. And to me, I got to say, Aaron, to me, one of the most fascinating things about the fight game is, is seeing how a champion responds from losing his belt. This is the first time that Jose Aldo in his UFC career is fighting in a non-title fight. And I want to see how he responds. And I want to see if Ricardo Lamas has become a better fighter since UFC 169. I want to see if Ricardo Lamas can right the wrong of UFC 169. Ricardo Lamas has been on a roll. Jose Aldo has been stumbling a little bit, but I do believe that he still got it. And so I'm going to put them back in there together. And I'm going to see who can emerge. And who can emerge, I'll tell you this, Aaron, who can emerge will be one of the top draws at 145 and it'll be oh so close to fighting for the belt once again because make no mistake about it, both these guys are still very much in the mix. And so that's another fight that you're getting for free. Jose Aldo versus Ricardo Lamas 2 is for free. And if that is not enough for you, how about this fight at 170? How about the fact that Santiago Ponzinibbio went to Glasgow, Scotland and knocked out Gunnar Nelson. Gunnar Nelson had never been knocked out before. People can't touch Gunnar Nelson. And this relatively unknown Argentinian fighter went in there enemy territory for all intents and purposes and knocked out Gunnar Nelson. This man is a one-man wrecking ball. He is going in there and all the fighters of the welterweight division are saying like, oh, whoa, I don't want anything to do with this guy. Santiago Ponzinibbio is coming to fight. And if you want to talk about fighters who come to fight, let me tell you something, Aaron. Mike Perry, Platinum Perry, the guy who gets the word Platinum tattooed on his face, that man comes to fight. There is no more exciting fighter in the welterweight division. I would put my life on it then Platinum Mike Perry, and we're going to match him up. And the winner of this fight is going to be oh so close to getting into that title picture, and that's what they all want. 
Platinum, Mike Perry against Santiago Ponzinibbio on free television. We're making Fox great again. We're making the UFC great again. We're putting together great fight cards. The back end of 2017 is our best stretch of the year. Yeah, we've had a bit of a slow year, but we are picking things up with Detroit, with Fresno, with 218, with 219, with 217. Things are picking up and there is no greater indication of that then I'll return to Winnipeg on December 16th. Fantastic fight cards. I can't wait for this fight. And I can't wait to go back to Western Canada and give those fans what they deserve. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate it. Can we get some of that? Can we get some of that love? Can we get some of that passion? Can we get some of that heat? Can we get some of that fire? Can we get some of that heat? I want to care. I want to see it. Where is it? He may not like me, but I love him. And I want to see that heat again. I want to see it again. And so here's the challenge. Let's see that heat. Let's see that promotion. If not, I'll just keep doing these videos. And these are on the house. This is my love for the sport. This is my love for all things MMA and UFC. But when I see those, I want those. Where has that promoter extraordinaire gone? Where has it gone? Where is he? Thank you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you to all of you. Thank you to everyone at home. We will continue to fight the good fight and get excited about these fights. I can tell you all about UFC Dansk if you want, but I'll save that you know, for the great promotion that we're surely going to see later on in the week. Let's, let's demand more. Let's, let's see some more because here's the truth. Here's the truth. The truth of the matter is the people follow the promoter and they want to get excited. When softballs are being thrown, how excited are you for GSP's return? You got to knock those out. You got to. You got to knock those out. You got to get people excited. People in the UFC tell me that Dana White, while on the exterior, may be, you know, a little checked out. On the interior, he's still running the show and they still follow his lead. And that's great. And I'm happy to hear that. But from an external standpoint, I want to see the guy who was on the stage in July in Toronto having veins pop out of his neck, telling us about how great Conor McGregor is. That guy still is there. If we're going to be UFC president, if we're going to be the promoter, I need to see that guy. I want to see that guy. I miss that guy. Where is that guy? And so that's my two cents on promotion and Winnipeg and whatnot. If I had my Lipton iced tea, I would drink it right now. You know that one? Anyway, let's go to the MMA after hour. MMAfighting.twitter.com. Next 20 minutes or so, we're going to be answering your questions. Hashtag the MMA hour. There's so much going on, as I said. Dansk. I love saying Dansk. Mohegan Sun. All kinds of great things going on in the world of MMA. MMA is great. It may be violent to you, but to me, it's beautiful. And I want to talk about it for the next 20 minutes. So I'll see you there. The after hour starts right now. Boom. We are back. Okay, so someone's nitpicking and telling me that, uh, in case you missed it, I mean, I'm assuming that those who are watching the After Hour were watching the show on YouTube and Facebook and all that stuff, but someone's telling me that it is called now the Bell MTS Center. It's no longer, oh, oh, sorry. It's the Bell MTS Place. It's no longer the MTS Center. It's very hard to keep up with all these name changes, you know? But I feel like you got the point, right? Listen, 
the Russian judge is not happy, but everybody else is okay. <laughs> oh my. All right. We got some questions. Let's answer them. What do you got? Let's start with what we always start with, the question of the week as per Ariel Hawani. Yes. Considering all the factors, the player's voice interview, the lawsuit, etc., do you agree with the UFC's decision to remove Mark Hunt from UFC Sydney? What do the people say? I will drag up the numbers on that. What is your feeling on the situation? Do you feel that they acted in, in the best interest of Mark Hunt of the UFC. Okay, well, they definitely acted in the best interest of the UFC, and there is a strong case to be made that they acted in the best interest of Mark Hunt as well. I, I, I don't know if there is like a black and white right answer here. What I will say is this. Okay, so I'll say this. Let, let's just talk about what we know, like, like the, the facts and then sort of the motives afterwards. So Mark Hunt does this interview with the player's voice, and it's really like a... Um, a first-person account type of thing. Um, it's like the Players' Tribune. I didn't know that there was an Australian version of that, but this is kind of, you know it's like they're writing it, but obviously there's help involved. And in the article, he mentions, and it's really just like one paragraph, but he does mention how sometimes he slurs his words, he forgets things, and but he he says his body feels good and he's going to fight till he dies, etc. But but these are you know these are alarming uh, sentences and. Not something you want to hear from an active fighter. I think that's safe to say. And so this piece comes out in September. And apparently, according to Mark Hunt and his manager, who I spoke to, they said that the UFC, you know, they, they were troubled by it and asked him to undergo further testing. And he did. And according to both Mark Hunt and his manager, they passed whatever test they were asked to do. Now, I don't know the specific test, but that's what they said. So I took that information and went to the UFC and said, okay, this is what they're saying. Is that true? Did they pass the test you asked them to take? And if so, why was he removed from the fight against Marcin Tabura and replaced by Fabrice Verdum? I never heard back. And so I want to know if that's true, A. If he did pass tests that they asked him to take, why are they removing him from the, the fight? Now, let's forget about that. The comments are somewhat alarming. And we can't deny the fact or ignore the fact that Mark Hunt is involved in this lawsuit stemming from UFC 200. I do think that part of the decision comes from the fact that they're involved in this lawsuit, but for two reasons. A, they may not be on the best of terms. Maybe if they were on the best of terms, they wouldn't be so quick to remove him. But also B, Mark Hunt is involved in a lawsuit in which he's essentially saying that they were reckless towards him, right? Like he's saying that they let Brock Lesnar fight him. He's claiming while knowing that he was abusing PEDs. And so he has proven to be somewhat litigious, right? So he is saying that I'm going to take you to court because I believe I'm going to sue you because I believe that you knew this and chose not to do anything about it. Well, isn't that the issue here too? He's putting it out there. If something were to happen, God forbid a million times, I mean, could he come back and say, look, I told you I did an interview. Why didn't you stop me? And so they're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. And so I, I agree with people who say that they made the right choice. I also understand people like myself who say, look, if you say that you passed it and you did and you made the guy take extra tests, why are you removing him from the card? I wish I had some kind of response to that. I don't yet, but I do think it was a tough call to make. And I, I can't, I, I got to be, I can't hate on it because of the history, because of the lawsuit, because of what was said. If something were to happen, there is a precedent of him taking them to court and they have to cover their butt, right? 
yeah. I think ultimately they're backed into a corner and, and this was necessary. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a tough spot and I feel for Mark and I know he regrets it. And I'm surprised, honestly, that he did that kind of piece in the midst of a lawsuit because I wonder if his lawyer would have wanted him to do that because that's the crux of the issue right now. Right. But yeah, they, they, they were in a tough, tough spot. I just want to know if he did take those extra tests and did in fact pass him, what gave them pause? Why did they remove him ultimately? Yeah. So I think it's a developing story and not the last that we've heard of it. But I mean, back to the point, I mean, he's saying some pretty nasty things about Dana White and yes. to his credit, I don't miss the nasty Dana, but to his credit, he's taking the high road. He's not even going there with him and he could go there if he wants to, like he's, almost he's being insulting. He is being disrespectful. Yeah. And almost being sympathetic to what he's saying, um, 100%. Acknowledging, acknowledging what he's saying. Um, 48% say that it was a correct decision. 52% said it was not. I think that's, yeah. I, that's that's what I would expect. That it would be very how many votes uh, close and split. Uh, Six thousand two hundred seventy one votes. Okay. Say, ultimately, no. They do not agree with the decision to remove Mark Hunt, but by a slim margin. Question number two: Any news regarding the UFC's TV deal with Fox? Have there been any other potential suitors? Where do we stand? With this? <clears throat> well, the um, the exclusive negotiation period is up. It officially expires next December. And I'm so fascinated by the story. I can't get enough of this story. I'm so curious to see where the UFC lands, what kind of deal they get, how much is it worth? I mean, they were banking on something big when they sold the company for $4 billion and when it was bought for $4 billion. And so I'm really curious to see if they land on Fox again, if it's an exclusive deal, if it's a splinter deal, if there's a player like an Amazon involved. I feel like there's a lot of things. If, if, if ESPN's involved... I feel like there's a lot of unknowns here. And so I think that this is going to be one of the most interesting stories to follow next year. Like, you know, at the end of the year, when we do our story to watch for 2018, I already know mine. It's this, at least for me. Again, as I said earlier, the minutia, the business, pay-per-view buys, promotion, posters, all that stuff I'm fascinated by. Um, and so there really isn't any news. I did hear that Amazon is interested in getting into the programming business, but I don't know to what degree... You know, I don't know if, if that's with the UFC and, and how would someone like an Amazon play when you have Fight Pass, right? Um, I'm curious to see if they do less shows. I, I'm curious to see if they scale back. I think all those things are at play. Maybe less pay-per-views, more free fight cards. But to answer the question in a roundabout way, there's no real actual news. I think you just touched on this now. Michael was asking any news on how many UFC events we can expect next year as part of the TV deal is, does it mean we get more pay-per-view and less free cards? Does it mean we get more free cards and less pay-per-view? Um, but I, I suppose we'll have to see how this develops before we can really point to that. Well, and also just to be clear, next year is the same. So people have been saying like, Oh, you should do, uh, you know, you should do fewer cards next year. Well, the cards up until the end of 2018 are already bought and paid for. Fox has asked for those cards. They've bought those cards. You know, like they have a set amount of cards that they have to deliver. So they can't get out of it unless they restructure the deal. They can't actually be like, all right, you know, we're going to do uh, 25 fight cards this year because we want to. So next year is the same. It's the year after that. It's heading into 2019 and beyond that things may change. After that, Ali Baisley is asking, my man, Ollie. Great dude. Thank you for the Leicester City jersey or the kit. The kit. Um, asking if uh, we would see a reduction in pay-per-views. 
I think that's possible. And would that help Bellator? It, uh, I guess the logic there being that if pay-per-views are down, uh, then percentage of people getting pay-per-view money would be down, and therefore Bellator looks like a, uh, an increasingly appealing option. I mean, I, I think if they go, if they zig, you know, Bellator may zag. I, I think the Reebok deal has helped them to a degree. Uh, certain things will help along the way. I don't know if a decrease in pay-per-view. Correct. Yeah. But I do think that decreasing the pay-per-view at this juncture might be a smart bet. Um, I, I, I really think that everything's on the table at this point. But I, I would advocate for less shows. I, I do think that less is more. Quality over quantity. You know, I'm not the one who's, you know, in the, uh, you know, the meetings and on the business side of things, but from, from my seat, trying to make the cards as deep as possible, I would vouch for that. Is Gegard Musasi's legacy hurt by not having won UFC gold? No. Is having, you know, the Bellator title or uh, the Strikeforce title, which he captured enough? Yeah, I think it's enough. I agree. I think his legacy is is pretty set. I, I mean, I, look, people will remember how it kind of went and and how things slowed down for him. And uh, you know, unfortunately, he didn't get the the title fight. But there's a little bit of politics involved there, and I don't view him any differently. Uh, Bellator and UFC are both attempting to build a flyweight division. Who's who's more likely to go after Mackenzie Dern? Or too early to say? Oh no, the UFC. I, I've reported this in the past. They have her sort of in their training camp. You know, like one of those deals, not quite as lucrative as the cyborg deal, but they're they're not they're not giving her up. Whether or not she ends up fighting there, but you know that remains to be seen. But uh, yeah, I would be shocked if she went to Bellator over the UFC at least right now. Unless something changes. Based on that Instagram post, I think we know the answer to this. But who do you think Connor is after? Does he want the money fight, which I imagine is Diaz, or do you think he wants to prove to be a worthy champ, which is Tony Ferguson? I think both defend the title against the money fight. And that's but does, the but does that prove that he's a worthy champ? I mean, if he defends the title, because that is not the number one contender or the interim champion. I mean, th- I mean, th- that's the, you know, like that he wants to defend the title. The big question is, is there a difference between, is there a difference? Like how big of a gap is there? Pay-per-view buys wise between Connor Diaz and Connor Ferguson? If. Is it a gap of a million or is it a gap of like 250 at this point? Because Connor, well, Connor gets you is a million, right? Connor gets anyone. Connor gets his flag is a million, right? Connor is just, you could bank on him getting a million, right? Sure. Um, and so the question is how big of a gap is there between. Well, if you're going based on the last pay per view, the gap could be relatively large. Yeah. If you're going based on the reported numbers from this last pay-per-view, it may matter. Speaking of that, yeah. do you think the fact that UFC 217 only did 125,000 pay-per-view buys hurts Tony chances in, in getting that fight? Do you think that's something that can be pointed to as saying, not ready? I think that a few factors were involved there. Um I do think that that is, you know, a strike against them. And I think that it's, he meant 216. That's what I was looking Right, 216. There. 217 is coming up. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, it's a bit of a strike. Uh, there's been a lot going on. Um, I, I think an interim title fight doesn't really do it for people. I think the UFC thinks that they could just slap a title fight on a fight and say, hey, you know, here's a title fight. I think people are a little smarter than that. 
I think that Kevin Lee isn't the biggest name right now. I think that he could very well be a star. Um, and so I think that a few factors were at play here. It wasn't the deepest card of all time, uh, but you could say it's a strike. I still think that him versus Tony does over a million. Now, how, remember I said that I thought that Nate versus Tony does a million as well. So the question is, is that still the case? Do you think that Nate has lost some shine? I, I don't think he's lost some shine. I mean, he, get, he has to get back into it a little bit. Um, I would not imagine that Nate and Tony does a million. You know, July, when I said that, it was around May and it was after like our interview and it still felt like there was a lot of buzz. But I I really get the impression right now that people want to see the Tony Connor fight. I feel like that's the one that people, that I get the most feedback about. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if that does a million at the moment, but I still think that Nate is a very, very, very big draw. A needle mover, as they say. Yeah. I mean, how much media he's going to do and all that, you know, there's, there's a direct correlation there. I think the answer to this is, is straightforward, but I'll ask you, do you think Bisping is starting to annoy or get under the skin uh, of GSP during the interviews and press conferences? I'll say this about this fight. I really appreciate the fact that they are going the extra mile. Like It's clear that they want to try to tell the people that this is a big deal. Now, whether all these interviews, you know, these, I should say, press conferences, are getting the point across at how big of a deal it is to have GSP come back, I don't know if that's actually working, you know, like, I don't know if that's, we'll, we'll find out, you know, on November 4th and, and subsequent days, but they're trying, they, they, they sent them to Toronto. I like the fact that it was at the hockey hall of fame, but in hindsight, I feel like they could have drawn a bigger crowd and had it come across via the internet that it was a big deal to the people of Canada. Cause I think they could only allow like less than a hundred people in there. I thought it was awesome that they had them drop the puck at the bell center on Saturday night. And I don't know if you saw that clip. I'm shocked it wasn't in Rick's picks. Quite frankly, I think that it was an anti-Canadian stance on your part. But did you hear the crowd? I, I cannot confirm or deny the anti-Canadian stance. Did you hear the crowd chanting GSP and the ovation that they gave him? It was it was phenomenal. People in Montreal still care. And it kind of made me feel like this fight should be happening in Montreal because it would have been an instant sellout. They are trying. Bisping is trying. Um, I don't know if people feel like it's a fabricated feud. I don't know what it is. But Bisping is trying. He's certainly trying. Think about GSP when he gets close to a fight. Like when he was retired, quote unquote retired, he was one of the most fascinating people in the sport. Like I would argue he was the best interview in the sport. He was unfiltered. He would talk about all kinds of cool things like unions and things like that. Um, but now that he's like gearing up for a fight, it gets, he, he kind of like comes down to here and he doesn't really want to open up because he's getting into that zone. He's always been like that. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what is, the buy rate is. Getting him out of that zone? Is he getting to him? I mean, I think clearly Bisbing's getting to him, in my opinion. A little bit. I think a little bit. I don't know if that will matter in the fight, but I think Bisping has, definitely... Bisping has been phenomenal, though. Like, he has had to break Bisping out his... Bisping is, is the best antagonist in MMA. He's just so great, and I love the fact that he owns it, that he, he will enjoys create, it. He will create friction where there is none, or none existed previously. By the way, quick side note, speaking of GSP, I know most of our audience doesn't speak French, but Patrick Cote hosts a podcast... Um, you could find it on his Twitter feed. I think it's called Uppercut MMA and it's in French, but he had Christophe Midou on the podcast uh, this past week, who is GSP's mentor. You'll recall heading into the Johnny Hendricks fight at UFC 163. It was Christophe who said that George was going to retire and he ended up being correct. This interview is kind of shocking. Midou says 
that he recently watched, like this past week, watched GSP spar, said he didn't like what he saw, said he wasn't in favor of the comeback, said he won't be going to New York. Like he was very, very, very negative towards this whole experience, said he didn't think that he should be fighting Bisping. Like this isn't just a pundit. This is GSP's mentor, said that he sent him a long message about his thoughts. Now, some people associated told me after the fact that he's upset that he's not going to be in the corner. Freddie Roach is going to be in his corner this time and maybe he got the boot, but to hear someone who's that close to GSP say that was kind of shocking. So if you do speak French, A, I highly recommend listening to uh, Cote's podcast on a weekly basis. He does a great job um, with his co-host whose name escapes me at this moment. I think it's JP. Um, I highly recommend it. They have a great, you know, um, take on things, but this particular interview, if you speak French, I highly recommend. Just just to hear someone who is that close to GSP speak like that is is uh, somewhat mind blowing. People's main event for Dansk. I think you got to go. I mean, Cerrone is kind of like that guy, you know. Um, Ugh. No, you're going. You always go main event. People's main event all the time now. Is is that too? Give me, give me, dig deep. Is this not an indication, by the way, that the cards are a little top heavy? Okay, you you want something? Well, I mean, okay. The next thing I was in my mind, I was battling between it. But if you want something, if you're dying for something, and you're right, that's a cop out. Anytime the Russian Hammer fights, okay, you got to give it to the goat. Now we're talking. You got to give it to the goat. The Russian Hammer, Artem Lobov, is back. He meets Andre Feely on Saturday. And what a great message he sent me earlier today. I checked in with him and asked him if Ophelia was going to get in the way of his traveling. And this is what he said to me. He said, a hurricane will not stop the Russian hammer. I will walk to my fight if I have to, ready to kill, prepared to die as always. I mean, what a guy, what a legend. So yes, Artem Lobov versus Andre Feely, your people's main event on Saturday in Dansk. But, you know, I'm looking forward to Jody Escobel's UFC debut against Karolina yep. Kovalkiewicz, Darren Till versus Donald Cerrone. There's a few things to get excited about Boom, there. Boom, Kelleher returns. Yes, the man who said that he'd be listening to the podcast on his way to Poland. Oh, uh, there we go. Yeah. Boom. Did you see that? I did uh, I did see that. He tweeted me. He said... Uh, Shout he, out to, to Brian. Yeah, it's a big fight for him. Uh, Marcin Held, as I mentioned. Uh, Kelleher is fighting Damian Stasiak. Sam Alvey is on the card. Um, Aspen Ladd, our pal Aspen Ladd, making her debut. She's supposed to debut back in July. She's fighting Lena Landsberg, Josh Emmett's on it, Jan Blachowicz. So there's some names, but yes, Artem Lobov, people's main event, always lock. If Colby Covington has a fantastic performance against Maya, do you see any way that he could leapfrog RDA and Lawler into the title picture? No. no. I think. I think that's accurate. Yeah, I don't think so. Be tough. UFC, if we had to make a USA versus the world fight card, who would be on that card? And I think inspired, obviously, sometimes this is seen in other sports. Would the USA team be do well is, is a reasonable question. Yeah, that is a reasonable question. Um, you know, one of my favorite UFC cards of all time was the UFC, uh, the USA versus Canada one, UFC 58. Yeah. That was awesome. And I love when they do sort of the gimmick cards, like the sure. all-heavyweight card, mm-hmm. UFC uh, 146, I believe it was. Um, I love that stuff. Or maybe it was 160. It was one of those. I always get confused between those two. But because um, Cain Velasquez against Bigfoot Silva. <sighs> you, I mean, <laughs> can't go through the whole card. But yeah, I, I don't know if... Because... Uh, yeah, I would have to say that I would favor the world. I mean, let's just look at the champions right now. 
Miocic, American, Cormier, American, Bisping, World. So there's one. Um, Woodley, American, Connor, World. Uh, Holloway's American. Cody's American. DJ's American. It's pretty good so far pretty for good champs. For the Americans. Joanna is world. Amanda Nunez is world. Uh, we don't have 125 Chris Cyborg. So it's interesting how on, on the female side of things, it's more worldly than American. But uh, yeah, I would love that. I would be all in. The more gimmicks, the better. I like it. A Ryzen. Someone like that should do that. You remember when Bellator did uh, US versus UK? I enjoyed that. I do. Okay, we had a tweet about elaborating on one of your tweets. This was in regard to something you said about seeing something promotional. That was the Aaron Bronstetter yes, interview. We, we Listen, I can't give it all Alex. I can't give it all away for free. You asked Ariel addressed what he And by the way, so he asked, you know, I, I had mentioned that there was something that kind of blew me away promotionally. By the way, that's called promotion. What I did. Wow. You understand? Did I just blow your mind? You just blew my mind. <laughs> Um, have you ever watched the show Kingdom? There's I have not. an MMA journalist character that may have been inspired by, by you. Okay, so I'll say this about the, the show. Uh, Jonathan Tucker, who is on the program, or I think the show's over, so was on the program, actually came up to me one time at an event when I was working for Fox and said, we'd love for you to be in the show. And I was like, holy crap, that would be awesome. I've always felt like I had some acting chops in me. Sure, I would love to be a part of it. And then, of course, nothing, nothing came of it. Um, some people have, have sent me a tweet saying or two saying like, oh, you know, there's a guy in Kingdom. I must admit, I've never seen it. This is the first time I've seen this fine gentleman. Do you think, have you seen the show? I've not. Do you think that this guy is inspired by me? Basically. Maybe the, the former, you know, Afro. Yeah, you got the Afro, you got the facial hair. I mean, if I'm the being plaid honest. shirt is the, is yeah, the but biggest I, homage, yeah, but, the biggest hat tip. But I'm not, I'm not a short sleeve plaid shirt guy. Yeah, look, you can't you can't replicate the exact exactly. Otherwise, I feel like they tried to go super nerdy on me here, and uh, quite frankly, if so they, they nailed did, it. Yeah, it's a bit of a snap in the face. <laughs> I think I can't say that it was a bad decision to long sleeve plaid. I can live with that. Short sleeve plaid, get out of here. <laughs> GTFO. Uh, the people are asking for a ringtone. Uh, what? Rick ringtone with you talking over it, stepping all over it, because that is the authentic version. There you go. Make it happen. Um, so maybe we'll do that for charity next. And by the way, watch all the uh, the proceeds just skyrocket afterwards. And that is it for the questions. Oh, I thought this that week. there was one more. Nope, that was it. All right, that is it. Thank you very much for all the questions. Couple other things before we go. Again, Ally Quinta versus Paul Felder in Detroit. Love it or hate it? Love, 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 love. Who would have thought? Right? Do you agree with me that they should have done? Swanson Aldo instead of Ortega Swanson and then yeah. Swanson Aldo Ortega Lamas. I like the way you arranged it. Yes, a little bit better. Although I'm not mad at any of them. They're they're great fights. RDA has been pushing for an interim belt being on the line again. Absolutely not. <laughs> not in any like, circumstance in any world in any universe. Zero uh, interest in seeing that for. A- I, I love the fact that uh, he was like, he was like everyone's talking about the interim title. Remember that. Did you see that yeah. tweet? Nobody's, nobody's talking about the interim. I mean, Tyron Woodley, regardless of what you may think of him as a human being and fighter, he has been one of the most active champions in the UFC. Wait, rewind. What do you mean by that? Like, 
regardless of what I mean, you think of him. What are you talking about? Some people don't like him. Some people love him. Some people hate him. It doesn't matter. He, you can't deny the fact that he's one of the most active, if not the most active champion of the past year or so. If you don't like Tyron Woodley, check yourself. That dude is, Newsflash. is the man. There are people who don't like every champion in the UFC, and Woodley's one of them. <laughs> this is the first time you hear of this? Not the first time I hear of it, but do something about this, yeah. people. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, no to that. Um, Definitely not. Walt Harris versus Mark Godbeer has been moved to 217. That's, that's the right move. That is you the know. right move. Greg Hardy is making his amateur MMA debut on November 4th. You in or you out? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard for me to feel good about that one. Mm. James Gallagher is out of his fight next month in Dublin. So Fortunate, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a bit of a bummer. He'll hopefully be back in 2018. Suffered a knee injury. So that is serious stuff. Uh, Jesse Taylor got a one-year suspension from USADA. So that is an unfortunate ending to one of the best stories of the year. And Hajar Gracie has announced his retirement. Favorite Hajar Gracie moment? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't tell you. John Gotti the third. Wait, wait, time out. What's yours? Oh, I was just kind of running through the uh, the news here. Yeah, sure. Tell me yours. Uh, but wait, John Gotti the third is going to be making his. MMA, I saw that. That's that's an interesting MMA one. debut on October twenty seventh for CES. By the way, I was walking down the streets of New York maybe I don't know two or three months ago, and John Gotti the third got out of a taxi. And came up to me and was like, hey, Ariel, I'm John Gotti III. I'm going to be making my MMA debut. You're going to remember me. You're going to be talking to me one day. Damn. And I was like, what? John Gotti? That's great. I, I didn't even know that he was actually like a fighter. I also love how he comes straight out of the car with, I'm John Gotti III. Heck You're yeah. You're remember me. Um, so that's to come. Haja Gracie, I'll go with his win over Kevin Randleman, the late, great Kevin Randleman in St. Louis for Strike Force. Wow. Well done. How about that? Picked one right off Wikipedia. Boom. I was there. You liar. <laughs> you abs- You should apologize. Uh, and that is that. That is Hodger Gracie. All right. We are done. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks to all of you in the back. Thanks to everyone at home. It's time to go home. It's time to call it a day. What a fun show it has been. What a fun afternoon it has been talking a little mixed martial arts with all of you. And so, like I said at the top, a relatively quiet week in the world of MMA, but that all changes this weekend. Bellator is back, and you can make a strong case that their main event featuring Gegard Mousasi and Alexander Shlomenko is the most intriguing fight of the weekend. I think top to bottom, the UFC card is a little better, but... Can't wait to see Gegard Mousasi debut for Bellator and see how he looks and see if he can have the kind of performance that Rory McDonald did in his debut, get some momentum, fight for the belt, and we'll see what happens there. I think that there's a lot riding on that fight for Bellator, and I'm curious to see how Mr. Mousasi responds. Really enjoyed having him in studio, by the way. Not often that he's around these parts, so that was really cool. I appreciate him and his team and, of course, Bellator for hooking us up. Thank you very much to Karolina Kovalkiewicz. A lot of fun to talk to her. I know she's a little short on words at times, but I thought it was cool. 
having her on the program and I wish her the best against Jody Escabel. Thank you very much to Mark Goddard. Keep up the great work, my friend. Thank you very much to Henry Cejudo. What a crazy story that was. So glad to hear that he is okay, that he is feeling okay, that he survived the fires last week in California. Thank you very much to Derek Lewis. Get well soon. Thank you for coming on. Get well soon to Kevin Lee. Appreciate his time as well. Again, as I said, thank you very much to Gary Musasi. Mazel tov to Juliana Pena and her fiance. And thank you very much to the one and only Khabib Nurmagomedov for stopping by. Great to see him back as well. Back next week, same time and place. Until I say peace, somebody out.